Mike, turn your games down. Hi, and welcome to part two of Games My Mom Found, favorite gaming memory, 100K celebration. My name is Mike Elberton, as always. And first, I just want to say, as I said in part one, just thank you guys so much for listening to this, this show, downloading episodes, commenting to us. Like, it means the world to me, and I want you to know that. That's why we made this for you. So this is this set of interviews is going to go from 2000 to the last one being 2017 of different things that people had to talk about. Almost everyone is previous guests of the show, so I hope you enjoy this part, too. And again, just keep listening to the show, and we'll keep. I'm gonna keep making amazing podcasts. <laughs> I say amazing, but I, I they're spectacular. They're fantastic. I don't know other words to use right now. <laughs> all right, uncanny. All right, so definitely go check out. And I hope you enjoy all the interviews. And I will see. That's all. I hope you enjoy. <laughs> Hi, and who's with me? It's me, Jeff Quirk. Hi, Jeff. Welcome back. And as I've said before, what is your favorite gaming memory? My favorite gaming memory. See, when you reached out <laughs> with this question, I was like, instantly, it was like, well, of course, I would love to talk about that. And then, like, afterwards, I was like, oh, boy, what have I committed myself to? Because <laughs> I, I've, I've been very fortunate in so many ways. And one of them, coincidentally, was that I think I was born at a perfect time because I feel like I'm old enough to appreciate the first wave of home consoles. And I hate it's so closely tied like video games are just so closely tied to most of the milestones in my life in one way or another. So like there's a bunch of them. Yeah, I'll give you a couple of quick short ones sure. and then I'll go into my main one that I think is really fun because uh, mostly because I it, I look like a, a real dumbass at the end, too, which is always <laughs> A big change of pace for me. If you spent, a <laughs> I think like some of the the like when I was ten for my birthday, we went to Chuck E. Cheese, which was kind of a big deal because my parents were not really into video games. They were kind of they were just treated differently back in the early eighties. You know, they were kind of like a I don't know what I mentioned rock and roll music. What parents would have thought, even if they weren't <laughs> like we got to burn these things, but just less more of like a ugh, whatever. So anyway, they they were accommodating enough to take me to Chuck E. Cheese. It's Chuck E. Cheese's, whatever. And uh, <laughs> it was phenomenal. And I just had so much fun. And I just remember having what must have been $5 in quarters, but it seems like they lasted forever. And I got to play a bunch of games, which is what you do when you're there. And magnificent time. I remember playing a lot of Food Fight and having fun with that. I think another memories when i was getting ready to get married our bachelor party was at a friend's house they had a barn out in the middle of nowhere that was set up with this crazy av display and so uh, basically we got to play super smash brothers on gamecube on a screen that was the size of a billboard with okay, wavers cool. <laughs> and just like a bunch of my really close friends and uh playing that drinking beer and having fun that was a nice memory i think my last quick hit one will probably be I, I remember the first time I like when I was done downloading and started playing the Dead Rising demo early in the Xbox 360s life. It was one of those experiences where you see something and it was as much about the the fantasy of zombies. I was really into zombie fiction at the time, but also just to see like that it felt like a milestone in a lot of ways where hardware generations kind of have an incremental upgrade 
But that felt like, oh, just at its core, this would not have been possible on previous hardware. Oh, yeah, not at all. <laughs> yeah. But it felt really great, and I loved it. And that demo was probably one of the best demos, in my opinion, ever. Maybe Duke Nukem 3D, the server version. But um, loved it so much. And then the game came out, and I loved it. And got to, a few years later, had interviewed Inafune. It was still at Capcom at the time, and I told him, like, I I love Dead Rising at the like at the time it was true. I was like, I think it's my favorite game. And he seemed like beside himself, not like, wow, but more of like a really? <laughs> when you love this one. <laughs> All right, cool, cool. I didn't waver though. I I I stood firm in the in the face of adversity, even if yeah. I still I have never played Dead Rising one very far. <laughs> really? Yeah, because I, I the, the timer throws me off and I oh yeah. It. But <laughs> yeah, so like, yeah, I totally understand that if you have to let go of like your completionist ways, at least for the first few playthroughs, one, which is hard. But the, the demo was great because it was just like one section of the mall. It was huge. You had 10 minutes, no objectives other than kill a bunch of zombies. And it was just like, oh, my God, I can pick up almost everything and use it as a weapon. And it's silly and fun. But anyway, that was another good memory. <laughs> I think my, my favorite memory, though, was probably with the launch of the PlayStation 2. And it's like it's difficult to overstate how much hype there was around it. You know, there's always a lot of hype within gaming community about the launch of a new platform, as they call it. Yuck. PlayStation 2's launch, the hype was really different in a lot of ways because it seemed like it was the first console that I can remember where. Yeah, so the coverage was really different in a lot of ways because it was focusing on the hardware in an interesting way and they talked about, you know, the, the emotion engine and all the hype around that and what games could do. I remember listening on NPR because I'm a very sophisticated person. <laughs> and there was a segment on Science Friday talking about this console, which was very exciting at the time because it was like, hey, getting some mainstream coverage that wasn't just superficial. Pac-Man is sweeping arcades and munching on quarters. It or was, Mortal Kombat is ma- making people upset. Exactly. Yeah, it felt like it was like, <laughs> This is a big thing. And, you know, then there was also the hype about you wire these together. You've got a supercomputer and Saddam Hussein <laughs> is going to buy a bunch of them to do some stuff with missiles. Oh, yeah, so. I, don't, I think they're far from that powerful. <laughs> what? I, I have no idea what you're talking about. Like, oh, I'm hey. pretty sure it's far from that powerful. But I can see people being dumb like that. Into oh, the yeah. The, the hype was very real. And yeah, whatever. But I was really excited about it as well. But I think my excitement in my wallet caught up to each other a little late. So probably about <laughs> a month beforehand, I pre-ordered one from kbtoys.com. And at that time, I knew well that the pre-orders were pretty scarce to begin with. And just looking on message boards and whatnot, it seemed like people were starting to get waves of notices of cancellations for their orders or delays. And sure enough, I got uh, an email from uh, the fine folks at kbtoys.com saying that shipments were not guaranteed and that I should expect a delay. And I was extremely bummed because right after the off off of the nine nine ninety nine Dreamcast launch, I was like, I think I'm a console launch guy now. That's exciting. <laughs> With that one, I just pre-ordered it at T- Toys R or uh, yeah, Toys R Us and just walked in and when it opened and that was easy enough. But yeah, this one was a lot harder to get a hold of. Anyway, so I heard Best Buy was allocating limited number of units for in-store purchases. So, and I also read that 
people were going to camp out for it, which that I've never been a camp out for anything. And this remains the only time I've done it. So I was like, well, if I want one for sure, I'll just go to Best Buy and wait overnight and get one. So at the time I worked at a newspaper, this is Grandpa Simpson's story, apparently. And uh, (laughs) so I worked late hours. My buddy dropped me off after work at about 1 a.m. or so. And there's already probably a dozen people in line. And so I just parked my little butt on the sidewalk. And I'm (laughs) I'm not like a super outgoing person normally. I've gotten a lot better. But since like at that time, I was definitely a lot less forthcoming with strangers. So I didn't really talk to anyone. And like there were like murmured conversations. I remember at one point people were talking about this upcoming Xbox and how it was going to blow the doors off of the the PS2 even and all this business. So just sat there doing nothing. I did not have a smartphone at the time because, of course, I didn't. And were you even around in 2000? Really? No, no. That, that was probably a large factor and why I did not have <laughs> yeah, I think no, I think smartphones are 2009 or eight, yeah. no, they're six. I can't remember when they come out first. Yeah. It really underscores like the significant change in the way that we are able to wait for things. Cause like uh-huh. then it was literally just me staring ahead in the parking lot and not talking to anyone. And the time just went on forever. I had like a girlfriend at the time. She was a teacher and she stopped by and brought coffee to me before. She had to head over to school, which was nice. And of course, um, at one point, a bunch of people who had picked theirs up from Walmart because they were open 24 hours at that time, (laughs) they drove by in their trucks holding out PlayStation 2s and yelling at us. And that was really fun. (laughs) (laughs) I, I, in retrospect, I was like, that is actually really good. I like that now. (laughs) At the time, I just remember being like, well, yeah, I mean, the people waiting there is like, come on. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. So then I had all that time to think and I was like, okay, I've got my perfect, there's like 20, almost 30 games for that initial launch window. And I was very careful about how I selected the titles. I was very confident with that. So they gave out the tickets or whatever and said like, beyond this point, good luck to you. But I was, I had like a healthy amount of, uh, like a nine for tickets. Are, yeah. They, they, they passed out the tickets and then it was just like, Oh, yeah, I'm absolutely getting one. This is so exciting. And um, so I shuffled along the line, grabbed my stuff. And then uh, one of my buddies picked me up and we ate at a Chinese buffet, which <laughs> I'm just adding flavor here, Mike. That's what's happening. I just remember being so deliriously tired and getting home and setting it up. And I the three games that I spent a lot of time thinking about, SSX, starting off strong, Summoner. Which, I like Summoner. Yeah, I, I would like to go back to it because I think that I was just not in the mindset for that kind of a game at that time. Like, I liked RPGs a lot, but that was just different it, enough to where I could not understand it. It was very different. Yeah. And then inexplicably, I I uh, bought Madden NFL 2001. <laughs> I, have, I, I think you can count on one hand the number of football games I've ever watched. And I, again, <laughs> you are owning Madden. I don't know why I did that. But Under pressure. Yeah, exactly. So I, I was like checking out Summoner. I played like one run of SSX before moving on and then knock at the door and it's a FedEx guy or UPS or whatever. And there's my PlayStation 2 that I'd ordered from KBToys.com. Oh. <laughs> so 
It was awful. It was, it was, I think it's funny, but at the same time, I, it put me in the spot where I was like, I sold it on eBay, but I, it, it got picked up almost instantly because I did not gouge a ton. I was mostly like, I want to make enough of this to where I could pay the shipping and also a little bit of my time because I have to walk over to the UPS store. <laughs> yeah, get your money back. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But I was not one of the $4,000, that kind of a thing. But I hate that every time. Because I'm a hero <laughs> is what I'm also saying. A, a humble man of the people. But <laughs> So that was it. Basically, if I just stayed home, I would have gotten a nice night's sleep and and the same stuff. But you wouldn't have that moment of waiting. Like I, I have only did mi- I only done midnight launches for a couple games in my life. I never waited for a system. Mm-hmm. Don't care enough. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's just me. I also don't like buying. I don't like brand new systems in general. Mm-hmm. But that's just I play all. I'm all. I'm, just, I'm so far behind on games. But but no, I mean, hey, you had an experience. You had an experience that you'll. I mean, did you do other systems too at launch? After this, I'm I, assuming. Yeah, I did the the. Uh... The Dreamcast, but that was just a different deal. That was mostly, yeah, you just, I bought the ticket a few weeks ahead. Then I showed the ticket and picked it up. And that was that. I was like, I thought that life was going to be easy. And then, yeah, I I think the other ones I I bought launch day or within like a week or so, depending on how well I was planning my life at the moment. (laughs) And have you ever played Summoner again since back back then when you first got a PS2? I have not. And I know that we visited for uh, Saints Row the Third. I think they were just called Volition at the time out in the Chicago suburbs. And I had not realized until we were talking to people. I was like, oh, these guys made that Summoner game. And as we were talking about it fondly, I was like, ah, I really should go check that out. And I have not played it since. And you do some context clues like it's been since 2000. You know, it, yeah, but like even the last time I really even thought about it was like around Saints Row the Third coming out. So it's been a long time. Maybe, I, yeah, I should go back to it. it I, I beat it once back mm-hmm. in, I want to say the early 2000s when I yeah. bought it like real cheap at a GameStop. But I remember liking it, but I remember being like super confusing to figure it out. And like, mm-hmm. it was a, it's a, str- it was a strange game, but I remember I did like it once yeah. I understood what I was doing. Yeah, I think RPGs, not to go off on a big tangent here, but I think it's interesting as well to see that a lot of the, ambition that developers had has finally met up with and i i mean i say has finally over the past decade or so <laughs> caught up to like technology so the things that they were aspiring to do could be done reasonably yeah but there that's my important insight for you it's also it's just a very it's a very strange game i own summoner 2 also but i've never played it i voted for over 20 years but i've never touched it <laughs> oh my goodness i'm sure over 20 years, maybe less than that but it's been a long time yeah, I sold a bunch of my PS2, unfortunately. Uh, don't ever sell your games, but uh, I got to figure out how I can play Summoner. Have they ever done like a remake or putting on like a retro? I do not think so. All right. I'm pretty sure they have not. I Because yeah. that's something that I would have I bought. <laughs> if I would have saw it like on Steam for cheap, I would own it for sure. Yeah. But no, I don't think it ever got re-released. But no, I haven't thought about the game either. Now that you mentioned it, I'm like, I'm looking up stuff about like, huh, I should I should play that again someday. Yeah. Yeah, record the whole thing and then send it to me. Then I'll have the experience. <laughs> but yeah, I have something or two to the right of me. I Because you speak of selling games, I have only ever sold two games in my life and I felt terrible about it. So I never did it again. Half-Life for PS2 and some <laughs> weird samurai roller skating game for PS2 that I bought. Oh, can you narrow it down? The roller skating samurai game? No, I'm just having fun. But And that's it. And then I was I have, I have almost sold more stuff over the years, but every every time I'm like... 
oh, I felt sports games like, but that's nah. I don't. Mm-hmm. Really yeah, I just can't. I just I don't. I mean, I've I've lost games over time. I had games stolen from me. I'm pretty sure in my collection as I moved around, but I've never. I never. I never sell stuff anymore. It's just yeah. I'm at a point where I've got. I, my collection is just taking up so much space. I'm gonna put oh, I understand. some of it just in storage, just because I feel like the days of me feeling like I have to have my my trophy room, like I would rather reclaim some of that space and then <laughs> oh I, I know what you then I could put and I I told my wife my plan and my plan is to move some of the games in storage so I could put my Lego collection in place. So don't think that I it's because <laughs> I want to have uh, a grown up area and it's not the case well i i have like seven bookshelves around me full of games mostly 360 games and stuff and i mm-hmm. i thought about it a few times being like i could just sell all these and yeah that did not happen they're just there on the shelf stuff <laughs> yeah exactly i just i mean even though i don't even need them anymore i have i have i have other ways to play them or i have them on steam but i'm just like i i, I can't do that <laughs> no just no reason to really <laughs> just can't bring myself so yeah exactly. all right well, and then it's just imagine the future when you you go to play one with kids or some just with yourself, and then the discs have rotted and there's mm-hmm. no data on them, and you've just been and then you chuck moving them. around with you for decades. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you for joining me, Jeff. This was fun. At, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> All right, and stay tuned for the next interview. Hi, and who's with me for this for this one? Hi, it's Alyssa. Welcome back, and tell me, what is your favorite gaming memory? My favorite game memory would probably be... Oh, jeez. Oh, wait. Okay. (laughs) I think my favorite gaming memory would be with Super Mario Sunshine. Uh, I should have known. I know. (laughs) That is my top favorite game. I will always be in the mood to play it. I love that game so much. It was one of the first games that I remember playing as a kid. I remember playing that more than playing on the Super Nintendo, like Super Mario World. That was another good game, but Super Mario Sunshine, I played that the most. And I actually, I didn't fully beat it until a couple of years ago. Your de- definition of beating it is 100%, isn't it? Yeah. Which is, as we talked about in the other episode, <laughs> insane. <laughs> yeah, that game, it's difficult to 100%. For the longest time, for literal years, I was looking for the last of the blue coins, and I could not find them for the life of me. And every once in a while, I would just go on my main profile game, and I would try to find them to 100% it, and I just I could never do it. So I would always just play the game through again and get as much as possible on like the other two profiles because you have like you could you know either select A, B, or C, and, and yeah, I. Uh, yeah, I didn't fully complete that until a couple of years ago. But um <laughs> which I find yeah. insane. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and now I have multiple profiles that are 100% because I love that game so much. But yeah, that my favorite memory of that is just remembering uh, you know, playing that as a child with my sister. I remember we got that game and the GameCube was the family council and you know, we'd all take turns playing it a lot, but that was one of our main games that we had. That and Star Fox Adventures, which is another <laughs> good game. Um, but yeah, we all loved that game a lot. But I remember playing that, you know, with my family and stuff. And I know with the racing, when you could go on the blooper and like race, I would always have to ask my sister to beat it for me because 
I can never beat it. That was like a one thing that was hard to me with the whole game. Um, the whole game is hard. No, that whole <laughs> game is a piece of cake. I, <laughs> but I, I played it. I don't even want to know how many times. So we have different opinions on that. But it's a good game. Race is it's definitely the hardest. So part. hard. No, Mike. <laughs> did you guys? Did did your sisters all like it too? Both your sisters or? Yes. Not so much my oldest sister. Uh, she didn't really play video games as much, but my closer sister, um, or closest in age, I guess, I mean, um, Haley, she uh, she would play on it with me a lot. Okay, and I think that's also a thing that always bonds people to, is when you have a game that you're playing together with someone else. Right. I mean, and with Super Mario Sunshine, there is so much to do. Do you remember what blue coin, like, what area the blue coin was that you couldn't find for? And I'm assuming you didn't use a guide, did you, for stuff like that? No. Honestly, I have no idea because okay. there was a couple different areas that I knew that you there was like 30 coins in each world. And there was a couple different worlds that I, I didn't have like the full amount. So, <laughs> yeah, because some of them, it's difficult because you really got to like, you really have to be looking at everything. Like, I remember in Rico Harbor, in a specific episode, you have to uh, lift the yellow boat up. Like, you squirt your gun at the little propeller thing, and then the boat rises, and then you get a blue coin from that. Like, there's really specific things. Or, like, in Bianco Hills, like, there's a certain tree that you go, and you have to, like, you know, spray it with a water gun, and, like, you get a blue coin from that. Like, it's in in specific episodes for certain coins, and it makes it very difficult. The game's insane. Insanely good. (laughs) And I also always find it impressive that, because at this point, I think you have what all three of your saves are maxed out or two of the three are maxed out in your memory card. Yes. <laughs> that is impressive. When we played it for the show, God, I think it was earlier this year. Did you end up maxing out that save? No. Okay. Because I played it, um, I played it through and then I ended up playing like, not like fully hundred percent, but like the, I got all the stars, but not the blue coins. And then I ended up playing it again. <laughs> so like stars are maxed out but not the blue coins because the blue coins again like i don't remember how i found the other ones so 100 the one on the gamecube so there's still certain places that i'm like oh shoot like i have no idea where these blue coins are i mean they're hard to find from what i remember when i played the game they're just in a lot of random places exactly like you yeah. were saying in certain chapters like no thank you <laughs> <laughs> yes thank you <laughs> it's too much no it's not enough i hope they make a sequel is Super Mario Sunshine one of your one of your earliest gaming memories then too? Yes. Okay, that makes sense. And why it would stick with you? I mean, I know that came out two thousand two, and so did Star Fox Adventures, which I know you're a big fan of. Yes, and I was born in nineteen ninety seven, so I was five when it came out. So you know that was when I first started like remembering, you know, playing games and stuff like that. That's so. also how it works a lot of times. There'll be whatever you know, a lot of early games and. It's always interesting to hear what people's first Mario game is. Like, for me, the first one that I really remember is Super Mario World. But it's, it's interesting, you know, like with Sunshine, it, I hated that game. I had no interest in that game until I played it for the show. And it, it it's fun, most part. <laughs> it's super fun for all the parts, not for the most part. <laughs> it's a long, it can be a long-ass game. Like, I always give you props. And, I mean, anyone that listened to our episode should give you props for what you did by 100% in that game. Because that is a hell of an achievement. Yes, it is amazing. And I know I'm everything like Super Mario Sunshine. Like I know in, that you you have a you made a giant perler bee to one of those people. I don't remember their names. The Pianta people. Yes. Yes, I love it. <laughs> that is like That's my all... favorite piece by far. That also kind of shows your love for that Super Mario Sunshine. 
Do you want to say anything about Star Fox Adventures? Yes. Okay, so Star Fox Adventures. I did not play Star Fox like on the N64 or on the Super Nintendo. My first introductory to Star Fox was Star Fox Adventures on the GameCube. And, you know, as we just talked about, like, that also came out, you know, at the same time as Super Mario Sunshine. So that was another game that I grew up on. And that game is also, in my opinion, pretty amazing. <laughs> and that is another game that I could play over and over and over again. But the thing that I get stuck on for that game is when you're trying to uh, defeat the Lightfoot villager and you have to like tap a really fast to try to push him into the pit <laughs> i still i still to this day I, I have to ask my dad to come over and beat it for me because i cannot beat it even to this day as an adult i still cannot beat it without my dad's help the funny thing is when we played the game for the show i think i ended up getting through in like a trick because we're well, not really a trick my emulator slowed down at that part so when i hit a and i was tapping fast it went by super fast because the game was running at like 50 percent oh. speed I'm like, hey, no problem. I just won almost instantly. I'm like, this isn't hard, but it's because my emulator couldn't handle it. I am going to get to that point in the game on my GameCube. I'm going to bring my GameCube over, and you're going to have to try to beat it with the GameCube controller. Sure, I'll try it. I will legit do that. Like, seriously, I I love that game, so it wouldn't take me long at all to get to that point. (laughs) But I couldn't do it on on legit hardware. Oh my gosh. That's one of those games that, well, both Super Mario Sunshine and Star Fox Adventure, if I wasn't playing on emulators at the time we did those, I never would have seen the end. Because those are two games that I just could not have done. So I give you, I give you credit for finishing both of those. Oh, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Star Fox is another one that I've played. I don't even want to know how many times. Yeah, nothing wrong with that. I mean, we all have our games that are, are comfort games. I mean, for me, Chrono Trigger, Final Fantasy VI, I go back to every so many years and replay them. And they're not short games, though, so... Hollow Knight is another one for me. Or Skyrim. <sighs> I never played Skyrim. <gasps> I own it. I own multiple what? copies of it. Never touched it yet. Oh, have you not? Okay. Wait. Okay. What system do you have it on, though? Because they just came out with an update, like, recently. And it's for the Xbox and the PlayStation. They didn't put it on the Switch, which is kind of annoying. But I have a PS3 copy, a 360 copy. I have multiple stuff. Game of the year. Like, I, I always would pick it up when I'd find it for cheap. I just never... Get- never gotten around to playing it it is such a good game it's so great but it is very long because there's a lot like i've played that game through probably let's see i had on the 360 i beat it i had on the xbox one beat it playstation 4 (laughs) beat it and then the switch and beat it but by beat it i mean like beat the main storyline oh that's all i'm gonna do yeah each time that i played it though I would find somewhere new that I'm like, whoa, like I thought I did like every single mission that I could in this game. But there's always, there's just that game is so huge, especially if you get the DLCs as well. Like there is so much to that game That's that we'll like it's, it's a lot, but it's nice though. Cause if you want a game to like, I mean, not like, not for you because you know, <laughs> you, you play a lot of games for your, for your podcast every week. If you just want to just leisurely play a game, that is the best one. Okay. Yeah, because I play every single week, so it, it makes things hard. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, I'll thank you, Alyssa, for sharing that. And of course. Everyone, stay, stay tuned for the next one. Hi, and who's with me? This is Sam Mercer. And welcome back, Sam. Been a little while since the last time we talked. Can't even remember what it was. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I'm not sure. I think it was... Um... 
Resident was Evil. It beautiful, was it Beautiful Joe or was it Chernobyl? Oh, I think no, Stalker. Stalker, Stalker was after Stalker. Beautiful Joe. Yeah. The second yeah. Stalker game. <laughs> Two great memories. <laughs> God, that Clear Sky? Clear Sky is the second one, right? No, I didn't touch Clear Sky. I believe I did um, Shadow oh. Chernobyl. Okay, so yeah, no, Beautiful Joe then. God, it's been a long time. Yes, it has been a, it has been a, a minute. Okay, and as I've said before in this special episode, what is your favorite gaming memory? You know, this was definitely a hard question to figure out, and I bet almost everyone has said something similar to that. <laughs> yeah. The uh, I think I think I figured it out finally, and it's not what I expected, and that's what kind of surprised me. I believe my favorite gaming memory is from fighting Riku in Kingdom Hearts 1. Okay. I remember, I remember being alone and getting super frustrated, just <laughs> unbelievably frustrated. I didn't manage the game economy very well, didn't manage my shortcuts very well. The um, I didn't always have the the right sword and, and and you know my like my move sets. I didn't have a lot of that, a lot of that planned out because I was still in the phase of like, well, I'm going to hit the X button and I'm going to attack and attack and attack and attack and maybe I'll try to take a potion and heal. So I wasn't playing the game very well. <laughs> I still got through it, but like when I got to that Riku fight, man, I got so mad that I took my controller and I physically bit into it <laughs> and <laughs> left teeth mark. And I was thinking to myself, like, why, why, why do I keep thinking about this when I was trying to come up with my favorite gaming memory? I'm like, why do I keep, I keep coming back to this one thing? And I, you know, it's funny because it's a, you know, it was a miserable experience. Yeah. And what I realized was, that's where I really learned to get better at games. And also, that was the moment that that controller really became my controller, and I became <laughs> protective of it. Like if people came over, friends came over, I always made sure to give them the green controller. Mine was the standard standard issue black PS2 controller. I love that thing. And now <laughs> it had been marked. And I think that there was a little bit of an evolution uh, to this story that, that made it a little bit extra interesting. My brother, my little brother, who hasn't played as much video games as I have, I, you know, it's just I've beaten him just demolished him in terms of hours spent playing video games <laughs> only a few years ago he um he approached me and he was like hey you know i i watched you play kingdom hearts so long ago i think i'd like to try to play that game and i sat down with him worked on the game with him you know taught him all the things that i knew about the game and when we got to the riku fight he was ready he was so ready in fact that he beat Riku on the first try and <laughs> he was such a dick about it. I remember he turned to me and he said, Oh, that was easy. <laughs> I cannot believe you. I set you up for that. I taught you everything you needed to know. I made sure you had the right keyblade. I made you made sure you had the right shortcuts enabled. You had the, oh, a good mix of potions. Uh, you know, just everything was ready and you were like prepared for that fight you've done enough level grinding and everything like they set you up for success and this is how you pay me but it just every time i think about games and especially my ps2 which was my first system i always go back to that controller and being protective of that controller and when i think about the controller i think about the bite marks and i think about the riku <laughs> how much i just like really really got frustrated 
So yeah. So how, that, how old were you when you played it the first oh, time? That's a good question. I must have been in my teens. I I have no idea what my actual age was when I was fighting it, but I was deaf uh, when I was deaf when I was fighting it. That's funny. <laughs> I must have been younger because I just like a lot of that stuff didn't make sense to me. A, a lot of the game, like a lot of the skills and perks that you can unlock, you know, I, I ignored a lot of it because I was just like, I don't, I don't know. This is too. It's a confusing game. I just like, gotta, I just gotta fight. You know, I'm trying to keep track of the story, and God knows that story is hard to keep track of. Oh God, uh, we... especially in the later games. I played it a few few months ago for the show, or maybe more than that. It was episode 175, I think, or 151 of those. We played it at some point for the show, and it is a super confusing game that makes very little sense. Oh, yeah. And it's long. I mean, I think I, I sank, like, easily 50 hours into that game. Easily. I was surprised how much there is to it. Like, I was surprised how, like, how complex the fighting gets and everything. Like, it took me a while to really get it down to, like, I, I had I got very annoyed with that game when I replayed it. <laughs> like I yeah. completely get. It. Yeah, yeah. No, that makes sense. I think a lot of people struggle with the Riku fight. Uh, and in in King Hearts two, I think it's the the dude with the guitar, the water dude that you fight. I forget. I forget his uh, thing. The only thing I remember is dance, water, dance. <laughs> it's burned <laughs> into my skull. That and get up on the Hydra's back. But <laughs> I haven't played two since oh six or oh seven. Yeah. I remember nothing about Kingdom Hearts 2. Kingdom Hearts 2 had those cool forms that you could transform into, and I loved the dual Keyblade stuff. I thought it was so cool, but there was something about 1 that I preferred. I think I think 1 had my favorite... introduced me to my favorite aspect of a video game. Uh, when you go to that first level, I think it's Traveler's Town? Traverse Town? Something? Yeah, it's Traverse Town. Or Traveler's yeah, uh, Town. Whatever the hell it's called. You get to that area, and I think I'd seen this once before in uh, Metroid, in a Metroid game. I don't even remember which one, but it really sank in, I think, in this game first. Uh, this idea of, uh, I'll refer to it as room progression. It's not, I don't know if that's exactly the right term for it. But you, you go to this area, and there's, there's stuff that you can do in this area, but you can't do everything yet. There's, like, special locked doors. There's stuff you can't get to, and you get, like, you know, your double jump, or you get a certain spell. Or, or you have to come back to this planet. Uh, but the, the idea is that you, you, you do a whole bunch of stuff for this planet, but you have to keep coming back when you have new skills, new abilities, new things to unlock more about this town. And I don't know if it was a combination of the soundtrack, my young age, and being immediately nostalgic of this one little place, this safe area. But I just like that, that level itself really imprinted itself on me. And like I think about when I think about that controller. I think about the Riku fight. I think about <laughs> Traverse Town and and that room progression of just like expanding and, and, and really getting to explore an area and get very comfortable with it. I find it, it's a very safe and fun place to be. I love the music in that game, too. That probably helps a lot. It's a good game. Like there's still there's just so much to it. There's so much to the combat, like the little decision when you first start the game, depending on what you pick and what you get rid of out of the shield, the sword and the staff, like the effects. I love how that. your character plays throughout the game, which I did not research like I probably should have and had issues <laughs> that I, I was not I okay loved. With. I always loved how they framed that. It's just this like end all be all like this is the core of you and you have to figure this out about yourself. You know, another game that I really like that kind of has that similar feel to it in the beginning of the game is Persona 3. Or it's this whole, like, you know, you have a year to live, like, you got to figure out all your stuff, and you have to really live your life to the fullest in that game. And, and that, it's a similar kind of vibe of this, like, super high-level, almighty, like, 
you know, like, and reaching down into your core kind of game really speaks to you. And like the, the soundtrack, the, the level design of that, that intro part of the game was so cool. I loved it so much. I like showing it to like people that, that, that have never played Kingdom Hearts uh, before either. It's a fun little section of the game to break out. It's just you, – you, you have to break it out at the right time in the right place though. Like I, I find it is almost a spiritual aspect of that game, if I can say that. It's just so – there's something that is absolutely magical about it that like really hits home like no other game does. Okay. It's a series that I can't wait to, repl- to play more of. I'm glad you know, that it affected I, you so much that way. Yeah, I, I, I haven't touched Kingdom Hearts 3 yet, but I'd be very curious to see uh, how good it is. I, I know almost nothing about the game, but I, I got enjoyment <laughs> out of, of 2. It was fine. I am a little nervous about the story. Um, <laughs> it's weird I, as hell and makes no sense. So. Exactly. I, I, you know, I'm not going to play all those other games. And uh, you know, I already saw some cutscenes and stuff from like 2, and I was like, I don't know what's going on. Like This doesn't make any sense. <laughs> so, 2 I doesn't make to, sense. Unless you play Chain of Memories also. Exactly. And I think at that point, you just got to be like, you're either the type of fan that is like, okay, I want to I know the story of Kingdom Hearts. And so I'm going to spend like $300 getting all of these games, even the weird card ones that are on mobile or, or, or handheld devices. Yeah, Game Boy Advance to, <laughs> or, the, or the recoded on PS2 or all the other current systems too. Yeah. And you got to be willing to make that time sync or you uh, just accept <laughs> the fact that you're not going to really know what's going on, but you can mash that X button and probably get through it. <laughs> That's actually what I'm up to is I plan to play through the game, play through the whole series eventually. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that'll be a journey uh, as something that I want. This is this is this might become my new favorite memory. We'll, we'll see here. <laughs> my dream is to play through all of Resident Evil. That's my dream. Uh, haven't you done that already? I haven't. I haven't done it. I've been setting it up. You know, it's funny. I I went out and I printed out like all of the documents from all of the games. <laughs> I have I have a giant banquet box that has all of the documents from all of the all the games. At least when I printed it out, I think I don't have Resident Evil Eight and you know no, the it... new documents from the new Resident Evil Two and Resident Evil Three remake that I don't have included in there. It would have been before it. that because I. You're bringing back an old memory. I vaguely remember us or Stu a long ass time ago talking about that. Oh, I've talked to Stu about it. I've talked to everybody about it. But I don't think anybody can follow me along in this ride. Because, number one, it just requires a huge time commitment. It is Mm -hmm. a colossal time commitment and i mean you have to you have to be more than in love with the games to do it i mean i can i know i know a million people that would love to sit down and play a resident evil with me but to go through all of them yeah and the original concept like i played around with it a bunch of times the original concept was like me and two friends and we were going to sit down and we were going to play through the whole fucking thing start to finish we would have like either rotating shifts or we would we would break it up and it would be the three of us playing, one person on one person on game, one person that's there kind of assisting him to ass, just to help him get through the puzzles and stuff and and navigating the map and stuff. Because we're talking about such a large amount of time, we, we're not going to spend time learning how to speed run the game, but we want someone to kind of be there with like the guidebook. And it's like, here, yeah, you need to go through here with fast. this item to this item. Don't pick up this. You won't have room in your inventory for this later that you need. That kind of stuff to just kind of accelerate. And then the third person is like the the narrator, the or the the voiceover artist that is just 
that's talking. It should be like a recorded podcast or, or a recorded series. And I thought it would be at first like a really cool way to like launch Stuart's YouTube channel. And then it was like, this could be just like us internally because it was just fun. And then it really devolved into like, you know, the, the amount of time and scheduling that this would require to set up and go through was just monumental. And it's It'd like, be cool, oh, though. it would be really cool. But what would be easier is if I sat down and I did it. it was just yeah, I would recommend just record yourself and do it. I mean, like, I've still been doing this show now for over three years, getting close to four. Like, you know, you just it, it's hey, doing passion project is freaking amazing. Like, I, I highly recommend it. Yeah, maybe that's what I do. I need to figure out how to do all the screen recording and everything. And uh Picture in picture, because we got a lot of different consoles that all these games are on. So that'll be <laughs> the PCs for. Oh yeah, uh, I don't PC know. can PC play almost all those games for you. You know, actually, there are like PC ports for um for like Outbreak. I mean, those are some well, hard other, other ways to play Outbreak also. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, I mean, I I recommend going for it. Yeah, I think I might. That'll right. be a journey for sure. But <laughs> I, that would be a really really cool experience. And now that you know, I'm an adult. I have resources at my disposal so I can <laughs> pull it off all right well thank you sam for coming on and sharing that yeah it was so great to talk with you again <laughs> it's Mike. been a long time on the show later be great all right and for everyone else stay tuned for the next interview hi and who's with me hey it's julian titus from the nerds without pants podcast celebrating 10 years as um Damn. games my mom found celebrates a hundred thousand uh download so it's it's cause for <laughs> celebration all around that is 10 years is pretty damn impressive i i look forward to the day i hit 10 years <laughs> i have you no might, idea you when... might you might think that now <laughs> it'll be insane when i get there i can tell you that much because i yeah. work too much but i do look forward to it <laughs> and as i've said i'm assuming many times before what is your favorite gaming memory you know it, when you approach me about this i had to really think pretty hard because i don't even though like gaming is like the capital yeah it is it's literally like i am i am that guy who's like oh no like my identity is gamer like for you know for good and bad like like the, the, it's so much part of me that but but for all of that like it, it's you know i was tr- trying to think of like well because I, I don't really like play like multiplayer stuff and i don't really have like a lot of like gaming accomplishments but i think most of my like greatest memories revolve around my uh, local or my indie store that I worked at for almost ten years, Gamefellas. This, is, this wasn't a chain then, was it? No, no, no. Well, I mean, it was it was a local chain. We had, I think, at our peak, we had six stores. So okay. you know, like like there was a period in where you know, if you lived in Texas and you liked video games, you knew Gamefellas, even though you know we were centered centered around Austin and San Antonio. Like people would come from hundreds of miles away, you know, to come shop with us. That's pretty um, cool. Yeah, yeah, it, it was. Those were the best years of my life, and um, I think one of my fa- like, I mean, there's tons of moments. Um, we actually, our mutual friend uh, Bill Tucker, I was on uh, Gamer Looks at Forty <laughs> for a special episode where we were just, ta- you know, reminiscing about the show, or uh, sorry about the <laughs> about the uh, the store. And uh, I think I think one of my my favorite memories is after I had been at my the location that was basically like the assistant manager for. For like about about a year, year two years, we had gotten like this really nice custom location built for us. Like it was actually like you know painted and put together with like new fixtures and everything. It was this gorgeous store, huge. And <laughs> uh, we started nice. running. Uh, we well we we had already started running tournaments before that. 
but um, at the new location, we you know it was even better, right? We and we started running like tournaments throughout the summers, and we had a Smash Brothers uh, melee. I think that's the one for GameCube. Yep, melee. Yeah, uh, we had a, a melee tournament, and I think we had a hundred and fifty people enter. It was massive. Like it was such a huge tournament that the mall security like came by and it was like, uh, you need to like get some people out of here. Like this is a fire hazard. Like, because the store was, I still have a, I have a one picture of it. Well, not, I have a few pictures, but there's one that I, the great picture that I took where basic, like half of the store is just jam packed with people watching this tournament. And so we have, we had to like break it into heat and had, had to like schedule people so they could come back later to do their matches because <laughs> Otherwise, like we just couldn't operate, and also they were going to shut us down. Um, <laughs> Fire hazards. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But man, like we, because I think we had like the whole staff working that day, and my guys were always like just a blast to work with, and like all of the participants were having a blast, and the the spectators were really enjoying it, and it was just like a fantastic day. And I, I think I think it was. Um, I think we had, it was a, it was on a Sunday, so we would close at six. But I think we had to go like until like seven, uh, just because like there was you know so many people to handle. I mean, there's so much uh, skill too with Smash Brothers. So I mean, I, I can see that going a bit. Oh yeah, yeah. And I remember you know because I don't I don't I don't play Smash, but uh, Mark Marco, one of the the guys who who worked for me, he was a huge Smash player, and so he announced what the fi- when we got to the like the final. You know, he was like, "Okay, it's going to be this stage, no items, blah blah blah," and like everybody cheered. <laughs> and and uh, you know, because I think it's that it's that I think it's the final boss level where it's just like a very basic level. Final, so like final destination. Yeah, that's the one. So you know, just like it really comes down to no, it's whoever's actually the best at this game is you know going to take this. So yeah, that was that was a blast. <laughs> Not the way I like to play, but I get it. Like if you're if you're doing yeah. a tournament, you have to play that way. Yeah, Marco and and his friends would do like ninety nine stock four players like all night long. <laughs> I mean, I went through a phase where I played a lot of Smash Brothers, but that was that was a long time. That was in person with GameCube days, a long time. Yeah, ago. I mean, it was it was so geared for it, you know? Like yeah. that GameCube was like the last Nintendo system that I truly loved, and where I was like, yeah, man, GameCube, like you know. And then Nintendo went in a very different direction than I went with my gaming. <laughs> no, I don't really play Nintendo. I mean, I have a Switch and I I have a few games, but. I'm not Nintendo kind of really like I hate I hate the Wii. I, I will curse that damn system every day. I hate it. I don't have that strong a feeling for <laughs> it, but, but it, it it's um it definitely wasn't what I was looking for at that time. And then, you know, the Wii U just was kind of more of the same. Yeah, uh, I we is not great. Yeah, I like it better than the switch, though. Oh, hot take. <laughs> OK, I mean, I don't have a problem with the switch. I just my biggest issue with Nintendo is games don't get cheap and I'm a cheap bastard. That's yeah, that that's been a problem of theirs for a long time. Yeah, um, and I've been introduced to Steam and I can't go back. So, right. <laughs> but that's a whole nother issue. <laughs> but yeah, I don't I don't play a lot of Nintendo stuff. Plus, I don't like to re-release things that like Eternal Darkness. So that makes me upset, too. Yeah, I, I was actually, you know, I, I have a pretty nice collection of games, but I've been thinking about shedding quite a bit of it just because I had been squirreling away games for like that time when i would like quote unquote retire from gaming and you know not be buying the newest stuff anymore but how's that going uh not going good mike <laughs> because uh you know i have a podcast and and i i just i've always like i've been bleeding edge since the 
N64. Like, okay. since N64, I've pretty much bought every new system. If not at launch, then, like, within, like, the launch window or within the first year. Um, so I've always been, like, current on, on gaming. Uh, and I don't see that stopping anytime soon. So it's like, okay, maybe I don't need to be, you know, to have all these acorns here. They're, I think they're going to go bad if I, you know, I'm not going to get to eat them or whatever. So I was looking at my GameCube collection. It's, it's a small collection, but I was like, I don't, I don't, I think I can get rid of these. But then I look at Eternal Darkness and I'm like, oh, but Eternal Darkness, though. <laughs> I mean, it also depends on your ideology when it comes to any way you can. <laughs> so Yeah, and, and I'm, I, I ch- chalk it up to my, you know, old retail days, but I'm, I'm staunchly anti um, emulation. So, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm a big original hardware, you know, original software guy. Started to relax on that a little bit in the last couple of years. Like I kind of, I get it. But I, you know, especially well, you know, especially since 2020, since like the used prices like skyrocketed. Oh yeah, that's crazy. why I don't. Yeah. Well, I stopped collecting any. I mean, I still buy stuff, but it's nothing like what it was. Yeah. <laughs> I just. <laughs> but that's cool. I mean, and it must be exciting working at a, you know, at a at a chain, you know, not a chain store, really, like you know, more a much smaller own one. Oh yeah, I mean that that that's why I was there so long is because even though I didn't own it, like I had ownership in it. And, oh, you know, well, well, you know, well, like, like stock and stuff, right? No, 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 no. I mean, I just mean like I, I had a sense of ownership over it. Oh, you know? okay. Like like that was especially that location. That was my store, you know, capital M, even though I didn't have any financial stake in it. Like I worked there as if I did. And yeah, you know, like being able to, you know, put up stupid signs like <laughs> handmade signs and stuff like that or um you know, just just decide like, oh, you know what? Like, I think we're going to color code like our games so that we can see them easier in the back. Because we had like, you know, you could demo any game in the store. So we would have like the we would pull the discs from, you know, all the cases and put them behind the counter. And they were they're all in like clear jewel cases. But, you know, I was like, you know, it, it sometimes it's really hard to like sift through and find like PlayStation one versus PlayStation two and so on. So let's color code them. You know, it's like didn't have to ask anybody about that. Didn't have to get approval. Just did it. And it was it was nice having that that freedom. And then, of course, just having like a ragtag crew of pure knucklehead. Um, <laughs> and I mean, we would just spend the whole day laughing and, you know, cutting jokes and talking about games in the nerdiest way possible. Like, yeah, it was it was a it was pure joy. <laughs> Oh, and oh, that company still exists. It looks like I looked them up. They're still at least there's a website for them still. Yeah. Um. I, no comment. Okay. No problem. <laughs> <laughs> well, I know. I mean, every everything with gaming has changed. I mean, I I talk. I used to work with a bunch of people who worked at GameStop, and like, yeah, mm-hmm. they they said it was great during the 360 era. They're like, this was a great time, and yeah, they didn't have uh, other things to say anymore. About, so yeah, I think you know the game stores are, are never going to be what they were because of digital and just everything's changed oh yeah and you know that's that's the thing and also you know like with or excuse me with the pandemic like and and the, the skyrocketing pro- skyrocketing prices because honestly pre-covid i had had a plan on moving to colorado and opening a store oh yeah um, i remember and, you telling me that yeah and then and then all this happened and uh, so i was like i don't think that's gonna happen and then i you know just kind of put down roots where i where i'm at but but you know i don't even i i don't know how you run a store right now because like 
You're damned if you do, <laughs> damned if you don't. You can't afford to give the amount in trade-in or cash to people bringing in games for what they're worth. But no, if you also try to charge what they're, you know, what they're currently going for in your store, like you just get raked over the coals and you know, it's a bad, it's a bad look, right? Like, cause you look like you're gouging, but it's like, but that's also like what games are going for right now. So, yeah. you know, it, like, like it's not, it's, it's not an enviable situation by any means. So, you know, maybe in some way, like I'm kind of fortunate that I didn't go down that path, but yeah, it could have been I'll real bad wonder. in 2020. So yeah, <laughs> there's actually a used game store next to me that doesn't exist any, or near me that doesn't exist anymore. And every, every so often I drive down that highway or that street and I'll see the sign. I'm like, Oh man, I wish this was still here, but it went, it went, yeah bankrupt or closed sometime around covid from the sound yeah. of it before i or before COVID, before i moved out here but it, make, it makes me sad because i would have liked to <laughs> like to go there yeah yeah i've, ne- I've never been to a store that was as good as mine and and i <laughs> i think that that's why i wanted to make to open one because i was like i can do this way better than the stores that are here but you know that that was a that was a julian for a different timeline all right well thank you for sharing that julian yeah and stay tuned for the next interview Hi, and who's with me for this recording? Hi, uh, my name is Star. Hi, and welcome back. You've been on a, a few episodes, but you are here for to talk. Tell me, what is your favorite gaming memory? My favorite gaming memory is my first online match ever, which was in Halo 2. <laughs> um, okay. Yeah, I got the Xbox original a few years before then, and is this great memory of like getting an Xbox and you know getting in these stack of games and it was my first console. Before that it had been family consoles and I played that thing religiously. I think you know I was like probably I was six or seven or eight. And then a few years went by and I loved Halo. Halo was one of the first games I got. I played so much Halo, but I never, you know, I never I was still young. I didn't have a lot of friends who played. And a few years go by and eventually Halo 2 comes out and I Love that game, and I don't remember what year it was exactly, but it was a different Christmas. Two thousand four is when it came out. Yeah, I don't remember if, how soon we got it. We got like because you know I was still two thousand four. I would have been nine or so, and so maybe ten depending on when. But I don't know. I don't think my parents were super keen on online <laughs> gaming quite yet. I think they were a little like, oh, you're a little young. And even then, so yeah, I probably it's probably a few years in, probably like twelve or so. And, I mean. This is also the beginning of the internet for online gaming, mm-hmm. really. Like for console, I mean, there was PC like Doom and stuff, and but not where this is when it really entered the zeitgeist is Halo Two. I I, I want to say, yeah. And I mean, I recently listened to a podcast about the uh, main person who was behind the Halo Two multiplayer. Like he got interviewed, and it was it was like a five episode podcast talking about all the stuff, and it was crazy. But uh, yeah, so it was a different Christmas. I was. We, you know, my family, we always wake up really early for Christmas uh, when we were young and, you know, we got it all open. It was I don't even remember. It was the Xbox Live kit. I don't even remember what was in. I like I can barely remember it. But what I do remember is having to wait all day to play it. We, you know, were doing other Christmas family stuff, but I was just thinking about it because I was so excited as like a kid. And I was like, I had to play with people like. And I'm not excited. You know, I was a kid. I was like, oh, I'm excited to talk to people. I was just like, I don't know what it's going to be like. And I begged my dad that night to help me set it up in the living room. And he did. And we ran an Ethernet from wherever our router was out <laughs> to the console. And I, you know, got it set up. And I knew Halo 2 was the first one I was going to play because I love playing Halo 2. By then, I'd played Halo 2 with my friends and my older brother. Um, and I remember 
just seeing it all connect and like going through the menus and seeing it work and you know making sure my emblem before i started a match was like perfect and i liked it and back then it was the mark of shame real cool arbiter thing um and i remember just this the moment before just sitting there and talking to myself in my head and be like all right listen you're a 12 year old kid you've never played against you know these probably gonna be adults you know i don't even know they're probably gonna be really good so like if you get last it's okay and i just did free for all because you know i <laughs> Like, I just felt like the thing, and I still just remember, you know, getting Gemini was the map and playing that match and doing. I like, I don't remember the details, but I do remember at some point getting the energy sword free for all and just getting some kills. And like, by the end, it ended and I was in third place, and I was so proud. Back then, that was before I knew how like matchmaking worked and stuff. <laughs> so, I'm sure my first match, I was like, Yeah, we'll put you in the middle. But I think I do, so I because it did have voice chat at the time, and I wasn't using a headset or anything. But I think I remember hearing, you know, because when people would die in that game, it would like do audio snippets and stuff, and uh-huh. post or pre-match voices. And I I heard adults, and I was like, holy crap! I like beat adults at this game. Um, <laughs> yeah, and it was just fun. <laughs> oh yeah, as I, as, it, as time went on, there was so much things I shouldn't have heard. I mean, Halo Two was bad with people, so like. <laughs> Yeah, I met like one of my first like gaming best friends in Halo 2 and uh we uh we played so much duos. We were like the like I think by then it was in numbers or it was like moons. I can't remember. We were like I think it was numbers. I think we were it like was numbers. Of, That's how they rank yeah. stuff in Halo yeah, 2. Yeah, so we, we got up to like 40 something in duos and that was That's like pretty uh, good. Yeah, and we were both kids. Uh she uh I her name was and this was her profile name. It was a chaotic midget which is just a long time. That shows you the dating. Um, but yeah, yeah because it'd be something that now would be seen as offensive. Well, I mean, then it's also Xbox. Nobody cared. The same yeah, way. Nobody, yeah, exactly. But like, you know, me and her, and it was just wild to do that. But yeah, it's, it started a long career by, it was Halo 3 or Halo Reach. I can't remember. I was in like the top 5% of Halo players, according to whatever Bungie's Damn. official statistics were. Yeah, which I mean, obviously by that point, the, the scale of skill shoots well, I mean, up drastically but yeah. yeah especially with three and and you're looking at three and reach i mean you i mean the game was huge at that point i mean two is when all the online just started but by that point i mean you're talking like it was commonplace everywhere yeah but i mean that's where it all started was with halo 2 and playing that match and you know i played it so much and i don't even i don't even remember playing other xbox live games on my original xbox it was i think i basically only played halo 2 but i know i played a lot of it and <laughs> it's really what was really cool is in time bungie actually did get you know set up those the data for those games that you know because it was stored your xbox account and they got that all set up and years later you could go on to halo waypoint when that was still a thing oh and, yeah yeah and i i remember at one point because I, I always was curious i was like am i remembering that right and i looked it up and it was that map and i got third place with like i don't know where it was like 20 or 18 kills and i was like yeah that's that was right and so it was nice to have those memories validated like yep i wasn't misremembering it's all exactly <laughs> as i remembered and uh and then you know you could just see pages and pages of any halo game at that point that's uh, so impressive i mean like I mean, Halo 2 was just so phenomenal for the time. I mean, I, I played it online, too, with some with some friends from high school. And I always remember there was and my girlfriend at the time was was staying with me and she would play it, too. We played together. And I always there was one time where she was playing. She got killed. And this is back when, you you know, everyone had voice chat before people just got mm-hmm. rid of it. 
And the guy's like, are you, you little, you know, bitch and stuff. And like, and I remember she just threw the headphone down and she was done. And I remember it upset her. And I, I, it always stuck with me. Like, I mean, just how mean people could be when they, you know, first started with the internet. I mean, people are still being on the internet, but like, you know, just when this gamey stuff, like that toxicity of seeing it. Oh yeah. Especially being young. Like, so, I mean, as I said, you know, my best friend at the time, you know, best gaming friend over time, uh, she got so much crap because we were young kids. You know, young, relatively short. Yeah. And she would tell people that and they'd be like, no, you're just a young boy, you know, and I'll say like, oh, your balls haven't dropped yet. Shit like that. Again, to a child, which is also just, you know, a whole other thing. But it's, you know, yeah, I mean, because it wasn't until 360 when you can just, you know, make your own party and mute everybody else. You don't hear all these crazy people. Yeah. And you couldn't do that in Halo 2. It it wasn't a thing yet. And then, yeah. And then even worse, like, as a, you know, but it sucked because even. Back then, you know, I would hear six or seven year olds. It, well, my friends, we've called them the term squeakers. And it's like, <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah, it's not nice, but it's accurate. There's still squeakers today. You know, you just get like the kids mm-hmm. and they they talk so loud in the volume. And, I, and so even as a 12 or 13 year old, whatever, as I got older, I was like, listen, it's not nice, but I get it a little bit. I would never scream at them or say mean things, but I will mute them very fast. If I, I mean, mute doesn't hurt anybody. It exactly. doesn't affect anything. But back then, you couldn't mute squeak. You just had to. So oh, I yeah. Heard, yeah, there would just be times where you'd just be like, oh, my ears, and I want to stop. I think you could mute eventually profiles, but that was like only, you know, that was only like in customs when you'd like see somebody and you could if that's even. Because Halo is also Halo 2 is the first one that did like um clans too. They had, like yeah, Halo 2. No, I don't think Halo 2 had clans. I think it did, but they were, it was all in the like weird hubs. They were real weird. And like, or maybe that was one of the things he talked about wanting to implement. I remember cause you friends list. I think it's friends list. What I'm thinking of halo. Cause Xbox live uh, back then didn't actually have friends list, but in halo two, you could go add your own friends. And so there was this whole like list of, you know, friends back then. Oh, um, you're right. Halo two had clans. Oh, okay. It did. Yeah. Cause I thought that I remember there being tabs. So there's like friends. And then if you joined a clan, there was clans. Um, and so, yeah. Halo 2 did a lot of stuff, and that was a lot of what that podcast was talking about, that, like, Xbox later was like, hey, we want this. So, like, working with, you know, the main guy and then, you know, into Xbox Live on 360 and what they wanted it to be. But it was so innovative for compared to, you know, just like, oh, Xbox Live didn't have any of that. Xbox Live was just booted up, find a match, and Halo's like, yeah, we're going to just do friends list. We're going to make that work, though. So. I mean, it's also really the first online game, like so much. I mean, there are other stuff, like I said, but it, I just remember being it was so impressive too at that time. Like it was all all we played. I'm assuming it was all. Mm-hmm. I mean, I had like conquerors, and we tried to find other online game, but it was really just Halo too. It's all you could yeah. really want to play. Anybody wanted to play? It was the only good one at the time. Yeah, it just had that staying power. And you know, it's funny is I know I played it early in its life cycle. You know, relative to how long it was around, and I as you know, kid. When I did play it, I was just so excited to experience like online gaming. <laughs> and nowadays I, I can't imagine what that's like. You just, you know, you download any half the mobile games and there's, you know, other little people, whether quote, whether or not they're real. But like, you know, <laughs> and then Fortnite. Yeah, I have my switch. I'm like, no, I was going to download Fortnite. Just go boot it up or, you know, even Fall Guys. Go play that. And there's d- hundreds, hundreds of people back then. It was like, oh, there's, you know, seven other people in this room. I'm nervous, even though we're not in the same space or anything. <laughs> I mean, it was so new. And then, like, you didn't, you know, and your team could only hear you when you're talking and holding down. I think it was the white button or something. And, like, the enemy could oh, hear you yeah. if you were nearby them. And I always remember, I'm assuming this happened to you, too, the idiots that would just play music. So oh, all you, yeah. so you would hear, like, da 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 like, as they're, as they're coming for you. And I'm like, what the hell? I was looking up gameplay recorded of the Xbox 
for that map to like remember what it looked like. And there was one of the guys in the pre lobby. They their mic was just going. There was just quiet music in the background. I was like, yep, yep. <laughs> Those classic tropes. They never. They're always around. I don't know why people did that. It was a thing though. I well no, there's yeah, because there's people who'd be like trolley and would blast music into the microphone. But then there's people who just had it in the background, and so it was just picking up that faint audio. And but would it would be like, oh, it wasn't good because then people would know you're nearby. Mm-hmm. Because then they would hear your music. <laughs> <sighs> or people just didn't even give a shit. Like, I don't care if I, you yeah, know. Yeah, I think that's it. You know, well, you know, and it's, well, whoever, a stoner teenager just listening to music while playing Halo. Uh, you know, it, whatever. <laughs> Are you still friends with this person to, to this day? Uh, oddly enough, I can't remember. I think. Because I, I learned a little bit about her, you know, because we talked a lot and her brother was actually a professional Halo player. That's why why she got oh. into it. Yeah, it's semi-professional. I don't think he's now. And this was back years ago. And, you know, the they, uh, MLG, they psych up pretty fast. But I think at some point I added her on Facebook. And I think at that point, that was about the extent. And I've always, you know, we've just been like random Facebook friends. But it's always kind of nice to see, like, she eventually did start doing some, you know, like, major league gaming for halo and she won tournaments oh, and stuff she got nice. really good apparently but yeah it just felt really proud. Start young. Like, yeah i mean that was the thing that was like it was such a badge of honor to be so young and then be in like 2v2s at such a high rank and uh she did carry i think after a while she got really good and like but it's funny because you know you'd get like that you would have people in pre-lobbies like being just complete assholes, and then like you'd win and or not pre-lobbies in games, you know, over the like area chat yeah. of like when you're by and then you'd hear me dicks or like when you kill them, you get that snippet of oh son of a you know, and then you'd get people who are just horrible and then you beat them and it was the most rewarding thing. Be like, yeah, we're fucking like twelve, get good, you know, <laughs> the equivalent of what you said back then. It wasn't get good. But... No, because it wasn't around yet. <laughs> nope, but yeah, and so it was. It was kind of fun to really like climb those ranks. And even in Halo Three, I did it with Lone Wolves, but it wasn't. It wasn't as cool. <laughs> no, Halo Two was just something special too. So I think I get yeah. that. Yeah, it was a very special game, and and the online. But that's cool. I mean, like, there's nothing wrong with being Facebook friends with people that you don't even like. I have some people on Facebook I don't talk to. They're just they like my comments sometimes. They like my posts. I like their posts, and I'm 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 content with that being our relationship. <laughs> oh yeah, no, hundred percent. Like I don't know. I think like I I think later you know it was just nice to like you know know that person was real and like you know see them grow up and just be a person. And you're like yep, yeah, we had good times back then. And I think you know that's a funny thing. Even nowadays, I had a lot of ex. I had a lot of online friends that you met in lobbies like that because. You would just hear people t- saying funny shit or whatever, and then you'd make a joke. And then, you know, it'd be like, hey, come play with us. And then you party up. And, like, you know, I think most of my friends list, even through Xbox 360, was randos. You know, I had a lot more in high school of people who I knew in real life. But, you know, I'd say, even for me, it was still, like, one-third to two-third real life to online. And But, like, it was just, you know, that was the thing. And that's funny. You see memes nowadays of being like, Hey, I'll see you tomorrow, man. Yeah, you too. Last online six years ago. And it's like, you know, there's this culture about it of like that era that's mm-hmm. gone. And it's just so different nowadays. And that, that, you know, like I think the default it feels like is to not, you know, Call of Duty, I think, is a shining example of how things were. You join a lobby and you still get everyone screaming and racial slurs. And yeah, but I think music. most people just mute everybody, just, yeah. just don't have it on. Yeah, that's why they made that, you know, like, but it's funny because like even sometimes like when a setting gets flipped back, or if I'm in Discord talking to my friends and one of them has their the setting off, I'll hear the person through their headset. And I it's so funny. And it's it's such a mood if you're playing Call of Duty just to turn it on, just to experience it a little bit. And be like, yep, still the same shit. 
you know, mm-hmm. all you fucking campers, you, you little put, you know, oh, Jesus, never, it's something that's never changed. <laughs> that's a good memory, though. Thank you for sharing that. Yeah, I'm more than happy to. All right, and stay tuned for the next one. Hi, and who's with me? Hi, you got Vincent Goodwin from the Some of My Friends Read Comics episode. Not episode podcast. Can't do my own <laughs> show. Some of my friends read comics. Thank you. And as I've said, um, what is your favorite gaming memory? Uh, yeah, so my favorite gaming memory is going to E3 2004. So I worked at a relatively large Nintendo site, I'm told. I never actually saw the analytics on it, but we were we were pretty big at the time. We were in files.com, formerly Nintendo Files, until somebody uh, a previous, you know, drama, early internet drama. He took, <laughs> all the drama. he took our URL with him. So we oh, just transitioned. You can, you can do that? <laughs> well, he he bought it and then he left the site and he got in a tizzy with us. So we had to make a new, uh, buy a new URL. He didn't have our toasting, but he had our, he had our URL. So we were on the level of like, you know, like not like Nintendo Life, but like Nintendo Joe or um, they're now NintendoWorldReport.com. But like they were Planet GameCube at the time. Nintendo Box, NN Nation, GameCube Advance. These were all kind of our rivals. So we were like just basically huge Nintendo fanboys doing free PR for Nintendo, basically. As you know, <laughs> you know, now as influencers, I would hardly call us influencers, but I would get like free video games all the time. My first game was like Harmony of Dissonance. We just talked about um, iNinja recently. I got that game free. I got like Star Wars Bounty Hunter free for review. It was a great time. It was a great gig. Uh, but I went to E3 2004, and I remember I was 19 at the time. And uh, my mom was like, was like so, so I'm flying to L.A., Mom. I'm staying with a guy I met on the Internet, which, again, in 04 is a scary prospect for moms everywhere. Um, and we stayed with him. <laughs> um, we've been working on the Internet for several years, you know, as a 16-year-old. I started like that site when I was 16. They tried to get me. I think I talked about this on a previous episode. I had an opportunity to go to Nintendo headquarters to play wind waker when i was 17 we did um but yeah i couldn't i couldn't i couldn't swing it with my mom um (laughs) or or my teachers so (laughs) they they wouldn't let me go play wind waker early so anyways e3 2004 i'm 19 i'm staying with this guy i just met on the internet he's really cool and we go to e3 2004 and we go to the nintendo conference because they still had like live conferences back then and this is the first one with reggie so it's the my name is reggie and i'm here to kick ass and take names um, it's that one. And it was, you know, it was just like everything I wanted to see. This is the GameCube era. And it was the Twilight Princess was revealed at the very end. The one more thing with the trailer. And you can hear me in every video of that. If you see live footage, if you hear somebody go, oh, shit, that's me. <laughs> um, my minor celebrity status. That's me. The reaction It's the same time that the reaction videos of the IGN guys where they're like kind of bored. You know, at one E3 and then the next one, they're like, oh, my God, it's the same exact moment of me saying, oh, shit, that they're doing this at the same time. So <laughs> that's uh, that 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 that's me, E3 2004. And then after that conference, it was great. They gave me a, a Timbuktu Nintendo branded bag that I still use. I use it through all the college. It's a great messenger bag. And, you know, this is the time PR. They give too much free shit away. It was great. And uh, (laughs) it was absolutely spectacular. But we went to a Nintendo's party. Nintendo had a party. I don't even know. Somewhere in downtown L.A. They had paid Sheryl Crow to play. And so Sheryl Crow is doing a concert at this bar. They have and and I'm 19 at this point. And for some reason, you know, my my high my first year of college didn't go well. I'd never drink a drop of booze the entire time. I was weird. And I'm trying to be safe. 
Yeah, but also but I know it's not what college is but, for. But yeah. yeah, it's not what college is for. Um, it's you know just being weird and judgmental. But my first alcoholic drink was at this Nintendo party. It was a Bowser Blue Martini. They had ice sculptures of all of the Nintendo characters. They had an ice sculpture of Bowser, one of Peach, one of uh, and they had something like Peach Bellini or something, and Mario and Luigi. They had different drinks, and they pour the drink through the ice sculpture into your martini glass. It was amazing. And <laughs> Bowser Blue Martini. So to this day, anytime I ever see like a blue drink, like Blue Curacao, Blue Curacao or whatever it's pronounced, I always will go for it because it reminds me of this Bowser Blue Martini I have at the Sheryl Crow concert <laughs> Nintendo party. So, but I'm not super interested. I'm like, I'm at this party and, like, and they're like, yo, they've got Resident Evil 4 demos upstairs. And I'm like, well, shit, we're playing Resident Evil 4. I'm not, I mean, like, I like Santa Monica Boulevard and other Sheryl Crow concerts. And my dad loves Sheryl Crow, huge crush on her. Um, so we, we, I'm like, I'm going upstairs. I'm playing Resident Evil 4. And this is before the E3 floor has even opened. So this is pretty damn cool. And so we're playing, I'm playing Resident Evil 4. I'm playing like what was Advanced Wars Under Fire, but turned into Battalion Wars. Oh, um, I remember that. I have yeah. a copy of that. Yeah. And it was just like a lot of fun. I'm playing Resident Evil 4. Iwata and Miyamoto like walk right by us. My buddy who also worked on the site, like grabs Miyamoto, shakes his hands, like, thanks for the memories. Like you made my childhood. And Miyamoto's like very nice. And I'm just like, oh my gosh, like this, you know, next to like my parents is the most influential adult in my life. Um, is Miyamoto. <laughs> I'm just kind of there. So anyways, I'm playing, I'm playing, I'm playing all the games there, drinking my Bowser Blue Martinis. And I start playing, and I'm playing uh, Donkey Kong Jungle Beat, which is the bongo platformer with the bongo. Yes. You know, you use the bongos, you hit the right bongo, DK walks right. This is from the same team that ended up making like the Mario Galaxy games. And I'm playing it. I mean, Resident Evil 4, I'm scared, I'm terrified. There's other games there, but I keep coming back to Donkey Kong Jungle Beat. And these two guys come up to me, a skinny guy and a bald guy come up to me and they're like oh man this looks cool how do you play this and i explain this to them and uh and then they're like hey hey man uh like wh- wh- what outlet are you with and i go i'm with infiles.com I'm like oh yeah we've, we've we've been to your site this is pretty cool and i go what's your site and they go we're it's penny arcade and i go <laughs> oh i've heard of y'all uh <laughs> this is what i said to these guys so i showed them how to play donkey kong jungle beat the penny arcade guys real nice at the time i think they've gotten to some controversies and some stuff down the road but i don't you know, know anything about them because I don't follow anything, but I wouldn't be surprised. Super huge webcomic. They created PAX. It's probably their biggest legacy. But, you know, they, they big deal at the time. Um, ended up, because I followed Penny Arcade, I ended up, they linked to a site on 1UP that then I started following uh, Jeremy Parrish because of a uh, Dragon Quest Nine article. Um, I started following Jeremy Parrish to Retronauts and then the Laser yep. Time guys we're on a Retronauts episode. So I then went to Laser Time and Laser Time Community. That's how I met you. So <laughs> I would never have met you and been on this podcast if it hadn't been for me, me talking to these Penny Arcade guys and them <laughs> pushing their site to me at E3 2004. <laughs> so, so E3 2004 was, a, it was a blast. We went, we played, this was where the DS was first demoed. We played Super Mario 64 by four is what it was called at the time. It ended up being Super Mario 64 DS. It had a different, it looked different. The system pl- looked different at the time. I still have a, a DS shirt with the pre-fat DS fat model on it. Um, I'll have to check it. I'll have to pull it out sometime. Oh, I'm curious. Yeah, I wouldn't mind it, seeing that. It, it's ugly. If you thought the DS fat was ugly, go look up the, the one from E3 2004. It is disgusting looking. Um, but we played that. I played uh, E3. I played StarCraft Ghost there is probably one that's oh. of, like the biggest game that like, 
never came out. Yeah, that makes me sad because that game looks really interesting and up my alley. It, but, it, I mean, it probably ends up playing a lot. I think they ended up get, this was before I think they gave it to the Metal Arms 2 developer. So Metal Arms 1, maybe. So it it, it went through a lot of development hell, but I, I'm glad I got to play that. That's probably the biggest like, well, you know, game that never came out that I ever got to play. But it was the whole thing was wild. Like Tony Hawk was there at a half pipe and I'm, you know, a 19 year old nerd. Like, I mean, that's great. But like, I'd rather go play other things at the Activision booth. I don't need to see Tony Hawk do skateboarding. Which is, <laughs> same as with me, like Cheryl Crow, like not watching Cheryl Crow. Like, I'm just going to play some other things. It's just stupid. But then <laughs> what I kept oh, oh, and outside of this Nintendo bar going back a couple days, they had Odama. Do you remember Odama? I do. Yes. The uh, the pinball RTS game. That you had like your little army out and it ended up, it didn't at the time, but it ended up having voice control also where you could give, you could shout orders to your, it was like a pinball game, but then you also had like little armies on the field, like Starcraft or Warcraft. And then you could shout at them with a little microphone attachment that wasn't there. But I remember covering that and then like Fran from, and maybe Craig Harris from IGN asked me about that one and like, what the hell is this? And so we were all talking about that. Um, so I got to meet those guys and then, you know, early IGN people. And then I remember I, I, back on the show floor, I migrated again, once again, to to John Young Jungle Beat, because quite frankly, it's, <laughs> it was the best game there. It was the most fun. It was the most like novel mm-hmm. game at the sh- uh, the floor. Because like, I mean, there's a lot of games you're like Paper Mario Thousand Year Door here is here, but it's not like one of those games that, you know, like demos well necessarily. Um, and I played pretty much everything I could get my hands on there. But I kept coming back to Donkey Kong Jungle Beat. I'm playing it. I'm playing it. And then Reggie comes up to me uh, <laughs> and he's like, hey, man, you need to get off the thing right now. So Reggie, because he needed to film something for some like either executive or news oh, yeah. outlet or something. It makes sense. But I got kicked off a of Donkey Kong Jungle Beat by Reggie, uh, which then started my whole like long term dislike of <laughs> executives my entire life. Because like these guys just don't even care about them. Well, I mean, there could have been a nicer way to do it than if they're no, like, you but, need to get off this now. Yeah, like, but 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 like, you know, or send a person They're like, hey, we're going to be doing some things. No, just like. But again, he's a, he's a busy guy. Um, but that's that's my Reggie experience. It differed much differently from my Miyamoto. Oh, my God. But, um, you know, Reggie's there to do a job. It's also his first uh, his first E3 there. Um, but that's that's probably my favorite game memory. It was like a week in L.A. It was an absolute blast after reading about E3, like in <laughs> Nintendo Power and being like, you know, when I think about my life and I think about like. Oh, I did that. Like I said, I absolutely want to go to an E3 as like a nine year old. And that's wrong on the time because I think the first E3 was 95. So maybe maybe 10 or 11 year old. And I was like, I absolutely want to do this. And then I did by the time I was 19 is really, really cool that I like was able to do that. And then I went to E306, the last real E3 with all the booth babes before they like, we got to burn this down. Like this is this is bad. (laughs) <laughs> this is too much excess. I went to 06 and that was that was uh, that was a whole other time. So that's probably my favorite gaming memory is getting to be a small part of that and seeing like a peek behind the curtain with like the the lavish parties Like you didn't need to hire Cheryl Crow. Um, no, that seems a little extreme. But I mean, again, that's the time when there was a lot of money. Budgets, insane marketing budgets, which is why it makes sense. And it's just like, we're just going to put out a video here. Like we're not doing any other shit. Uh, for the time. We're going to we're going to get the exact same same clicks. I mean, but man, I, it was fun. I worked with a bunch of people who used to work at GameStop, like mm-hmm. managers and stuff, and they would tell me stories like during the 360 era 
I mean, like, they, I mean, how much you just spend? Like, I mean, this is later than what you, but they were still spending. Like, you know, he said you get like free three sixties. Like, free, it was just like crazy what they were doing. Right. Like, we'd go to these events. They had all these statues. They would show off, and they just like, here, you want it? We it's too much for us to ship it back here. Just take it. Right. That, yeah, it's just insane. Like, I yeah, there was definitely ones. I think like oh nine or something. Oh, I forgot. I went to an Xbox show in oh four also, and I was like maybe ten feet away from Muhammad Ali. It was <laughs> crazy. It was insane. Like. And Ali, you know, it's, you know, poor, poor him. Like, I know, you know, but man, I was, I was next to Ali and a bunch of other big athletes at the time. Halo two had just come out at that same time. It may be the Halo two tattoo show. I can't remember now. The memories are conflated, but with like the, but man, it was cool. It was a good time. Um, Well, thank you. That's not what I expected, but this was really good. This is why I love, (laughs) I'm loving doing this special where I'm just listening to different people and I get some really good stories. This was a good one. Yeah. Well, congratulations on hitting a hundred thousand downloads. It's, you know, we haven't yet, but at the time you hear this, we will have, because this will not be published till that day happens. (laughs) That iNinja episode is going to put you over. (laughs) Hey, weird things have happened on the show, but I do not think that will happen. (laughs) I'll take it. I heard uh, like Cody Laveau talking about uh, Space Age Silicon Valley on your Super Mario 64 episode. And I was like, the episode that broke me of I used to do a video game series on uh, on YouTube. And I was like, I, I did obscure games or like weird spinoffs. And I was doing the Game Boy Color port of Space Station Silicon Valley. <laughs> like, bad? What am I doing? Seven people are going to watch this. Seven people. And I probably those seven people who love it. I didn't go in depth enough for them. And they'll be upset. So like, who am I doing this for? So I'm really proud of you. Congratulations on getting your 100K downloads. It's it's <laughs> it's quite the achievement. Um, it feels what, good. Like three or four years? It's uh, going to be four years in January. Congratulations, bud. <laughs> so thank you. Thank you for letting and, me be a part of it. Of course. And, and hopefully, hopefully the next games I get won't have their remakes canceled after we do episodes from them. Like Advance Wars <laughs> and Prince of Persia, Sands of Time both work. So... <laughs> I forgot about those. Okay, that's funny. Well, Advance Wars wasn't canceled, just postponed because Russia definitely. <laughs> yeah, I mean, they need to just release at this point. Like, it's been long enough. Like, just put it out. Right. It'll be okay. But, but Prince of Persia's dead. Yeah, that's fine. <laughs> we- All right, and stay tuned for the next interview. Hi, and who's with me? Hey, this is Dominic of Distant Ways Podcast, uh, Overblood Facebook group. I'm here a lot. How's it going? <laughs> you are. <laughs> and welcome back. And as I've said multiple times at this point, what is your favorite gaming memory? Okay. There's a bit of a story to this one. As a kid, I had gotten the Nintendo DS like for Christmas 2004. The year it came out. And for a very long time, a couple years, I just didn't do anything with it. I didn't have any games I really liked playing for. Like Nintendogs only got me so far. Mario 64 only got me so far. And, you know, I was always seeing ads and like reviews for other games that i thought looked really cool you know like a all, all these other like rpgs and like japanese visual novel type games that started coming out and eventually one day my dad i was with him at a GameStop, and he comes up to me and he hands me this game and it's a phoenix Wright's attorney justice for all and he's like it seems like you'd really like this and i'm like thinking about it I'm like, yeah, that looks really cool. That looks like one of those games that I've been seeing a lot of. But I I know that this is like the second one and I wanted like to play the first one. So this is like like the summer of like 2007. And I'm like, yeah, not yet, but I do want to do this. Cut forward to like Black Friday. I think that year we were going back to GameStop, of course, because I'm a spoiled child who just like shopping for video games. And that's the only thing I like doing. 
the original Ace Attorney is on the GameStop shelf, and I remembered my dad talking about how much he thought I would like that game because it was like lawyers and anime and all that stuff, and he thought I was smart, so why not? And I thought about that, and I'm like, okay, let me give this series a shot. Let me give this game a shot. And took it home, and I played like the first case that night, and I think I, I think I played like a case a day for the next like five days. It was like a five day break for Thanksgiving. I think I finished it by like that Sunday or maybe maybe a couple days after during during school or something like that. But just like having my dad know my tastes enough to accurately predict what I would like and then being correct. And then that game like launching me into a whole fandom and just really getting into that series in a way is just super memorable to me and just really, I guess, makes me happy and it's probably my favorite gaming memory. Okay, and you have played, I'm assuming at this point you might have played most of the series? Yes, everything pretty much except for the newest uh, Switch game. Okay, I I have only played the original once on DS. I downloaded it and played it on my phone. <laughs> mm-hmm, like <laughs> I had completely skipped the DS era. That, yeah. For the most part. Yeah, it's just like, it was just that thing of like, I was 12. You know, I play a lot of video games for sure, but I didn't like have enough different experiences to really know what I liked as super much. Like I knew the basics, but having that kind of open up to me, be like, hey, there's this like visual novel adventure game. Like I played adventure games as a kid on the PC all the time. So having that kind of brought back with, you know, reading, which I really loved and kind of this whole style and characterization that appealed to me, it just and it just kind of changed my life in a way and made the DS a console that I really, really loved after that, after two, three years of not caring about it at all. And I completely know how you how how that feels. I got a DS, Ashley. I have a launch. I had a launch model DS that I bought from a friend who who got it and didn't like it and then sold it to me for way cheaper. Just to get just yeah. so you could buy a guitar. <laughs> <laughs> and so I complete and I, I had no interest in either. Like I, I had Mario sixty four DS, I had WarioWare touched, I think it was, and I just I didn't care. And to this day, I never really played much on it. I played Chrono Trigger DS. I didn't even finish it on there. Like, I just did not. I I love Trigger. I just didn't care about DS. Yeah. And if it wasn't for Ace Attorney coming along when it did, I don't know if I would have ever cared. And that's, you know, the DS after that's where I found out about, like, the the East games. It's where I found out about, like, 999, the Zero Escape games. And just so much of my taste has been shaped by what I played on the DS as like a middle school, high schooler because I took, I gave Ace attorney a chance. And I, I assume you went back and played the second and third one then for DS also. Oh, absolutely. Uh, <laughs> like I said, I fell down a deep rabbit hole into the fandom it was on the forums back when those were a thing you could do. Got super into just the community around Ace attorney. It was, it was a truly life changing event. That is super cool. And it, I mean, it's a it's a there's a lot of games to it, too. I have only ever played the first one. I have wanted to play more, but I just I I, I downloaded a bunch of them on my phone. I was going to play the rest of the series, but then I just fell off because I mean, they'd, they'd be fun for the for the show. I mean, no, they're going to always say that. <laughs> but I mean, that's, oh, that's the reason I'm doing these memories, because yeah. like, I will be knowing who to grab for certain episodes when I do these games. Like the characterization of them. It's just so interesting to see how the characters grow and change. And I think, you know, going down the line of it, the fourth one, Apollo Justice Ace Attorney is probably one of my favorites also just because of how it portrays Phoenix and how things have changed and everything. And just uh, that that series got me so, un- it made me understand things that I think, you know, culturally kind of came up later with like 
Apollo Justice being kind of a, a sequel reboot and Phoenix is all different and that kind of predates like you know Luke Skywalker and The Last Jedi being different ah, and all that other okay. stuff and being like okay with that and understanding why people change and how that can be an interesting wrinkle on a story that you are still following. I know there's a lot of them that still haven't come to America, if I remember correctly. I know there's the Mile Edgeworth game. I think there's a few of those. Oh, yes, there's two. The first one has come over, and that's that's okay. The second one's the one I really want to play, though, because it goes deep into his past and plays through sequences as you've only seen as like cut scenes or talked about in stories. I'm assuming that was trans- translated like ROM, ROM hacks or something, though. Probably. I, I generally just don't do that because I like I want it to be real. Okay. I wanted to feel official. That's just kind of my little quirk of it. Like, I don't mind doing it. I think I played the demo for the Edgeworth game on a fan translation because I just was super interested in trying it. No, I, can, but, I completely understand. But for a 2011 DS game that they didn't want to localize, I think the story was that he, he's either going to do that or Okami Den. And everyone remembers Okami Den. Yeah, so I mean, that makes sense. And then after that, they just stopped releasing physical Ace Attorney games for the whole entire 3DS era. <sighs> which is too which bad. I, I feel like there's a lot of stuff that we're missing. Like they they were released digitally, but that that whole that whole thing was definitely like a, a shock, a slap to the face that Capcom did that I felt as a, as a as a teenager very enraged by because it's like this series meant so much to me to see it get, kind of relegated to like you know an e shop thing it was yeah insulting I almost. I get what you mean. I mean, I used to be really big about collecting everything physical, and then I moved twice and then now yeah. i don't buy physical at all anymore even though i have all the room to display it i just i just can't do it anymore you know <laughs> as i move more in my life i'm sure i will my my physical collection will expand and decrease as things happen and that's totally fine but i, I do mean, think there is a magic to kind of having the games that especially mean things to you and are like important to you no there is 100 percent. did we get is it only a couple is it only like the one game in the series we haven't gotten then released stateside investigations to at this point yes because the, the greatest attorney chronicles were the two 1800s 3ds games that did not get released okay that's cool i didn't realize that i thought there was more of the series we're missing i didn't realize they have localized everything but that one game yes no, i mean now like yeah but like that switch game is just two 3ds games joined together that's fine. At least it exists. I'm yes. I'm okay with that same idea, like Live a Live being re-released. Same idea, like we we talked about in an episode you'll be hearing earlier than this. Radical Dreamers. Like I'm just happy that stuff gets re-released in some yes. form. Yeah, I, I mean, like yeah, that's the thing. I was you know super bummed out. I I stopped playing the series because I felt like the 3ds era was such a bad time for it. And you know I could go into like you know the the the, the creator Shu Takumi kind of stopped making or start stop writing the series and someone else came in you could definitely tell there was a difference in writing quality yada 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 <laughs> but you know those are the games that he ended up working on with the greatest attorney games and that's where people seem to really be falling back in love with the series and I do want to play this at some point but I've been trying to replay Ace attorney for a while and got pretty far but life has made it such that it's something I've not revisited in a minute I completely understand Hey, one day I will ch- I will ch- help that change that for you because I would love to go down that rabbit hole and cover some of these games again because I I do like visual novels and I I know when I did play the first Ace Attorney game on my phone <laughs> I really really liked it like it DS games are per- as long as they're turn based or like not like rushing they are great on a phone yes on a I think Radical Dreamers would have been fantastic on DS yeah I mean I played it on my well no I actually no I didn't play it on my phone I should have but like yeah it's 
th- those games weren't great. Like when I played Ace Attorney the first time I played it on my phone, I had an amazing time. Like because you know the phone had touchscreen, so when I'm when yes. I'm emulating the DS part, it's fine. Like I played Radiant Historia, great RPG. Radiant Historia is a great RPG. Yes, were wonderful. Yes, like those are you can as long as it's turn based, you can pl- DS games are um, amazing to play on a phone or tablet. Controller makes it a little harder because then you have to like actually have a controller, which makes everything more difficult. But if you can, otherwise, they're they're really fun to play. Now, yeah, these days, DS is like probably the easiest thing to go back to for me because I'm just so used to it now. Like you know, there when I have time, you know, am I still firing up crosswords DS? Yes, <laughs> like, <laughs> and I but I but I do credit all of that because I just gave Ace Attorney a chance because my dad said to. <laughs> That's really cool. Did he play games too? No, okay, I got him to play Animal Crossing once or twice, but that was it. He just just knew what you liked and was that's cool though. Yeah. And no, I wouldn't consider you spoiled. I mean, I went to game I went to game store all the time. I mean, it's you know it just depends on if you're in a situation you're able to and that's your thing. Yeah. I mean, it's always good if if a parent is able to to help a child go for whatever is their thing. You know, it, yeah. it, it makes a difference when you become an adult. I mean, one it makes you <laughs> as a Crown Trigger example makes you not be the guy. Look at all this money I have. <laughs> Fuck you about that sunstone I have. <laughs> Yeah, that, you know, that, that stuff is. Uh, I mean, yeah, it's not wrong. <laughs> I mean, if if if, you're, if people are treated a certain way, they will grow up a certain way sometimes. So yeah, it does affect it. So no, that's cool though. That's very cool. All right, and thank you for sharing that, Dominic. Yeah. And for everyone else, stay tuned for the next one. Hi, and who's with me? This is Tony from the Hey I Like That Game podcast. What's up, Mike? <laughs> a lot of interviews at this point, depending yeah. on what year you pick. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> a lot. I and as I, what is your favorite gaming memory, Tony? So my favorite gaming memory it d- goes back to 2007. So uh, as you know, Mike, I'm a big Super Smash Brothers guy. <laughs> I um, do know that. One of my favorite, ga- it is my favorite game of all time, favorite franchise of all time. And so going back to 2007, uh, I was really invested in the Super Smash Brothers Melee scene. I was, I thought I was really good at the game, went to college, played a bunch of people, did okay, but definitely got beat down by a ton. But in early 2007, I was at the disc golf course, actually, playing around at disc golf, and I heard over the radio a advertisement for the Midnight Gaming Championship hosted by McDonald's. They were hosting a Super Smash Brothers Melee tournament. Uh, it was like kind of one of their bids at like an early esports thing. And they had like, you know, the, the McDonald's was a couple miles from my place. So it was super easy to get down there. They had a whole tent set up with all these different games set up. I think it was like four or five different games that they were running uh, as the tournament. But, okay. but basically... They ran a small Smash Brothers Melee tournament, and it wasn't really well known uh, at the time. They ran, I think, three different tournaments, like three different qualifiers there. But basically, I went down to this tournament, me and a buddy of mine. We played against a handful of people, and I ended up winning the whole tournament, which like felt really good. I had to get through like five different opponents. Uh, I ended up playing my buddy in the finals and just eked out the win to win the whole thing. I thought I was just going to be getting like a, a little tiny prize pack and they'd send me on my way. Talking to the guy afterwards, he's like, hey, can I get your email address? We need to send you some information on flight details. I was like, excuse me, flight <laughs> details? What are you talking about? 
Little did I know that I qualified for a national championship tournament where they flew me down to Dallas, Texas to play in front of American Airlines Arena. And I played with, you know, several other of the best melee players throughout the country. And we we played in front of this arena. And like if anybody's ever been there in the little like atrium outside the arena, which is uh, American Airlines Arena, that's where the Dallas Stars play hockey. And I think they still play hockey there. I don't remember, though. But basically, they have these massive TVs set up, you know, right on top of the arena. And then on either side, they had these TVs on like rails that move back and forth. But basically, that's where they hosted a tournament. And it yeah, was cool. fucking rad. <laughs> I went and I got my ass stomped. I went O2, as most people, as most like fighting game people know, you know, at your big, your first big tournament, you always get O2'd uh, and don't make it out of pools, which was definitely my experience. But it was such an incredible feeling to get like one validation in my own skills at the game. Like just making to that point made me feel like, okay, I deserve to be here and this is great. Oh, but, that's hella impressive. Yeah, it was really awesome. And like, I ended up getting a, a tattoo of the Smash Brothers symbol because of that moment. And I got it. I got it on my left arm so that I, I would always sit uh, player two side and roll up my sleeves when I play. So like if the player saw like the symbol on my arm, like, oh, is that real? I'm like, yeah, it is. Let's go. And then they would like kick my ass, you know, like it never worked, never worked as an intimidation factor. But like. It was such an awesome experience. And I got to meet like some of like the the trailblazers of that community. I mean, the guy who got second place, uh, Wobbles, like created the tech that like got banned in Melee for playing the Ice Climbers, like the infinite setups. Like this dude created it. And like they um and, and I I played with this guy, Anther, who is like another like legendary player from Michigan that set up Anther's Ladder, which is like this really cool, like online matchmaking tool. Like it's okay. It was, it was such a cool event. It's like super early esports. You know, it was an awesome community and just like a wild experience that like not many other people have gotten to, no, to experience before. Oh, seven would be before esports. I think really, I don't remember when they took off. Like, I mean, now they're huge, but that, yeah, they weren't yeah. <laughs> that time. I feel. And like, here, let me tell you the prize pool for, for this game is $4,000. Only uh, first and second took home money. First got $3,000. Second place got $1,000. But like, when you look at esports today, uh -huh. purses, purses of multi-million dollars, you know, like, yeah. this this was like early days of esports with like a major sponsor. It was such a cool experience. Like, and, you know, it validated like competitive games for me and kind of set me on this path to where I am now working in the video game industry. You know, it, it, it was like one of the first steps on that career ladder that I started to climb, you know, like very, very cool experience and like something I'll never forget. Absolutely not. <laughs> Absolutely not. And who do you main in Smash Brothers? At least who did you main back then? Back then, uh, I was a, I had like a split, a three-person split main, uh, or it's almost like four now that I think about it. Like, if I wanted to beat somebody, I would play Sheik. I really wanted to make Dr. Mario work, but my technical skills were not good enough to, to do that. Like, Dr. Mario requires, like, a lot of tech skill and some luck to be really <laughs> good. But, like, 
played really good Sheik. I played a decent Marth. Like Marth, you can like just kind of outspace oh, people. Yeah, you can outspace people a little bit and and play good and neutral and win some games. So I did that. I also really like to play Luigi because I I just love that up B uppercut. It feels so good to get somebody with one of those. And like <laughs> you know back back in that day, like wave dashing and some of like the 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 bigger tech hidden tech in that game was like not first getting discovered but getting like mastered so like being able to wave dash with the ouija he has um really low friction on the stage so he would move a lot doing those techniques so you could fuck with people a lot doing that so i, I would do those things but but <laughs> you know like and now like fast forward almost 20 years later I'm a tournament organizer in in uh, Super Smash Brothers Ultimate, and like I have a sponsor tournament through like another big you know sponsor in, in, in Trolley uh, Sour Candy. So like <laughs> it's it feels like it's all come full circle. <laughs> yeah, it's it's a really awesome thing. Uh, yeah, shout out to Try Hard Tuesday. Take a look at that. We uh, we run uh, weekly tournaments in uh, Smash Ultimate online every Tuesday. So come on out and play some games with us. We always have a good time. But yeah, that's like my first big gaming memory or like favorite gaming memory. The other thing I want really damn cool. Oh, yeah. Feel free. Yeah. Yeah. Really, really cool thing. But the the other thing I want to shout out is like, you know, like I said earlier, I'm in the video game industry. Now I I work for riot games and never forget the first credit on a game that I got. This was last year uh, in January, age of empires Two, definitive edition Lords of the West, which was like the first, official expansion of that game after decades after its release <laughs> you know like definitive edition came out you know a couple of years ago but this was like its launch of brand new content and like kind of as a platform for new stuff and it's it was really really cool to have that experience of like a really known franchise i got to work on uh on that game in in a in a you know small capacity research capacity and it was it's really, really awesome to look back and like be able to pull up the credits of a game and see my name there, you know? Yeah, that's pretty damn so, cool. Yeah, dude. Yeah. For for any Age of Empires 2 fans out there, Lords of the West, great little expansion, some awesome civilizations in there, uh, really good shit, uh, and new campaign content. And like Edward Longshanks finally got a campaign in that one, which is really cool. God, so so awesome. But yeah, I, I had to shout that out. Because Although that's fine. I have never played any of those games. I keep looking at Age of Mythology constantly on Steam, like, mm, but I'll never play it. Though RTS games, it's, it's a hard genre to get into, but... I played them as really- a kid. Yeah, it's they're cool. They're really it's like not my favorite genre. I'm terrible at them. Absolutely terrible at them. But like it's it's really interesting. And Age is such a unique franchise where it's really rooted in history. And if like you've seen anything on the newest one, Age 4, that game like really does an awesome job of like framing everything in history. They also have like um really cool videos that are like almost like discovery channel style document documentary um sections in it that like you feel like you learn something out of the game which is really fun but yeah h4 is also a fucking dope game for any of you uh rts players out there uh the only i still want to play starcraft one day because i feel like i need to play that game but yeah i'm really bad at rts games so (laughs) Yeah, I mean, if you ever need like a noob to to play with, so you don't get stomped, call me up, man. Because I'm right there with you. I just want to beat the campaign. That's all I want. There you go, man. I don't mess with multiplayer in 
I, I haven't played multiplayer since Red Alert 2 on dial-up internet was the last time I played multiplayer. <laughs> uh, so, holy shit! <laughs> and even then, we usually would just be me and my buddy, and we would and we would fight AI because that's all we that that was the safer way to just beat the AI. Yeah, totally. There's a ton of people that still do that. I mean, like when I play Age Four, like with my buddies, like it's typically we go into AI games because if I if we play against real people, I, we're just gonna get crushed. So like my <laughs> my goal is usually like, okay, can I can I get to not the hardest, but can I can I play against hard and not get absolutely smashed? Which still have not yet to do that. So. Uh, <laughs> The the easy and like the medium difficulty. Watch out! I can take you guys on, but when <laughs> when we get to hard, a little bit different. But I, I like the dumb difficulty. That was always my favorite. So oh, yeah, exactly. Because when I play, my problem with RTS is I don't want to attack you until I amass a gigantic army that I can't even control and send everyone at once. Like that's what I want. And yep, yep. you can't. You wait that long, and things aren't going to be okay by the time you get over there. So. Yeah, like so much of uh, the early game of, of RTS is like, and especially in age is like sending like little groups of troops out mm-hmm. to kind of fuck up your base yes. a bit and like slow down your econ. So you can't turtle up and then, you know, amass a giant blob of troops to do that thing. Like when I was when I was trying to get good at age four, that was like my strategy is like I'm going to do like a night rush really early on and try to I'm, gonna, I'm either going to beat you in five minutes. Or this is going to be a long, drawn-out game, and you're probably going to beat me in minute 30. You know, like, that's <laughs> that's basically how I played that game. <laughs> but, yeah. Well, well, I, it's really I, cool to hear about Smash. I forget about Smash, because I haven't, I haven't played Smash since, really, Melee. I, Smash, it, it will always have a very close place in my heart, especially Melee. Like, I have some... Um, I don't love every game in the franchise. Like Brawl, I, I think is not a good game. And I think Smash 4, for all its like interesting qualities, it just wasn't nearly as fun to play. It felt like too slow. But like Melee is like the beautiful game. Like that game to me will last forever. It'll stand the test of time. Like it that game feels like playing jazz. Like it's so <laughs> it's so expressive and improvisational and like there are setups and things that you need to learn to like to put yourself in the best position to punish people but so much of the game is just reacting in the moment and like getting a good flow going it's just it's an incredible game and oh my god like just it's it's excellent it's excellent i'll be playing smash until the day i die (laughs) i'm glad to hear that also that you said brawl is not good because i remember getting brawl when it first came out and not liking it that much yeah, that game sucks. Like, I, I okay, really... so it wasn't just me. I, I hate the Wii too, but I remember I got brawl and I was all excited. I'm like, mm, not so great. Yeah, maybe sucks is not is a little, uh, too but it's not as good point. as melee. Absolutely not. Like, they like the things that they did in that game that were excellent is like they expanded the roster in some really interesting ways. Like, that's the first game that Mennonite shows up and Pit DDD, I believe, all showed up in that game, which are like those are super fun characters that like kind of broke the mold. And like added more multi-jump characters to the game, which is like some of my personal favorites. And, you know, some of the new stages are really cool and like the graphics look like really interesting. But they introduced tripping, like random tripping to the game, which okay. like ruins competitive integrity. It ruins it because you can't do anything about it. And you can't turn it's, it off? Can't turn it off. So much so. And the balance was really bad. Like when you play brawl competitively like i think i was reading a statistic on this the other day it's like 90 percent of tournament winners in brawl were meta knight meta knight was 
easily the best character. Like no, nothing's even close to him. Like the tools that uh, is available for that character, the cheese that you could do to people was like outrageous. And, you know, in a fighting game, balance is king, right? Oh, like yeah. that's like everything. Any competitive game balances is everything, but like it's specifically a fighting game, right? And when the balance is so terrible, like, and this is before games got a ton of patches and things like that. So when that game came out and Meta Knight was busted, Meta Knight stayed busted. You know, like people really don't play Brawl competitively anymore. Like they've kind of moved on to more like fan made modifications like uh, Brawl Plus or Project M, you know, things like that, where they, okay. they took out tripping. They've added characters. They've adjusted mechanics and balance. You know, like all that stuff is like really neat. But like, yeah, Brawl, not so great. But Melee's beautiful. And really, Smash Ultimate is a is a great game. It's probably the most balanced out of any of them. Um and That's it has still people play that competitively, right? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Okay. It's the big, oh, it's, do, it's, so. it's bigger than Melee. It's bigger than Melee. Okay. Like, in terms of like raw player count, like there's a lot of people that play it, and there's a lot of variation among like the top players. Like when you look at the top 32 of any given tournament you see a lot of different character representation. I mean, like, there are some that float to the top in terms of, like, top tiers, but, like, seeing the variation of characters is, like, that's that's what I love about that game is that, like, you know, there's, there's like, 70-plus characters in that game, and really, there's maybe, like, 20 or so that can, like, make a splash in a tournament, which is awesome to see. You'll love to see that. Um, unfortunately, my bro Kirby, who's my main in that game, is not very good, but I stick with him <laughs> because Kirby's the man. Uh, but but okay. yeah, it's Smash rules. All right. Mm-hmm. Well, thank you, Tony, for sharing that and educating me more about Smash. I did not know. So. <laughs> You're welcome. You want to talk Smash anytime, friend? I'm there for it. I know because I've thought about doing episodes on some of them, so I know who to hit up now. So if Hell I ever yeah. actually do it. If you want to have like a smash corner with Tony, I would ongoing segment. I would love to be uh, at the smash <laughs> info desk uh, <laughs> sponsored by games. My mom found. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you for sharing that and stay tuned for the next interview. Bye folks. Hi, and who's with me? Ah, can you hear the beer? It's the yada, 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 Cajun Gribbler, go to Laveau. If you've listened to this show, you know that I usually talk for about 15 minutes itself, just giving my whole long thing about... <laughs> it's about two, that. three minutes. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> this guy who edited it, it's about two, three Oh, yeah. Minutes. Oh, wow. No, you, you you actually would know. That would that would take up like a good fifth of this whole thing that we're doing. Mm-hmm. And, as I've, and what is your favorite gaming memory? Okay. So as you know about me, uh, as you've seen over my shoulder and the shelves and all that, I am an yes. avid vintage game collector. And I don't like to brag about the the uh, the fact that I was actually born in Mississippi. Now <laughs> I know that I'm the Cajun crippler of Cody Laveau, but I, I was actually born in Mississippi. Still got a little bit of that accent to me, you know. And as a <laughs> fact, there are certain things ab- like about me and my family tree. You will not find more white trash in the dumpster behind a paper plate factory, Mike. This, these are the facts, all right? So therefore, not only do I love vintage video games, but I am a fan of things such as NASCAR and professional wrestling and, uh, most pertinently, flea markets. I love flea markets, swap meets, garage sales, because it's not about finding a vintage video game on eBay or at a, or at a, at a 
at a game shop or something like that. It's it's the thrill of the hunt. It's 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 the chase, if that makes any sense. No, I have hundreds of games that I have never played nor will ever play. But the fact is, I own something like Monster Truck Madness or Brunswick Pro Bowling that's worth like three hundred dollars because I found it at a flea market for like eighty five cents in two thousand and eight. So, <laughs> whenever I am traveling, especially by by myself, uh, usually out in West, like West Texas, there's uh, there's not a lot of flea markets, but what there is are antique malls. Now, if you, you know, if you've ever been to an antique mall, yes. uh, okay. So what you're probably picturing are the places with like $300 furniture from the fifties and everything looks not, no, no, no. Uh, out in West Texas, these places are basically just hollowed out barns that a family uh, is having an everlasting estate sale. It is junk on a shelf and it's covered in an inch of dust and you never know what you're going to find there. You can find you can find uh, cursed dolls that other <laughs> will come to life. You will find an entire wall of crocheted thimble covers. Yes, they make thimble covers and yes, they are crocheted. And you can buy them for $18 each because the lady that made them thinks very highly of her <laughs> So I love to wander into these places because I'll never know what I'm going to find. At one of these places, I found a Bally Professional Arcade, which if you're a turbo nerd, you're going to know that that is actually before the Bally Astrocade. That is pre-Atari. That is how old this was. I believe it was 1975 this thing came out. Oh, it, and you could only buy it from the Sears Roebuck catalog. Not the Sears catalog, Sears Roebuck. This thing is exceedingly <laughs> rare, and as far as I know, I'm the only person that owns one that is complete in box. Where where did I find it? I found it from a guy in his, I have no idea how old he was. He could be 35, he could be 85, but <laughs> despite that, he had no teeth whatsoever, and he sold it to me for $15 because he put a sticker on it, and he wrote 1-5 on that sticker, and I peeled it off incredibly carefully, and it is displayed in my home, and I will not tell you where my home is um, because I like to not be robbed. But it's in Alabama. Yeah, sure. Okay. <laughs> so the reason I, I'm telling you all of these facts about myself is because I wanted to tell you about uh, the time that I went into an antique mall in search of a video game, and I ended up getting a little bit more than a bargain for. All right. So I believe I was uh, outside of, and I would need to look at this, I was probably heading from Ballinger, Texas, on my way to San Angelo, where I was going to college at the time, and I see the sign, Antique Mall. It's on a billboard. Now, they did not buy this billboard space. It was a billboard that had been abandoned because somebody had <laughs> clearly screwed up plywood to about half a billboard that had fallen down. And then they had painted, just like the song, uh, John Deere Green, where they had painted Antique Mall and an arrow pointing off to the uh, left. And it either said three miles or eight miles, because that's how much it was worn out. <laughs> and I and it was down a dirt road. And I said, this is absolutely my kind of place. I'm all I am all by myself. It is 2 p.m. on a Sunday. No one knows that I'm here. It's a good day to get murdered. So there so there we go <laughs> off down the dirt road, leaving the main highway far behind me. And yeah, sure enough, I showed up and it was a barn. There were no cars in this parking lot, Mike. Zero. And it was quiet. It was incredibly quiet. There was not a cricket chirping. It was eerie. 
Okay. I walk into this place. I just, it's, I open this door, little bell, ding, and this place is covered. Like I said, like I expected even. This place was covered in about two inches of dust everywhere. (laughs) And it was porcelain dolls. It did that thing where the light shone in through the cracks in in the ceiling and you could see the dust going up there. There weren't even footprints in this dust. I'm not entirely certain this place actually existed. This is something out of a Stephen King novel. <laughs> yeah, I began to dumb. explore. I began to explore. There's old farm tools. There are. Uh, there's lots and lots of furniture. There's mannequins. For the love of Christ, there's mannequins, Mike. And most of them are dressed in in clothes that would outdate our grandparents. Okay. <laughs> and I'm walking through. It's, this, this is just a hoarder's. I just a hoarder's paradise. There's not a single price tag on anything. And so I'm just looking through. I'm looking for something. And I walk in. I turn to the right. And I'm kind of looking through this wall on my right. They had like old eight tracks and shit. And I just hear this shuffling. Not speaking, but shuffling. And I turn around. And there she is. The owner, presumably, of this establishment. And um, I do not body shame. I do not. But she is what we call in the South a biggin. Okay, a woman in a muumuu that I assume uh, she had stitched together from three other larger muumuus. She could have covered a pool with it. And she wasn't sitting on the couch as she was sitting like on the couch. Okay, again, I'm not trying to be mean here, but it's what she was. Okay, and I turn around. She'd just been watching the back of my head for probably five minutes while I'm looking through eight track tapes. And she just kind of makes a noise. And I turn around and. Okay. Hi. Yes. Howdy, man. I always throw on a little bit of Southern charm when I'm speaking to people older than me, as y'all do, and you call them by their first name. Like, howdy there, Miss Liz. What can I do for you? <laughs> you, know, you throw on that little old ladies love that. So, and I, I'm, I'm, I'm shook. So in my, in my most startled but yet charming Southern voice, I go, oh, howdy, ma'am. Um, and, and she said nothing. She's just staring at me. And I go, hi, ma'am. I was I was wondering if 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 you could help me out. You see, I like to collect uh, video games, so I was wondering if you could help me out. And I swear to God, Mike, she looks at me and she goes, "We don't cotton much to video games." <laughs> and that's when I got terrified, Mike, because I knew that's the moment. If you're watching the movie, that's the moment. When her humonculus son hits me on the back (laughs) of the head with a meat hammer (laughs) and I get drug out to to uh, to, uh, the shed and I am dinner with like six of their inbred cousins. And so you were in Texas. I was in Texas. I was in rural West Texas. This is my chainsaw (laughs) massacre experience. And I am incredibly shocked that I did not get killed because I immediately ran terrified out of this place. And I'd like to say that I've never been to another antique mall Again, but you and I both know that ain't true. No, I'm sure you didn't know that. Of course not. But the point is, it got very hills have eyes. And I have put (laughs) my very life at risk in pursuit of of vintage video games, as she would (laughs) like to put. But in this pursuit, I have all kinds of cool stuff back back here. I have an actual arcade console uh, version of the original Star Wars arcade game. I have a Black Dreamcast, a Sega Nomad. Some um, good stuff. Oh, some really, really cool stuff. I have the Tommy Hilfiger Game Boy Color. I don't even know who made I mean, <laughs> I guess Tom, like, Tommy Hilfiger did. Back when it was but, a big deal. 
Right. But there is so much weird and crazy things and not even just video game stuff. There's a street shark puppet. You can see it. It's right there. You can see it on the thing. I have I have one of those creepy simple monkeys, you know, the ones from like, <laughs> yeah, I do. I, this this house that I currently live live in is it is a it is a museum of my inability to grow up. And I will I will uh, never, ever want to live any other way because of that. And a big part of that is, again, my love of vintage video games. I didn't I didn't really grow up with a lot of it. Like I, I kind of mentioned the, the last time I was on the show, I sort of grew up with an NES top loader. And so I would I would play games at other like friends houses and stuff. So I played yeah. a, a little bit of Genesis. I played Battletoads or uh, the Ren and Stimpy game, a few other, you know, just whatever somebody had, I was kind of forced to play. Um, I had an NES top loader. Uh, it had Duck Hunt and Mario, you know, that old classic cart. And yep, the other one and the other one was a bootleg. And this is back from like 92 or whenever it was of the of 72 NES games. Um, and that's all that I had until I was um, until I was about what, uh, 10, 11, 12, 13, somewhere in there. And I got the N64 and we've spoken about that. Oh, so, yeah. <laughs> so my video game background was a lot of playing uh, weird stuff like Battle City and Devil World and whatever weird translated NES, like Popeye, like all kinds <laughs> of weird NES games that were just like glorified arcade ports at that time. And that's and I, I was pretty much in a drought until I was much, much older. A handful of games on the in sixty four. But I didn't get into this, into this vintage collector, whatever you want to call it, hoarder thing until I was really uh, about night about nineteen or twenty. Okay. Yeah. So that's so it I, I feel like a lot of people get into it because of nostalgia. Yeah, most people do. Yeah. I sort of got into it through secondhand sort of fear of missing out type of nostalgia it was me reading nintendo power magazine looking at games and going like snowboard kids too i wish i I could play that and then when i was a 23 year old man going hey look here's a copy of snowboard kids (laughs) too i i never forgot that so i just bought them all all up and i went back and played them later Hey, at one time, a lot of those games are dirt cheap. So hey, yeah, and that's and 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 and, and I've, I've since stopped most of it. I still I still like go on to flea markets and to look at stuff like that. Like like your your only real chance of getting a good deal are at garage sales, and you have to drive so much for hopefully something. Yeah, you so got to find like, random places people don't know. I used to collect comic books a lot, and I stopped for the most part now because the fun like was the was the thrill of the hunt finding something it, for dirt cheap that they didn't exactly. know they had. And most people know what they have now. Internet's, yeah. uh, you know, I mean, this is pre-iPhone when I started this. <laughs> so it was a lot of, you know, I mean, I, I mean, back then there, uh, there, there was a pawn shop next door to my work that just had a giant uh, shelf, like, like a, a, a floor to ceiling bookshelf full of N64 games. And a lot of them were under 10 bucks. Yeah, so I, I would just clear them out. This was uh, 2005, 2006. So I mean, it was just a lot of that. I would I would get paid, and I would just go I would just go next door, and just go and see what I what I didn't have and what I wanted to get. That's uh, a fun time collecting. Yeah, games exactly. <laughs> and then and then getting to play them later. And now it's almost to a point where like if I wanted to play something, I played it on a ROM. So now if I if I really want to own 
something is because I really like it and I want to have that physical copy of yeah, it. Yeah, it's more of that collection thing because exactly. there's ways to play it now. And I know that I can't be a completionist at this point because it's financially infeasible to do it's, that. It's a little ridiculous. Yeah, I'm going to have to – I mean, I you won't know when, when I win the lottery, but there will be signs. <laughs> and that will be a complete N64 collection. Although I do have, although I do have a lot of the really weird and rare things, it's just a lot of what's left over is now like a hundred and fifty bucks here, a hundred. Oh yeah, no, it's there, ridiculous you know. prices. So for- it's just not really worth it. But uh, but yeah, I, I I would encourage anybody who wants to get into that, learn from what I did. Start with the Wii U. Right now, the Wii U is the best place to start. I don't care to uh, do it, but you can find their games for about five yeah, or ten bucks right real now. Cheap. So a lot of them are. It's uh, getting there, though. And the nostalgia is going to be there later. And I think that the Wii U is going to be the last console that you can collect discs for. Because uh, yeah. I, I think after that, a lot of it's going to be mostly digital. With getting there. A little bit of things. But yeah, but I would say that if that if you want to do it, you should definitely do it. Just just don't expect your kids to have their college paid for. <laughs> All right. But thank you, Cody, for joining me for this one. Oh no! It's all I, I. I always love to come on this show and tell weird stories and oh, do fine. various things. That's no, it's, this is such a blast, and I'm <laughs> so proud of you, Mike. You got to 100k. Yes, when people are hearing this, we will be at officially 100k. So, and you're welcome. I, 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 I like to think that at least uh, I don't know, let's say 15, 20 thousand of those were because I. Was. I mean, that would be nice, but it's more like I. I don't remember the the, the numbers of the actual episodes you've been on. But nah, I, I, <laughs> I wish I, it was that much. For those I think I think it was, I think I've been on in six or seven. By you have been, now. yeah. The average yeah. episode gets hundred to two hundred downloads. A long time ago, Alice was over like 400, 500 at one time, but I haven't looked in years. Yeah, I know. I know Alice did was, was the best one up until that point. Which you're welcome. <laughs> no, well, Mario. Thing. Mario must have done really good. It, it will, but it just came out at this point, like a week well, ago. Well, the, 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 the timing. This is evergreen. This is evergreen. <laughs> not We're not recording this in August. Not at all. We're recording this now in October, December. Whenever. Uh, hopefully not that late, but yes. Oh no! And I said, I'm, I'm sure, and I know at this point, I've said many times. <laughs> stay tuned for the next interview. Take it easy, guys. And we're bringing you in another memory. And who's with me tonight? Chris, expert consultant at the Pretentious Nerds. Hi, <laughs> right, Chris. And the last time we talked was back when we covered Live a Live. Depending on when you're hearing this, because well, I don't know when this is going to go. Oh, about a year, over a year ago. <laughs> yeah, it's just crazy to think. It feels like it feels like three months ago. <laughs> it was a lot longer. <laughs> I know. And it's a question I've been asking at this point probably many times. Uh, what is your f- favorite gaming memory? All right. So here we go. I'm going to go with a game that changed my life. And obviously, uh, I think changed a lot of people's life. And it was in high school around uh, back in 2013, my senior year of high school. I, I've always played a lot of games in my time. Um, I always grew up playing everything uh, and anything I'd get my hands on. You know, I like shooters, RPGs, even sports at some points. But the game, uh, it's this genre I could never get into growing up was JRPGs. That was the one I just, I always wanted to. And I remember playing Lost Odyssey and being like, man, I love this game so much, but I just was terrible at it. I was <laughs> like, I could, 
I would get stuck easily. And eventually through pure perseverance, I made it through all the way of Lost Odyssey. And like that, that like just, I felt so proud of that because like four disc game, I was like, oh, I loved it. And then after that, the game that changed my life, not the one I'm focusing on the memory, but <laughs> was Final Fantasy 13 2 of all things. That, what? Yes, yes. That is the game that unlocked my love for JRPGs. <laughs> that is not what I expected anybody to no, say, but all right, I'm interested. Nobody expects it because it's like the one, it's like what Final Fantasy 13 is already a bad, dirty word, but like. 13 too, like especially you don't want to really talk about going down those rabbit hole but like i love i love that series and 13 2 was the one that hit me is like i love these jrpgs so i started breaking out and exploring all these kinds i went to ps2 games this was uh seventh generation so like 360 and everything i guess i think that's seventh but yeah so like i, I like ps2 had just it was still out of like, you know, it was out of the world, out of speaking, but I still had mine. It still worked. And I was like still plugged up in my entertainment center. So I just, I went through, I bought like a, just like a collection of JRPGs on eBay. And then I watched a review for one on gametrailers.com, a game called Persona 4. And I was like, I had remembered it. And I was like, I'm going to check out this game. So I rented it from Gamefly. And this begins my favorite gaming experience of all time, and probably nothing will ever affect me the way Persona 4 had its effect on me. So this was during high school. If you don't know, Persona is basically a series about high school students, and each one is different, different characters. And I was a senior in high school, which is a time, you know, you're going through tremendous change. You are about to graduate. You are about, you're, you know, you're about to lose your friends. Are you about to hold on to the few friends you have? It's, it's a crazy time. Some are going to college, some are staying. And Persona 4 was a game that spoke to me, especially in my like more reserved, quiet self and just really spoke to me about all its themes of friendship. And it's like, it did more to me uh, in my eyes with like, yeah, you can have in the anime trope of like friendship is power, friendship is magic. But what Persona did was take a more serious take on it in a way that really spoke to me. It wasn't afraid to like really tackle serious subjects and just really, and I won't go too much into spoilers and everything, just, and you see how big the Persona series has gotten today. And this was way before like Persona 4 Golden came out on the Vita, which you know blew that up. <laughs> but when I was just playing this game, and I remember just like I the the pro the prologue, the introduction of the game is five hours long. And you tell most people that it's just a five-hour cutscene, they would say, I'm never playing this game. They would just say, I no, no way in heck. And I would I would even have told you probably not either. But here I was five hours into the prologue and I could not stop. And I remember getting past that introduction. They like let you roam around the town and they're like, OK, you know, excuse me, training wheels are off. Go walk around Inaba. And I was just like, holy crap, I can like I can just hang out. One of my favorite things to do in video games is just hang out in the world that's given to me. And I like especially when it's just a peaceful town, you can just like take in the sights and sounds that you're you know you're given and persona 4 gave me just that and when that little bit of opening and then you get into the meat of the story and just how it unfolds 
how each character and what they go through, each one hit me like a brick. And I was so emotional with each new arc of that game. And for those who don't know, these games last like anywhere between 90 to 100 hours. And not once did I feel like tired at all. And this game, what makes it such my uh, favorite game memory is just more than just why I loved it so much and how it was affecting me and how these characters felt so close to me. They were more than just characters. They were my friends. And I would take this game. I would. I told all my friends about it. I would go to school and I'd be like, guys, I am playing this game you've never heard of. And it got to the point where all my friends were super interested, like legitimately interested in hearing about what happens next in the story. And I would go to school and I'd be telling like my one friend, John, I'd be like, John, you won't believe what just happened in Persona 4. (laughs) He would be like, he'd be super into it to the point like he he wasn't really into big. He wasn't big into JRPGs, but he did play Persona 4 after that. I had another uh, another long friend, Brandon, who um, who's on the uh, pretentious nerds. He he hates JRPGs. He can't stand them. But the first thing he did was watch a playthrough of Persona 4 when I finished it. <laughs> I mean, it's a great so, game. Yeah, it's, it's like I spread and like all, everybody like knows me. And like all my friends still who I talked to knew me as like the Persona guy because I became obsessed with this series. It, it took over my whole life. I went ahead and I bought every single Shin Megami Tensei game I found my <laughs> like hands on. Like I had my whole collection. I had a literal like shrine of Persona stuff from this. I bought like the Japanese guide of Persona 3. <laughs> but just to, to trickle it down is that that memory playing Persona 4, having such a like just continued life-changing moment every time I booted up that game and just going to my friends, telling them about it, about it, seeing them, hearing them be like visually, like visibly interested in what I'm saying, which is a pretty, you know, I would say hard thing to do uh, when you're just talking about, you know, some random video game to your friends. And just, yeah, at the end of that game, I cried like uh, four or five times. And to this day, I think it's, and I, you know, it's obviously a biased opinion, but I, I would stand by it that it's the single greatest video game of all time in my eyes. Ooh, that's some high praise. I have played Persona 4 and beaten it. I also fucked up and ended up when I should have been going through camp not, and I was sitting there doing nothing and killed my days and had to completely restart my save. Oh, so. no. <laughs> no. <laughs> so I got to God, the dungeon with the guy who you think is the murderer at that one was point. Like three of those. <laughs> oh, God. It's the kid with like the black eyes that doesn't yeah. really say much that okay, isn't a playable character. Yeah, I totally forget his name at one point in time i could have told you his first and last name but but uh, i had gotten there which i think is the fourth dungeon you get to and i quit playing there and i had to sit down for a year put the game down for a year before i could finally get back to it oh man well what was it like i mean persona 4 i feel like it came at the right time because you're playing this during high school that must have been an interesting i mean i didn't play it until god five years four years ago before the show started and i graduated 06 so i was well out of high school oh wow yeah (laughs) Man, I yeah, I mean that's part of probably what made it resonate so much for me is just that you know the one thing I want to do in video games probably the most important thing in a JRPG for me is how much can I insert myself into the main character's role and I feel like Persona is the whole franchise um, I guess from three I guess not two but like yeah 
three, four, and five, those games are very much like inputting you into the personality of the main character. Like they are, they are blank slates in the truest sense, aside from like a character creation would allow you. Uh, So being able to put myself in the, like in the eyes of the main character, Persona 4, it really allowed me to just experience that world in a different way. I was in high school, you know, main characters are all in high school, they're friends (laughs) in high school. It's like, you know, it's just kind of what you grow up like, hey, this is like, this is the world, you know, you're going out, you're saving the world after school. <laughs> it's, you know, just a classic Sailor Moon-esque anime, you know, <laughs> anime style. Like, it's after school, you're going to go save the world. And then the next day you go back to school. And Persona had a, has a, still to this day, has a fantastic, like, the calendar system and how you plan out your days. I would spend my, just like all the time playing it was just like the perfect game for me in terms of how I played games because I'd be like, okay, this is a good stopping point because I have the rest of my week planned out. And I just, that feeling of just like, you weren't fighting, but you were progressing the story just through the days and how like even the moments like, okay, you have 30 days to save this person. And I would just (laughs) like, I love that. I love that to death because it's just like, okay, I can manage my own time. And And if you save that person, you get the whole month off and it's just like the crazy like relaxing feeling that i it was like best feeling i've ever felt in a video game is when you save someone in persona 4 and you have the rest of the month to just chill and and like hang out that nothing has topped that in video games for me and persona 5 does like royal helped a little bit but yeah when you finished a mission in persona five it was very much like you'd have morgana be like hey go to bed because you know you already did the important thing so you need to go to bed now and they would like rush you through the story a little bit much and they did fix that a little bit with royal but four really just kind of was hands off about it and let you go through that story um and within your own pace without anyone kind of stopping you and i will say like yes golden is the better version by far but I started with four, so that's what my emotional connection is to. And I, I would okay. say that I think the writing in four is a little bit tighter because they didn't have to like add characters. Uh, <laughs> I also played it. I played four. I played the PS2 version of four on PS on my PS4 because it didn't have Golden oh. at the time. So I know I didn't play Golden. I just played the regular version when I played it too. Oh, nice. Yeah. So yeah, Golden. Yeah, Golden of course adds like cool things. Like the gameplay changes are really good. Um, I think Maria is a fantastic or Marie is a fantastic character, but it's like they do make some like, you know, story changes to fit characters. And I just think it, you know, overall writing quality drops a little bit, but it's still very good. Okay, and then before I let you go, I do have to ask an important question. Thirteen two. I mean, I like thirteen two. I played it <laughs> once. I got a glitch. It and I had to completely shut the game off and never and I haven't ever played again because I got in a glitch oh, where I couldn't get a key item and I couldn't progress the heart. game. But I'm just surprised. Not often. I mean, I think 13 is fine. I think 13 2 was impressive when I played it. So I, I don't like fault you for that. I just, just, <laughs> I'm just surprised with 13 2. Like you start talking about Lost Odyssey, I'm like okay, Lost Odyssey makes perfect sense. It's an amazing, amazing game. So this is a common thing. You're not the only one because it's okay. like you, you tell people like, hey, I started loving JRPGs with Final Fantasy 13. <laughs> that's that's 
man, that's like an insult, right? But I went from 13-2 to like the fuck, like I fucking played Arno Telico, um, R, yeah, the R Tonelico series, like right after that. So I like deep dived. Um, but yeah, 13-2, I don't know. I was just kind of at a point where it's like, I remember this, this is super specific. I was walking my dog and I was just kind of like, I was just outside. I was thinking about games because, of course, I'm in high school. I like that's all I thought about. <laughs> I um, don't feel it. Yeah. And it just kind of hit me. I was like, wow, JRPGs have like incredible stories. They're really long. And this was before every game ever made was like 80 hours long. Um, like they're really long games. They have fantastic stories. The gameplay is super good. I mean, you know, teach their own turn-based can be iffy, but I love turn-based. And I just look like going through my head of like, yeah, JRPGs just like are the best thing ever. And I hit everything for me. Um, and... 13-2 was the game I was playing while that, and I, while I was thinking that, and um, yeah, okay. <laughs> and then I deep dived. All right. Well, thank you for taking time out to talk with me, Chris. After about a year. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> All right, and then you stay tuned for the next one. Yes, I'm happy to. I'm glad I was here. Uh, I hope everyone enjoys and goes out and plays Persona if they haven't already. Hi, and who's with me? Hi, I'm Reese. I uh, run the little indie game company, Side Group Games. Welcome. And as I've said, I'm sure before, what is your favorite gaming memory? My favorite gaming memory. So this isn't a game that I particularly am that attached to on an emotional level outside of this memory. This game is Metal Gear Solid 4. I was a big fan of the Metal Gear Solid series growing up. A lot of people were, right? And, um, you know, paid very close attention to those releases as they were coming out. And by the time Metal Gear Solid 4 starting to roll around, I'm starting to actually watch, you know, uh, press conferences for video games and stuff like that. Like, really pay attention to the industry in a closer way. So my hype level for MGS4 as it's launching is through the roof. And this happens to coincide with my uh high school graduation it's it's coming up right around the same time and my friend and i are both massive fans of the metal gear series and we decide (laughs) we are going to overnight this thing when it comes out so yes we go to his place his parents place and we start it around i want to say maybe four o'clock p.m and we play until Roughly eight o'clock, nine. No, it was later than that. It was closer to nine or ten o'clock a.m. So, gosh, how many hours is that? Let's see. <laughs> it's a lot. Yeah. Uh, not a short video game. Not an easy one to do in one sitting. And we no. did it. Kind of just nonstop. We just did it. I remember passing out somewhere in the fifth and final chapter for maybe a total of about 45 minutes. And my friend had to take over during that time and gave me a brief recap after I had woken up. (laughs) But otherwise, we did make it through the whole thing. We didn't skip any cutscenes, none of that. We, you know, I mean, we had the full Metal Gear Solid 4 experience. And even though I've gone back and replayed that game since, it's one of those things where it's like, uh, my memories of that game when I think about it, are from that night, you know, it's me sitting with the 
PS3 controller, you know, that whole night, just the whole thing. So, yeah, that that's got to be the most exciting, joyful memory I have with gaming. To this day, this friend and I are still best friends. I that's see him awesome. all the time. We still hang out all the time. And and it's just like such a weird special thing that both of us have is that we overnighted Metal Gear Solid Four <laughs> together. You know, I can't believe that game came out in 2008. I just looked it up. I'm like, my yeah. God. Yeah. That long ago. No, it's wild. It's wild. Yeah. Just a, a night of total mania. Playing and through that thing. It's like a 20 hour game. Weird. Yeah. No, I mean, it's, yeah, it's nuts that we did that. That's impressive. I, I don't think we like, you know, I think we, we kind of tried our best to streamline what we could and tried not to get sidetracked by all the weird Kojima details, right? All those strange things you can do with the interactions with the, you know, environment and NPCs and stuff. By and large, we just tried to beat the game. But it still took us a while. And, you know, our first time through, there were still all kinds of weirdnesses we had to figure out and and work around and, you know, learn on the fly. There was no way to look up what to do if we were having trouble with something. So That's why I hate games when they first come out. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Do you do you remember what how you felt when you got to the Metal Gear Sol- when it repeats Metal Gear Solid one part when you went to Shadow Moses Island? Were you still awake for yeah, that? Yeah, that was an incredibly exciting thing. Yeah, no, the part that I slept through was the um the the tanker at the very end. Like, oh, you're uh, missing nothing. You missed yeah. nothing, man. Yes, yeah, that's the thing, and it wasn't even an important part of that. I did like I didn't miss the microwave crawl. I, you know, I got all the big important stuff. I don't blame uh, you for passing out, though. <laughs> it was, yeah, for a little bit there. You probably needed it. <laughs> I, I really did. Anyway, uh, yeah, no, uh, the, the Shadow Moses moment was, of course, incredibly exciting, filled with, are they going to, you know, like us sitting there being like, is that what they're doing? Like, oh my gosh, they're going to do that? That was so exciting. You know, and I loved the game. I, I had a great time with the game, I should say. It's one of those games where, like, retroactively, the things that it does... Doesn't hold you know, up. There's a, there's a lot of stuff that bugs me about the game, it, you know, in in retrospect, when I go back and replay it these days, even though I like the game quite a bit. Yeah, I remember it. Yeah. <laughs> I, I beat the game once, probably 2011, let's say, maybe yeah. 2011, 2012. And I beat it once. I played through the entire game. I remember absolutely nothing about it. Yeah. I, th- I think it's pretty good. I think there's a there's a lot of fat that could have been trimmed, and I think like there are some systems that I'm not at super crazy about, but like it's still a good time. It's just not you know my top couple Metal Gear games or whatever. It's but, more of uh, a movie than a game, isn't it? Too. It, it, uh, there's a lot of cutscenes. <laughs> nine hours worth, by the way. Oh my goodness! I mean, you know, it's like whatever, like eight a.m. And you're sitting there and it's like, oh, we're almost done with the game. We're like on the final cutscene, I can tell. And then it's the, the final cutscene's like over an hour long. Like, it's so wild. Mm-hmm. So you're sitting there just like, oh, my goodness. Like, we have to finish this. We have to finish this. Oh, my gosh. And then, you know, trying not to pass out again. That's why I really want to replay this on my PC with save state. So I can, I own a copy of it, but I want to be able to just be like, okay, I can take a break in this cutscene. I'll just save it sure. and come back to it. Later. Sure, yeah. I hear it emulates nicely these days. <laughs> That's what I heard. I just don't know if my laptop can handle it, but I, I might find it. I'm yeah. actually playing it for the show later this year. Yeah, yeah. Because cool. I don't remember. It seems like a brand new experience. I don't remember anything. Yeah, Nothing. Sure. Yeah. I mean, there's a lot of great stuff in there. It's it's a pretty good time overall. Um, yeah. I remember. Uh, so I don't know if you remember the third chapter in that game, but it's like 
very like uh you know mandatory stealth heavy right what like if, if it's the third hidden, chapter london yeah okay so i remember like i remember like, bits and pieces of this game but i remember so little of it and it's all yeah. like hazy memories yeah during, during the london chapter like there are sequences that are mandatory stealth where if you get seen you simply fail oh. and by that point we're playing that probably like two or something in the morning. So <laughs> there was a lot of getting seen and failing and like us being confused and not really understanding what the game wanted from us. And, you know, I'm sure like, you were exhausted. So it was pretty exhausting. <laughs> I mean, you said it was during high school, correct? Yeah. So you probably yeah, went yeah. to high school that day and then got the game, I'm assuming. Yeah. Yeah. We had to come home first. It was probably about 4 p.m. that we started. Yeah. Um, so you're already yeah, been up at that point, you know, let's say nine, ten, you know, like ten hours. I think he had and then the all game. of a sudden <laughs> 20 more. Here we come. Right. Yes, exactly. I think he had the game because it came in the mail that morning. So we were able to just go straight to his parents place and just kick things off right away. And by the oh, way, I'll, I'll say my friend's name. Shout out to Jake West, a great friend of mine who has <laughs> even worked on a game with me. So okay. just a very close friend uh, for life. <laughs> and would you consider your favorite Metal Gear Solid or any Metal Gear? My favorite Metal Gear Solid is three. Okay. Uh, a game that I, yeah, a, a pretty, you know, top, easy top 10 game for me, even maybe top five. I don't know. Yeah, no, Great. Metal Gear Solid 3 is so good still. Yeah. Yeah. But, I, mean, I mean, that's cool story. It's beautiful, though. <laughs> Wait, what? Four is really beautiful. Like, it is, from oh, what I remember and looking at footage of the game, that game just looks amazing still. Yeah, they're pumping everything they can out of the PS3 with that thing, for sure. It looks fantastic. It also runs in native 1080p, which, you know, is crazy impressive at the time. So, yeah, great-looking video game. But that's the whole story. There's, you know, there's not any uh, big emotional arc. It is oh, no, just, that's fine. That was just one wonderful night uh, where I got to just experience an entire massive video game in its whole in one sitting with one of my best buds. So. It's a wonderful thing. I mean, that that's what matters with video games, bringing people together, bring you know, having those experiences. It doesn't matter if the game, I mean, at least in this case, it is considered a great game. It's just, yeah. I feel like a lot of people have aged on it and not in a good way. I don't, yes. I, yeah. I mean, even, you know, like I said, I, even I have in certain ways where, you know, when I replay the series now, I'm more critical of the things that I don't think 4 does as well as some of the other games, but but that's not to say that it's bad. <laughs> no, no, it doesn't. I mean, some of my favorite games of all time are, I mean, this is actually a really good game. Some of my favorite games are not good games. Yeah. Like, I love Dragon Ball Z Super Legendary <laughs> Warriors. That's not a great game, but I love I love uh, the Path of Neo. I'm a diehard Matrix Path of Neo fan. I would not call it. I have it... never played it. Oh, Mike, that's a fantastic experience of a game. It's so bizarre. Okay, I've always I was curious about it. I played Enter the Matrix, and Enter the Matrix was garbage. But yeah, I'm not big on Enter the Matrix. The Path of Neo, I love. The tough part with the Path of Neo is it doesn't emulate well, which means oh. you kind of need to play it on an original Xbox or PS2 if you want to have a good experience. So and it's never going to get re-released. No, any other way. Like that so. thing's dead. Yeah, exactly. So Did I think come out on PC? PC. There was a PC port. I don't know how well it does or doesn't work on like modern operating systems but mike okay. if you ever check that thing out please let me know i'll i'd love to play that game again it's been a while okay i actually never bought it like i bought a ton of cheap ps2 and xbox games but that one i just 
I think either it yeah. came later or I just didn't. Yeah, I just didn't give a shit. I'm not sure which one. And it looks like it came out in 20, oh, 2005. Okay, so yeah, I was I was moving around that time. It was so. a truly bizarre game. They do the full stories of all three films, right? Ugh. But then they do these sequences in between each film that fill in. They're just little, like, 30-minute levels that fill in weird, strange side stories in the Matrix universe with these random new characters that they choose from, like, you know, like, from people who live in the city or, like, different programs entering the Matrix, like, all kinds of different things going on, and it explores a bunch of stuff. It's really fascinating. It's a bizarre game. Okay. I'm curious about it now. You have my attention. Yeah, the, the final boss, can I spoil the final boss? I don't care. <laughs> okay, the, the final boss has the Wachowskis come out in pixel art form on screen and be like, hey, we're the Wachowskis. We talked and decided that the final battle in the third film wouldn't really work very well in video game form. So instead, we decided to make it so, like, a thousand Agent Smiths form into a giant Agent Smith, and you fight him. And then you fight him. It's it's so strange, and I love it so much. Okay. It's a brief cameo from the Wachowskis. All right, I'm curious now. Yeah, you don't need to include any of this stuff in the oh, I will. Episode, it's all by the way. It's not, it's not <laughs> Okay, you you have my attention. Maybe I will try to actually figure out how to run this and see if I can. <laughs> Sounds good. Just because. All right, it's, well, it's thank you, Reese, for, for sharing that. And everyone else, stay tuned for the next interview. Right. Sounds good. Thanks for having me. Oh, thank you for coming. <laughs> Hi, and who's with me? Hi, this is Daniel Jones. Um, I was on... The Dino Crisis episode? <laughs> yes, a long time ago. <laughs> long time ago. How you doing? Not too bad. Not too bad at all. And as I've said, I'm sure depending on what year you pick many times, what is your favorite gaming memory? So my favorite gaming memory actually pertains to not any specific game. Well, that's but, fine. So it's going to be a little bit different, but it was 2010 when I discovered the blog section on Game Informer online on the Game Informer website. And so back when I had when I started writing there, I had just gone through a divorce. I was still pretty young. I was in my twenties and I had I I had gone through a long period in my life where I didn't know what I wanted to do. Well I knew what I wanted to do. I knew that I wanted to write about video games and I've known that since high school and I, but I had never really pursued it cause I didn't think it was a real opportunity for me. Like I didn't, I didn't think it was realistic. It was something that I could actually do. That makes sense. I mean, it's, I completely get that. Yeah. Uh, it, it just seemed out of, out of reach. It just didn't seem like a real job. Um, so I just, I had, Different. I had a job that I had been in for about seven years, and I was happy with that job. Well, not quite seven years at that, <laughs> at that point, but I was happy with that job. But it wasn't. It wasn't what my dream was, and yeah. I had always been obsessed with games. But I was weird because I was obsessed with games in a weird way that I think we're all obsessed with games now, and which is that like I 
played some games, but I was obsessed with every game. It didn't matter if I hadn't played it. Like, I knew all about Final Fantasy VII, but I didn't own a PlayStation. <laughs> and, like... I just loved reading about games, and then when like G4 happened and GameSpot started putting videos online, I loved watching stuff about games and loved, you know, I followed E3 every year, even when it was in Atlanta, and it was just like weird. I just, I always followed the industry as a hobby just about as much as maybe if not more than I've actually played video games. So I have a lot of great memories of playing games, but for me, like the first time I started writing on Game Informer Online in the blog section, I I discovered like this whole community of people that I didn't know existed. You know, all my yeah. friends, my friends like growing up, they liked games, but like nobody was obsessed with them like I was. <laughs> And then this whole this whole community of people that were like writing about games and and there was just so much creativity there and I loved it it was it was amazing and continued to write on there I started a podcast on there and then with with my with a, a random guy that I just met Jeremy Brown and he and I started the Indian <laughs> Mojo show and then Jack Gardner who would go on to become an intern at Game Informer and would then go on to run the extra life blog and she she was a freelancer for a while like she joined our team and we had the jacked up indian mojo show and the the podcast was like focused on the community we we always had guests on whether they were community members sometimes we had we had a bunch of the editors on the show it was it was fun um and is wild cuz now jeremy is like my best friend and <laughs> We had we actually just started another podcast together, which I'll, nice. I'll plug at the end of this. But but it was just so cool to meet people that were like me <laughs> and loved games as much as I do, and loved to talk about games as much as I do, and, and therefore write about games as much <laughs> as I did and do. There, it, it was yeah, and it's crazy when you look back at the 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 blog section there's some people that i'm still friends with to this day that that i met on there uh, you know outside of just jeremy but but like there's other people who i remember were writing on there and now they're kind of like big names in in the in the video game just, media space that's pretty cool that people were able to you know blow up essentially from you know a blog yeah so. yeah i mean there's somebody on there just i'm just thinking off the top of my head like somebody who was on there who is now working at microsoft in their in their community what marketing. do you call that yeah community marketing department somebody else who writes for the escapist right now and and then there's like probably the biggest name is probably mike mahardy who you know now writes for Polygon, wrote for GameSpot, and then I always want to say stop. And then <laughs> That's a whole he, also, <laughs> mess. he also has the Fire Escape podcast with Dan oh, okay. and Mary Kish. So I know that. Uh, I've heard of that. Yeah. He started at least at least he did some writing on the Game Informer online blogs. And that I just remember like, oh look, look you know. Yeah, I knew, I knew him back in the day. And there's other people 
too. And some of us, like myself, like tried and tried and tried, and it just didn't happen. But for for me, that period of time where I was writing on there for it was you know about three years until it started to kind of fall apart. I would say. Um, get, like more just trolls and stuff. No, it's just I think that the audience moved. Okay. I think that a lot of that class changed, and then the audience moved to other mediums, and, and that's that's why ultimately I think they decided to close it down. And I was sad when they closed them down, but I understood it because they weren't they didn't have the kind of audience that they they did for those few years. And I wasn't even one of the early class. There were people there way before I was. Uh, and it was kind of a mess from what I understand back in the early days. But but then it became a mess in different ways because, like you said, yeah, they, they got full of not so much trolls. It was they had these weird ads all the time. They had these weird blogs that were like bot blogs that were it was for like free streams of like soccer games and baseball and and stuff and it was so it was very strange because i I don't know i don't understand what those bots were getting out of this like who was running those bots and what they were doing with them i don't know but they got them all the time the mods were constantly busy cleaning that stuff up so it just ended up i don't think it was worth it anymore and i i totally get it and I think, like I said, the, the the audience moved on. I don't read stuff online nearly as much as I used to. <laughs> I watch YouTube. I listen to podcasts. Mm-hmm. Uh, younger people than us watch TikTok. And yeah, most people <laughs> at this point don't. I mean, I feel like blogs aren't really a thing. I was at one right. of my jobs, and they are like, oh, make sure you don't blog stuff. And I want to be like, you do know people don't really blog anymore. <laughs> right, no. Like, I mean, I didn't say that because I didn't, I, I didn't care enough. But I'm thinking to myself, like, you're using really outdated terms, guys. Like, this is not <laughs> a thing anymore. <laughs> right. But for that few periods there, I really felt like I was part of something cool. And I know that Game Informer Online wasn't the only community like that. Like, I had some friends in the IGN community who similarly went on to do cool stuff. Like, became, you know, professionals in the industry. And so, that's that's what it was. Like, I loved it. It was. I just thought it was the coolest thing. And it reinvigorated my love of games. And it kind of forced me to try games that I wouldn't normally because I wanted to be part of the conversation and I wanted to have ideas about th- for things to write. You know, if I was writing about something like, like if I had an opportunity to talk to, cause I, I went on and wrote for some websites myself. Um, okay. And if I ended up having a, an opportunity to talk to like a developer or something, I would go and play their game, even if it wasn't necessarily the kind of game that I was super into. But you know, if I it helps, the conversation. I've, exactly. I know exactly right. what you mean. Right. Um, I've interviewed a couple developers on this show. Not many, but I've I've had I've had the opportunity for a couple, or maybe it, one. <laughs> but I didn't read him twice. So. It just it's it just makes you a better like gamer. I don't know. It just makes you better at it, understanding. Yeah, and it's always good to get out of your comfort zone with games. Like I mean, with this podcast, I have played so many things I never would have played in my life. Like I'm actually about to go back and play Resident Evil Two, the original one again. And play it now in an HD modded version on the GameCube that somebody did where it looks like way prettier. Yeah. I mean, completely out of my comfort zone. I don't yeah. like survival horror, but here I am. 
<laughs> you play a lot of survival horror on the show, though. So we did know. early. That was back with the guys that you had recorded with. I think you yeah. recorded with Stefan and Stu. And when they left, then I didn't do as much. Yeah, I don't like survival true. horror. I guess you're right. You don't. You don't do it. So I'm doing a bunch because it's. Spooked, well, depending on when you're hearing this, I can't. It depends on when this goes up. But for Spooktober, yeah. I'm doing a bunch of well, spooky stuff. I have a bunch of horror games on that. But yeah, <laughs> other than yeah. that, I don't play horror games. Once a year for Spooktober, <laughs> I play a bunch of horror games and I don't touch them again till the next year. But it's funny because like we know each other through the Overblood group um, yes. on Facebook, and so that to me that sprang out of Game Informer uh, also. Oh yeah, hundred um, percent. And, and to me that that's become my new. Thing. like that that's my new community it's this uh, a lot of the same community like there's a lot of the same people in there I like that but you know for me like oh that that's where i go now to talk to like-minded nerds about <laughs> about games i really like the group i mean it has its moments but i mean i've been in the group now for a while and i mean we both have i'm i, I feel like god i think i'm from the beginning near the beginning of it but it's just like it's just one of those groups that it's a pretty good community, even with all like the shitty communities you have in Facebook. I mean, it's a mm-hmm. pretty good community. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Which I'm and really surprised, but it is. I wish it weren't on Facebook. I wish I weren't on Facebook, but, you know, that's just how it is. No, I get it. I don't <laughs> mind Facebook. I mean, I don't use as much as I used to for promoting the show because I've just, I don't know. I haven't been into it as much, but I, I get with Facebook. It's never yeah. drove me like it doesn't hit me the way it hits some people. Because yeah. I guess I, I ignore a lot of it, <laughs> but I get it. Like it's a to- it can be very toxic. Yeah, but that's it. all right. We don't we don't have to talk about that. I'm sorry, <laughs> sorry. Oh, no, sorry. you're fine. I don't mind. I Failure. I've always been a big defender of Facebook in the sense. Well, I mean, I recognize the things that are wrong with it, but I'm a defender of it because because of Facebook, I have be able been able to create this podcast and meet so many people through Facebook. So that's why I yeah. give it. But no, I completely recognize all its shittiness. I just love it, but I recognize everything wrong with it. Well, I appreciate you letting me come on and well, talk about that. I, there's well, so glad. many specific games I could talk about. I could talk about Journey or Half-Life or Link to the oh, Past, but I'm not going to. So. This was good. This, is, this, sh- this episode has, which when people do hear it, is going to be, at this point, over 30 interviews all smashed together into one giant episode. So. That's a huge project. I can't wait to hear it. <laughs> I can't wait to have it done. <laughs> can, so can I, if you don't mind it, can I just plug my podcast? Because it's funny that I derailed this quick little segment somehow, because that's kind of what this podcast is. So Jeremy Brown is somebody I've known for 11, 12 years now. Um, and we met on Game Informer Online and had a podcast for a while. And then life happened and the podcast kind of stopped. And But we realized that like we miss talking to each other every week which you know what what we used to do so now like we both have families we're pretty busy it's hard to find time to do anything so every other week we talk for about an hour about just life and stuff and (laughs) the first episode starts by talking about r kelly and separating art from the artist. And somehow we get on to other um, historical figures like the Founding Fathers. And we talk a lot about the Constitution and Mother Teresa and Gandhi. And so it goes places because that's just what our show does. So okay. um, the show is called, <laughs> Of Course We Have a Podcast because we are two middle aged white nerds 
so of course we have a podcast. So that is the name of the show. It's up on a lot of platforms, but it's not up on iTunes yet, and that's vexing me. But um, iTunes <clears> is <throat> shitty. I get it. It's you can find it on. Oh, hold on. I should know our URL, but I don't. Hold on. I'll just say the name of the show. That's fine. That people find it that way. Well, you can find it on Podbean. That's probably the best place right now to find it. And it's called, of course, we have a podcast. So, um, and my and name. There will Dan- be a link Daniel in the show Jones. notes next to your name in the giant show notes for this episode. Okay, cool. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, thank you, Dan, for joining me, and stay tuned for the next interview. Hi, and who's with me? Hello, this is Eric from the Nomads of Fantasy podcast. How are you doing, Mike? <laughs> Not too bad. And as I brought you here to ask, what is your favorite gaming memory? I feel like it it kind of encompasses a lot here, but just to That's boil fine. it to boil it down to one sentence, I guess, it is my first playthrough of Skyrim. Okay. So, so I don't know if you, I, whatever, if you listen to my show, The Nomads of Fantasy, we did a whole Skyrim retrospective on it, you know, last year f- for the 10 year anniversary of Skyrim. That long already? Yeah, man, it's it's crazy. Uh, 2011. But yeah, so Skyrim, definitely my favorite game of memory and my favorite game of all time. So I, I had to bring that here to talk about a little bit, but I definitely have some very, very fond memories of the first time that I played through Skyrim. And it's it's one of those games for me that came out at the perfect time in my life. So flashback to 2011, I was 16 years old. And, you know, I was this was um, well, to, to start at the very beginning before I, I, I hadn't even heard of the Elder Scrolls series before I got the Game Informer issue in the mail with the Skyrim cover story on it written by Matt Miller. So I opened that issue up. I used to read Game Informer like cover to cover every issue that I got every single month. But I got this issue and I saw the Elder Scrolls five Skyrim. I'm like. Okay, what is this? I've never heard of the Elder Scrolls before. There's five games in this series already. So like that must be a big, big, huge series. Little did I know. So I started reading through the cover story because I saw like pictures of, you know, the first person combat with like a sword and one hand and magic in the other. And I'm like, that's really cool. I've never seen that before. I've never seen like I never really played a first person melee combat game before and like mixing in magic too so i'm like okay what what is this game all about <laughs> so i read through the entire cover story and i was just like enamored with everything that i read so like matt miller did such a great job of painting a picture of the world and you know the combat systems and the leveling systems and i'm like okay when this game comes out i'm going day one to gamestop on 11 11 11 picking this game up bringing it home and playing it. And like I said, this was the perfect time for me. Like I wasn't this, you know, it came out in November 2011. Well, I was when the game came out, I was 17 years old at this point. So I had every day after school, I would come home, boot up Skyrim and just play it, play it all night. And like I put hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of hours into that game. And that is the beauty of it to me is that you know, even though I put hundreds of hours into it, probably three, four hundred hours, I would just have to <laughs> guess at this point between a- across all versions of Skyrim. Because, I mean, I actually 
have uh, obviously you can't see this right now but i (laughs) i have the original game informer issue next to me i have it framed up on my wall in my office i took it down just to kind of glance over the cover story again and i have my original copy of the playstation 3 version that i bought from gamestop on that day so i still have i still have both of those But yeah, across like all versions, I'm pretty sure I've purchased every single version of Skyrim that has released and re-released. So like PlayStation 3, PlayStation 4, PlayStation 5 with the with the newest anniversary edition. I had Skyrim VR for PlayStation VR. The only version, oh, and on PC for mods and all that good stuff. And the only version I don't have right now is the Switch version. I, I haven't bothered picking that up yet. Um, <laughs> well, you already have better versions of it. <laughs> Exactly. Yeah. So, yeah, man, like I I can't describe how much that the first time I played through it, like how much that meant to me and how much that kind of shaped what kind of games that I enjoy and like today still like just the open world. I had never seen anything like that in a game before the environments, the world building, the lore. Like I, I remember going through and every book that I saw in the game, I would like read through the entire thing just to learn as much as I could about this world. And like the combat felt great. I mean, by today's standards, it's, you know, it's feeling a little bit dated. But back then, <laughs> I I had never played an RPG like that before in my life. And it was just this like, transformative it sounds dramatic but it was no i mean it's transformative experience for me as you're also you know 16 i mean the game came to you at the right time when you're younger and have more time because you're probably not working at this point yet right oh yeah i mean i worked at mcdonald's but i you know i didn't work at like every day after school so the days that i didn't work i was i was playing skyrim (laughs) i actually have never played skyrim yet to this day still are you serious? I don't know why. I own because like you're you're joking. You're mentioning all the copies you own. I own multiple copies of this game too, and I oh, never. Oh my! I've been meaning to play it for years. I have it on 360. I have it on PS3. I have it on probably Xbox One or PS4. I think I might have it on PC. I just one day I'm gonna get to it. I keep telling myself. Man, have you have you played other games in the Elder Scrolls series? Like, are you a fan of the series? Not really. I played Oblivion. I I got all the achievements in it back in 360, and it was fine. And I played okay. a little bit of Merlin, but I didn't like Merlin. Okay. Yeah. Wow. That's that's surprising to hear. I feel like <laughs> I feel like most people you talk to, even like people, it's like Skyrim has. I feel like transcended gaming mm-hmm. a little bit. Like people oh, yeah. people talk people know what Skyrim is. People who don't even play video games as like a hobby, they know what Skyrim is, and they've probably played it. Because it's been re-released so many different times. It's almost like a meme at this point. Well, there's a meme. It's been really right. Exactly. (laughs) You just woke up here however it goes. Yeah, exactly. So there it's 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 pretty crazy how big Skyrim has become. But like ever since day one and even when I even like what I said, when I booted up the the anniversary edition, you know, back in November when it was when it came out, like I still get that feeling that sense of discovery and exploration and like nothing nothing tops a moment in gaming for me when you're just standing out in like the middle of a forest at night in skyrim you look up at you know the night sky you see the stars you see the aurora borealis with the huge moon in the sky and you hear the crickets chirping and then the (laughs) music the music swells up just at the perfect moment and it's like it it really does get me emotional just thinking about it it's it's pretty crazy 
That's really cool. I mean, no, I'm I'm glad no one's actually mentioned Skyrim yet, so I'm really happy that you brought it up. It's a game oh. that I don't think about much, unfortunately. Yeah, it's it's crazy. I mean, it, it, I feel like it's fallen out of the zeitgeist a little bit. Um, I mean, ten years old, right? It's yeah, it's ten years old at this point, which is just insane to me. And you know, obviously, uh, Bethesda Game Studios is gearing up for their next big game, Starfield, which I'm ex- oh, yeah. I'm excited about everything that I've seen from it. It sounds great. I'm, you know, I'm a little skeptical, but I'm definitely interested to see what they can do with it. And, you know, it seems ambitious for sure. But yeah, Skyrim was definitely my first, I don't know. I don't know how to put it like adult video game, quote unquote. You know what I mean? Like yeah, a, no, I a big, huge, chunky RPG that I sunk hundreds and hundreds of hours into. <laughs> and like, I feel like that has to be the game that I've, put the most time into like ever you know um maybe <laughs> animal crossing new leaf might be a close second for me <laughs> i think i put like two three hundred hours into the ds version of that or 3ds version of that so yeah, that's still pretty good yeah definitely uh, but but yeah man skyrim just it it holds a special place in my heart and i think it it will forever whenever you know whenever i'm feeling down i feel like i always have it i'm always going to have it on my hard drive now like i have it installed on my playstation 5 so <laughs> Whenever I just need like a little pick me up or something, I'll I'll throw on Skyrim and the the I think what kind of revitalizes it as well and still keeps it relevant today is like the modding community, especially on PC, because there oh, it's gotta be crazy. So many different mods. People are creating these like, you know, whole other story arcs within the game. <laughs> it's 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 insane. And like the mods are kind of built into the to, to the console versions now. And like you can make the game look really, really good. Like there are graphical mods you can put in to make it look like on par or better than like the PC version. So it, there's definitely still some life in Skyrim and and seeing it with the new release in 60 FPS, like on my PlayStation five, like it, it's almost like a new experience when you see it that way. So uh, I kind of got to live that all over again a little bit when <laughs> I when I talked about it for the podcast uh, a little while ago but okay i'm glad you guys it it you get you made me more interested in it like a lot of people over the years keep telling me you should play it i'm like but it's huge <laughs> it, it is huge yeah it's, it's definitely chunky and like i said even even though i've put this amount this much time into it over the years like i still don't think i know that i haven't seen everything i haven't done every single side quest that there is to do so i can see how it is a little bit daunting going into yeah, a game like I, that. I'm also very much of a person that goes after the main quest to beat a game. So I like I would screw around at first, but once I felt well powerful enough, that would be the end of it. That's the main criticism of Skyrim is that the main quest isn't even that good. You know, it's it's <laughs> all of the the emergent things that happen in the world and the ridiculously weird side quests um, and like the, the factions, like, you know, the dark brotherhood, the companions. So like all that, all that stuff is kind of where Skyrim shines. I I would say definitely the main story is the weakest part. So I think if you did play it and you mainlined it, I think you wouldn't really enjoy it all that much. It's that's partly why I've never went near it. That's a big reason. Plus, it's just I don't like really monster huge games because, well, can I play a game every week? So <laughs> Right, <or more>. exactly. <laughs> so I'm like, nah, I'm good. Yeah, that would definitely be have, have to be one that you like 
kind of commit to just putting in a couple hours here and there and not necessarily like chugging through it because that's definitely the way to play the game. If you if you rush through it, I think that will definitely hurt the experience. Yeah. Um, that's what it sounds like. Like when I played Oblivion, I just went for all the achievements. So I, so I felt that I experienced enough of the game. Right. And I enjoyed it. I remember I really enjoyed it when I finally did it, but I don't care about achievements anymore. So I mean, it was different. Right. It was a different time. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah, that's I mean, that's one of the main things I love about the game is just taking my time wandering, exploring, getting lost almost like I feel like Skyrim was kind of what Breath of the Wild did before Breath of the Wild a little bit like you see something in the distance and you want to go there and check it out like you'll see a, a cave and you'll stumble upon just this random bandit cave with this faction of bandits in it. And then you'll wipe them all out and then there'll be some crazy rare weapon at the end of it. So like you never know what you're going to find if when you're exploring, you know, every little nook and cranny of the world. Okay. And you mentioned another game that I still need to play one day. Breath of the Wild. Oh my gosh, Mike, I, what are you I doing? It you want, and it, I, it beat the shit out of me and I haven't picked it up since. <laughs> that is, man. Yeah, that is one. That is definitely another one you got to commit to for sure. I I still want to go back. I mean, I beat I beat the game, but there are still so many things that I want to do that I haven't done yet. And like depending on it, that's another that's another long one. I think I I clocked in at like 70 hours when I actually Ooh. rolled credits on it, but I was also taking my time with it. Yeah, you were exploring and probably yeah. like that's one it's going to be on the show one day cuz I'm trying to cover all the Zeldas, but one day I'm gonna make myself play that game, but I gotta buy it on Switch because I'm not pulling out my damn Wii U. So. Yes, that even more so is a game you have to take your time with. Like, and if you if you rush through it, you're losing most of the experience of what that makes that game so good. You know. Yeah, my issue with it was I couldn't look anything up online, so when I got stuck, I couldn't figure it out. And I just beat Dark Souls a day right before I started playing it, and I was not expecting to to meet Zelda meets Dark Souls, so that didn't help. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, well, that's kind of the thing. I mean, everybody was talking about Elden Ring earlier this year, where it's like you can go to a place and if you find it too difficult or you lose, you can just, you know, fuck off for a little while, level up a little more and come back. I mean, it's sort of like that with Breath of the Wild. You're not leveling up. Yeah, but, and you, that's... but you're finding, you know, better weapons and better equipment to arm yourself with to face those tougher areas. So it's that was definitely my... a similar thing. My other issue, I never found any Korok seeds. I didn't know Korok seeds existed, so I couldn't carry <laughs> more equipment. So I got really, really angry with the system. So that's that, like a okay. big part in my my disliking. But I'm excited to go back to it with a map and a guide and and like knowing everything I know now from people talking about it. Yeah, yeah. As long as <laughs> one of my other co-host, Brandon, on the Nomads of Fantasy, he, he has a big hurdle with that game of the weapon-breaking system, which, mm-hmm. whatever, that's been a huge debate ever since the game came out, but... Personally, I I enjoy it. Hot well, take. I enjoy my issue it. with it is I could barely kill a moblin before it would break because I was so early in the game and I didn't right. have the weapons or the skills to keep weapons. Where I know mm-hmm. like how the game later on like it doesn't matter anymore. It's just that early in the game it matters. That's true. That is very true. And that that was my especially issue. when you're trying to yeah kill the goblins with a stick and it <laughs> breaks yeah, after it, two hits. Yeah, it's one day. I mean, it's a game that I will 100 percent one day beat i'm just i keep telling myself one day nintendo's gonna put it twenty dollars for switch i mean it's a it's a fantasy keep, but one day keep telling yourself that mike i will i'm just waiting <laughs> till i find it for like 30 dollars used or 25 used, and i'll just say fuck it and buy it but <laughs> yep all yeah, right man 
Well, thank you for coming on, on, Eric. Thank you for sharing that about Skyrim and actually made me think about Skyrim and actually care and go, hmm, maybe I should pick up, pick that copy up one day that's sitting next to me somewhere. Yeah, absolutely. If you if you ever do, <laughs> I would love to be on an episode talking to you okay. about it. I'll definitely reach out. I can't. It might never happen, but if it ever does, I will reach out <laughs> to you. If it ever does. <laughs> All right. And thank you for coming and stay tuned for the next interview. All right. Thanks, Mike. Hi, and who's with me? You have Adam from Talk Games Chew Bubblegum. I can't believe it. You still have to ask who this is every time you invite me on. <laughs> I asked everybody for the audience. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> and as, what is your favorite gaming memory? You know, this has been a hard question. It, it really has. And I think I've narrowed it down and will actually finalize my memory. <laughs> but um, there, there was a bunch. Like when you think back on the 34 years you've been playing video games. And I thought it could have been like pulling up a chair the first time I was at an arcade cabinet to play Street Fighter. I thought it was the first time like I played Bioshock. But no, it, it I think it is Journey it is my favorite video game memory. Okay. Journey was a PlayStation 3 game. Um, it was like an indie indie game by that yeah. game company in Santa Monica Studio where you play as a, a figure and, and like you start out in a desert and you can jump and fly and stuff like that. But what made it so good was not only was it visually appealing and not only was the music fantastic and it it made you have so many emotions, uh, the game itself. But you get dropped into a lobby with a random person and you don't know who this random person is. It doesn't show you their gamer tag. You have no way of messaging them, but you have a simple chime button. Or you can chime. And I got lucky enough to play this game from start to finish with one person. And, and during this, you know, this journey, we had developed our own language, like just by using beeps. And it was just an amazing ride. And, and those who have played Journey knows what happens at the end and knows I'm getting emotional thinking about <laughs> it right now, you know. But yeah, like just going back, I think that's my favorite memory of video gaming is just all of journey and i still have that player on my friends list we have never talked we have never <laughs> sent another message but we friended each other at the end of it and i know i know like we will go through our friends list and like randomly catch each like the name and go that was a good game man good game <laughs> i played journey one a long time ago, randomly, I played it. I did not play it in one city, I don't think, though. Like, you're supposed to. Yeah. It, man, the game is just so great. If, if I knew I could get amnesia, this would, <laughs> like, I would immediately go back and play this game for the first time again. It, yeah. Journey's not what I expected to hear. I mean, I, I don't have super fond memories of it. I know I played it with somebody random. Did you play it around release time? I think it... it it was like the first time it became free on the oh, PlayStation okay. Plus. So people were playing it. And yeah, I didn't know what to expect, but I couldn't put the game down. And luckily for me, it, you know, the person that I was playing with also could not put it down. So but that's that's the right way to play Journey. From what I remember, it's the kind of game where you just want to get absorbed into it. You just run around as your cloaked figure and you just play and get absorbed into this world. Yeah. I mean, yeah, it's almost it, like the online, the fact that you can't communicate <laughs> other than just making little sounds. Exactly. Exactly. It was so great. And there's so many, like, honestly, breathtaking moments where the music, like, will just start kicking up. And it's like kind of like an auto slider. Like, you're just sliding. 
you know, but you don't really have to do anything. And then the camera pans back and it just, you, you do, you gasp. You're like, Oh, okay. <laughs> like this is a game. Oh yeah. It, I want, I feel like it was also like, I, I didn't play it until I bought it in a PS3, like collect collectors pack or something that had journey and two other games on it. Flower. And I forget what else they did. Yeah. Flower. And then I want to say they did Abzu, but I'm not sure if that's right or oh. not. Okay, that had been way later. I have Ab- I've I've have Abzu. I've never touched it though. But yeah, I'm not made sure by this if company. Was... I'll be more interested. Yeah. Oh yeah. I, just I don't think it was. being really pretty. I mean, I had the person that I ended up playing with. They knew what they were doing because I remember vaguely remember now that you mentioned it, like them telling me what to do and like going to certain spots and making noise at me to get my attention. Yeah, it, that's what was great. It's like I hadn't played it before. The, the person I was playing with had never played it before. So eventually, like you know, one button meant yes, you know, like one chime meant <laughs> yes, two meant no. And like somehow it instinctually, like we were just talking using our buttons and like we knew what each other was saying. And it was just so it, incredible. That's really cool. Yeah. Oh, it's it's a game that I, I want to play again someday. I for, I mean, I forget about it, to be honest. I haven't thought about Journey in years. <laughs> <laughs> Like, I don't even remember the ending of Journey. I don't want to spoil it on here, but I do not remember. Yeah. Oh, I easily, easily remember the end of Journey. It, it, and I'm tearing up. Thank you. Okay. <laughs> You're welcome. I do remember the landscapes just being really pretty. Yeah, everywhere. Like, like yeah. I there were some, like, jungle areas, some sand areas, some snowy areas, some vibrant waterfall areas. Like, yeah. I feel like it was a big game for PS3, too. Like, it was one of those games that they were taunting, like, oh, hey, we got this on our system. Yeah, you know, it. if I knew more about it when it, like, it came out, then, yeah, it... Because it, it was on the back of the PS3 box of the console at one time, I want to say. Because I worked at an electronic store in two... Well, no, not in 2012, but I was, like, yes, in electronic stores enough times in 2012 when this came out. And I, I feel like I remember it being a big push about it. I mean, it makes sense. Like it, it got a lot of awards. It, you know, so if your game's knocking out game of the year and outstanding innovation in gaming and outstanding achievement in art direction and, you know, all of that, you know, you're going to market that game. But it's also at a time I think we didn't get many games like that because this is a game where there is just really just music. There's no dialogue. There's no you're just exploring a world. It's kind of like a walking sim in a sense, but not a walking sim. Yeah. Yeah, Absolutely. And we don't. Uh, yeah. We didn't get a lot of games like that in 2012. I mean, now we get more because of indie developers and people realizing there's money there. But before, <laughs> it wasn't a thing. No. And this is one of those teams that showed you what you know. I'm going to say the game was probably twenty dollars when it came out. It it was. Yeah. So I was going to say this. This was a you know a small team that showed what twenty dollars can do compared to sixty dollars, and and I think that might have started. I won't say it started because there's some games before it, but <laughs> where all eyes were on indie teams. Okay, the only other game that they made after Journey, they made Flow, Flower, and Journey. Then they made Sky, Children of Light, but they only did the Android and iOS versions and Switch. Oh, okay. I have no idea what Sky, Children of Light is, but that's the only other game that they were involved in. I think, like, I think I can see the box art in my head, but I don't think I've ever played it. I never even heard of it. It's a it's a, it's a blue background says sky at the top and has like two like figures humanoids on the bottom. And that's all they made. They haven't done. I mean, this is in 2019. They didn't do anything for years. Wow. 
I wonder if they're I wonder if they're like working on something epic. I, mean, I would give it to them. You have developers that just you know don't make a lot in general. Hey, it, keep that keep that hundred percent. You know, keep that KD ratio where it needs to be. <laughs> <laughs> well, Sky Showing the Light looks like it's a lot. It looks more, and it's on Switch. If you're ever curious. No, I have seen it. I have never even heard of it. But then again, I haven't thought about this company in years. No. This is the first time you brought attention to the company to me. See, <laughs> always doing the thing. It's a seven-hour game, it looks like, for the full walkthrough. Sky so Children? It's a, it's a meaty game. Okay. Compared to, like, where Journey's, like, a, a one, two-hour max experience. Yeah, and it, 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 that's, I think that was another thing. Like, it was a movie. It was playing a movie. Mm-hmm. Like, ugh. I, I can't say like enough good things. <laughs> well, I'm glad. I'm glad somebody mentioned. I mean, hey, that's one thing that's been so exciting about. I've been talking to lots of people for this, and you never know what's going to come up. Yeah, I never what know was, what somebody's going to say. So, what was yours? Or do I have to? I wait haven't for done the mine hundred? yet. That's say. Mine I, would I have have been to... already heard by now. But yes, because okay. of the year, uh, it's going to be Chrono. It's going to be something about Chrono Trigger. I'm sure. Oh, I, I was going. That was my hunch. I had a hunch it was going to be Chrono Trigger, but you know. We'll save it for the 100K episode, which <laughs> congratulations on. Well, thank you. That's when this will be. This will all be part of that. Yeah. All right. Well, thank you for sharing that, Adam. Thank you for making me think about Journey for the first time in, God, I don't know how many years. But hey. 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 <laughs> thank you. And, you know, if it wasn't for you, there wouldn't be a TGCB. No, so, I'm, I'm glad that there is. Yeah. So thank you. And congrats <laughs> again, man. All right. Thank you. And stay tuned for the next interview. Hi, who's with me tonight? Hey, it's Michael Hughes. Hey, welcome back. And as I've been asking this question all all during this recording, uh, what is your favorite gaming memory? So you asked, you messaged me about this the other day. I really didn't have to think about it. Probably somewhere in, I guess it would have been about 2012 when Persona 4 Golden came out. It's kind of in a, a low place, so I put it in one weekend and I just played through that thing like crazy. You know, an 80-hour game in probably three or four days. That's a lot. <laughs> yeah, it's a lot. <laughs> Turns out it's good. But you get towards the end of the game, and the game's just like, okay, here's all the facts. This is what you know about this person who's going around throwing people into these TVs. You know, if you don't know Persona 4. The- it tells you everything you know, and then it gives you a list of every character you've met up until that point. So I just sat there for like 20 minutes just going over the facts. I'm like, okay, well, it's... It- just it's got to be this person doesn't make any sense but it it's got to be them it's the only one that fits and then i'm not going to spoil it here of course but just guessing right the first time based on the information i was given i was uh i was pretty proud of that i can't hear it took it took me a second after you said it to even remember who was the villain the whole time i mean i remember now but it took a bit (laughs) it didn't it didn't pop my head right away that game is good yeah, it really is good. Did you play the original Persona 4 or just Golden? I think I bought it when it came out, but I made it to like the third dungeon and then put it down for whatever reason. It's been so long, but like I said, when it, when it came out, so whenever the hell that was. 2008. Yeah, well, there you go. I'm pretty sure 2008. I can tell you in... Yeah, 2008. Okay. That's a whole lifetime ago. <laughs> Who remembers anything back then? You actually... I'm trying to think because I had played I played Persona 4 2 once also, but I think it was before me and you had met. Yeah, because it was before the podcast. Oh yeah, you don't have time for that now. <laughs> no, I do need to play it one day though. It's so good. I really want to play it one day. We'll see you again. Like with Golden, didn't they add a bunch of other characters too for that one? Uh, 
Kind of. They the had a Marie. Yeah. They had Marie, and then Marie and Adachi are new social links that you can do. And then maxing out Marie's by the end gets you like the bonus dungeon and the extra boss or whatever to get to the epilogue, the golden ending. But sometimes it's just, you know, games just come at the right time. Do you remember what was going on or just a rough time that you just got sunk into gold persona? Yeah, I, I remember. I'm not going to get into it. Okay. <laughs> no problem. But, but that's sometimes when games hit right. Like, you know, you just have those moments where you're able to get lost in something. I mean, playing an 80 hour game in three days or four days, like, I mean, that's impressive. <laughs> I, I mean, Persona 4 is great. Like, I won't. I haven't played Golden, but Persona 4 is freaking great. Mm-hmm. So I don't blame you one bit for getting it sucked into that. You remember who your favorite team was? No, I, I try to to switch it up. I usually use Yukiko because she's got, like, fire and healing. Now, like I said, I, I, I try to vary it up, so I'm using everyone at some point. I can't even remember my team from when I beat the game. I had a certain, because anytime I play RPGs, I always get into a certain team, and I take <laughs> that team the entire game, but I do not remember who I used anymore. I know it was, the, well, the main character, I forgot his name, and then you. Yusuke, and I think I used Chi, and I don't remember who my fourth slot was. I have a weirdness in RPGs where I, I get like one, I get certain characters that like early on, I just don't ever get rid of them. It's like Mario I RPG, where I always run with Mario, Bowser, and Peach. I think everybody runs with Mario, Bowser, and Peach, though. <laughs> I think Some, I, I don't. I don't think people use Gino or Mal. Like, oh, get out of here! Someday I'm gonna play with those two. Does anybody? <laughs> <laughs> I know Gino World's overpowered or something. Yeah, I'm sure. I just you just get the certain characters that you like. Like, I mean, Persona Four has such good characters. I remember Rise, but I don't think I use. Is it Rise? Is her name Risei? Risei. I didn't use her yeah. much. I'm pretty sure she's her navigator. You don't have a choice. Oh yeah, she's, she's not an actually playable character, right? Yeah. Okay, never mind. I'd, it's been a while. I don't even remember. Like, I know there's a character you get near the end of the game. I don't remember their name at all. The detective. Nalto. Yeah. I don't think I used that character at all. I think I just got them. And, oh, that's nice. And I'm like, I got my team. I'm good. They get some of those insta-death kills or uh, attacks, but they have low hit chances, so they're less useful. I hate, in any game, I hate instant-death stuff. Mm-hmm. I just hate it. I will not use it. Like Pokemon, for example, I had all, all those instant deaths. I would never learn any of those moves, never touch them. Any RPG I play, I cannot use instant death kills. I hate them. I hate those oh, type of moves. What sucks in Persona is that some of your Personas that you can have equipped can have weaknesses to light and dark, which are those instant death. And when you're weak to something, it always hits. And if your main character goes down, you lose. Game over. So <laughs> you have to really know what to protect. I wouldn't like that. No, it's not. It's not great. <laughs> God, it's been so long with the Persona 4. I don't remember a whole lot about it. Like, I, I just remember the story is so gripping. Like, the idea that people are being thrown in TVs and, and killed and end up, like, hung upside down on wires or something, if I remember right. Mm-hmm. It's the darkest Scooby-Doo mystery ever. <laughs> yeah. Except for that were one Supernatural fan, episode. Did you, did you play Persona 3 also before? I think it's another one. Where I played it when it came out, but I didn't get very far. And I've tried to go back to it and Persona 3 Portable so many times. It, just, it doesn't click the same way. Even 5 didn't click the same way that 4 did. I mean, 4 probably just came at the right time, too. Yeah. Now it's just I mean, I, that, that special place. Yeah, I mean, that's what a lot of games do. And that's kind of what this whole idea of this episode is, is kind of hear what, peop- what games really came at the right time for a person. And just affect, you know, affect how you play them. Yeah, I still I need to play Persona Golden Four. Like I was when I played it, I played the 
the vanilla version because that's what was on my PS4 at the time. <laughs> so it's on Steam. It's coming to Switch and Xbox next year. I'm so happy that those are coming out because then more people can experience them. Yeah. Because you're actually the second person I've talked to so far that mentioned Persona 4 on this on this show. Oh, nice. So <laughs> we'll see if, it's, if I get more. But so far, you're the second person. So I find that amusing, too. But also, like, with Persona 4, I mean, were you playing many PS2 RPGs at the time or just kind of? Oh, what system did you play this on? I should ask. With Golden. The Vita when it came out. Okay. Because for the longest time, that was exclusive to that until it finally came to Steam a couple oh, years yeah. ago. I forget. I forget Vita exists. <laughs> so did Sony. I mean, that's just one of those systems I just block out, I think. Which is a shame. It really is a good little RPG machine. I still play stuff on it every now and then. I think I block it out because I bought one for my ex-girlfriend and we broke up not that long after that. And yeah. I don't have it. <laughs> I wouldn't rent it block for myself. It's the opposite end of, of games meaning something. It's like it's not yeah. always positive. No, I, I just... Plus, one day I want I want to mess with Vita. I'm waiting for certain things to happen on the internet, but I do eventually <laughs> want to mess with Vita. I think there's a yeah. lot of great stuff on there that I'm missing. Gotta play uh, Silent Hill Book of Memories. I played it once. It wasn't good. <laughs> it's not great, but I still want to play it. I do, too. I, I only played a little bit at my ex at my ex-girlfriend's house when we were together, because I bought it for her, and she had Book of Memories, and she played it a few times, and I remember helping her, and I'm like, this is not a Silent Hill game. No, not at all. It's a dungeon crawler. Yep. And I just didn't understand it. But yeah, one day. <laughs> one day I do want to play that. There's a Monster also, Hunter clone on there called uh, Freedom Wars that's pretty cool and worth checking out. Terrible I name. You, I think you played that before, didn't you? Or talked about it when... I feel like uh, I've heard of it. I probably talked about it before. Okay. Because it sounds familiar. And I'm like, it's a Vita game. I've never touched it, but it sounds uh-huh. familiar. It's still trapped on the Vita. Never been re-released. I can Sony sometimes. <laughs> Oh, but also on one last question with Persona 4. Did you go after the secret bosses when you were in, in this phase? No, I, I still don't think I have fought Margaret, who's like the, the bonus bonus boss harder than the, the extra bonus boss they already added. I don't think I've ever done that. And I don't think I've beat the Reaper in that either, which is a Persona staples, a super hard boss that randomly pops up. OK, I don't like I mean, any all RPGs always have those bosses that you that you can fight that are like, you know, terrible uh-huh well makes that harder than the final boss yeah but also i guess the margaret fight is a one-on-one fight oh yeah screw that yeah that that sounds <laughs> that sounds miserable because i'm looking up video footage right now and they're fighting one-on-one and i'm assuming that's not by choice yeah you would have to really know what you're doing and as much as i love the game and played it multiple times i doubt i'm there oh you beat this multiple times oh yeah i should have known <laughs> okay i I really want to go back to it one day, but just the idea of sinking, like, I think it's at least 40, 50 hours to beat this game. I just haven't done it yet. Yeah. I put on very easy and the combat's not too taxing. It makes it a lot easier to get through. Oh, did Golden have more difficulty settings? I think they might have added. I know it's got, like, five. Okay. Because I don't think the PS2 version had a very easy or... Even had it had different difficulty differences, but they weren't much from what I remember. Right. It was like it didn't change much at all from what I remember. I didn't like even expect affect the damage you were taking or anything. It just gave you some items you start with. Oh, that's weird. That's but maybe with golden. Japanese. Yeah, I I remember looking it up before I started the game because I before the podcast I had a weird thing like oh I'm gonna see what you know what it does in. You know, I want to. You know, I want to play the real way. Like now, I'm like, I want to play the easiest way of a game and beat it. <laughs> but 
you know, that changed. But yeah, I don't think it, it changed too much. But with Golden, it sounds like they actually did affect things. Right. Yeah. yeah you, in very easy it. mode, the amount of money and experience earned is greater per battle about five times as much. Oh, there you go. I mean, I like that in RPGs because, like, some RPGs can just take forever. And just having that little thing that makes it not as taxing is nice. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Olivia 2 has got a mode called Retry Mode, or quadruples all your money and experience that you get after battle. On the SNES? Yeah. Damn, that's impressive for the SNES. Oh, yeah. Yeah, between that and New Game Plus, they were, they were pioneering some stuff back then. I need to play Lufia 2 one day. That's good. It's real good. But it's long, right? <laughs> Probably. It's too long. One day. I think at least 20 hours. 24. Okay, 24 and a half. That's not bad. I could do that. Yeah. Okay. So Mario RPG and Chrono Trigger are both about like 12 to 15, so... Well, depends if you, the Chrono Trigger for me is only like is under its chart now. <laughs> I know but the game gotta, by heart. <laughs> you gotta get all 13 endings. Never done it and probably never will, so... I think I did it when we did that episode. Yeah, that, that's impressive. I, I, I wanted to, but I, I just can't. It's can really never. just playing the game to certain points and then going to fight Lavos. Yeah, and I, I, I can't do that. I get irritated. I'm, I just turn off the game. Yeah. <laughs> so, oh, any last things that you want to say about Persona 4? Uh, it's it's good. Okay. <laughs> you are right. One day, one day I'm going to cover it on the show and I'll get you. I'll definitely get you for that. But uh, I got it depends on when I find a way to make time exist. Uh-huh. So, yeah, good luck <laughs> so with I that. can play a 60 hour game in a week. All right. Well, thank you for joining me and stay tuned for the next episode. Welcome to the special episode. And who's with me? Hey, what's up? It's your boy, Nick. <laughs> you know me. I'm Finger Jelly and Nick on Instagram. <laughs> I've been on a few episodes. It's been a, I think the last one you were on was Telltale Walking Dead back in a while ago. <laughs> yeah, man. A game that I don't want to revisit. So that's why we haven't done any more yet. And you're here to join me to talk about, as you've heard already, every your favorite. What is your favorite gaming memory? Oh, man. So let's take you. Let's take us back. A little over a decade ago, I was in college trying to become a better person. (laughs) And all of my friends, real shit people, also trying to become better people. And a little game just came out on PC called Dark Souls Prepare to Die Edition. Oh, man. So at that time, I lived in a 540 square foot apartment with another person. It was very small. Our kitchen... Could, you couldn't open the refrigerator and one of the cabinets at the same time without hitting the doors. It was just so tiny. But we decided to get myself and my roommate and four other dudes into the living room with six PCs and six monitors. And we all decided over winter break, we were all going to beat Dark Souls. And what resulted in that was like nine days straight of studying for finals while taking breaks for Dark Souls. Oh, man. It, people always talk about Burning Man as it's like an experience. It's not like three days you go to. <laughs> I think I don't know much about Burning Man. I, I just know there's a Nicolas Cage movie, something to do with it. It's it's a terrible <laughs> event for terrible people. Okay. I, I've, gone, I've gone to Burning Man. It's pretty great. But over like nine days, this entire living room transformed into a safe haven. <laughs> of just souls antics one person would get farther than everybody else and then we would just watch him and just all stand in awe I was like 
bullshit. <laughs> and then we would go play it. And then all of us would just get mad. We had one guy who his name was Nick. Also, he could not beat the gaping dragon in the very beginning. He was, he was running. He was running this really shitty build. He had like an assassin with like a dagger and he just kept getting smoked by it. And we all figured out a way like in every single area right before boss, you can lay your summoning sign. And so we figured out very obtuse areas to lay our summoning sign so we can always make sure we can get summoned into each other's games. And so it was just day after day of just helping each other with bosses, getting to weird places, glitching the game. I got all the way to Anne Orlando and my save file crashed. Oh, that's and decently so, too far. And it was, and yeah, but all of us immediately went in there and like, I got right back to Anne Orlando in like seven, eight hours. <laughs> I just beelined it all the way there, but no one shaved. Barely any of us <laughs> showered. We, we had Taco Bell, we had KFC and a local taco joint and just trash everywhere. We lived like filth for nine days. <laughs> like one of those memes that you see sometimes. It, it was terrible. And it's all fully grown men. We're all 20 years old in the middle of our like, like in our junior year of college. We had girlfriends and boyfriends and all of us didn't give a shit for <laughs> nine straight days. <laughs> and then that it was amazing time. Like I've never played a game like that before with other people. Usually I play single player games and I'm always just by myself. Same. But Dark Souls just changed the way I view a lot of modern games. And now the same group of friends, we're in, we're in a discord. We play games. We're all playing Elden Ring right now. <laughs> and it's it's just the thing that's like kept us all together. It's like an unbreakable bond between all the uh, all six of us. That's pretty damn cool. I mean, especially Dark Souls. I mean, that is a game that were you guys using Internet at all or just. Oh, just, yeah. I mean, like looking up stuff. No, no, we we didn't know that was a thing. So like three of us had the Drake sword accidentally <laughs> and just carried that all the way through the game. Yeah, I got lucky like and like the first black knight I found dropped his weapon. Oh, the great sword. Yeah, the one right in the blight, uh, not blight town, the undead burg. Yeah, it's on top of the tower. There's that one there. You can get him. Yeah, yeah. I know exactly what you're talking about immediately like just he dropped it i was like what is this i couldn't even wield it i got the ability i put all the points in and i just mowed through the entire game with that oh, yeah, that's that's a end game weapon right there that people use yeah and some people did faith like i i to this day have never done a magic run in dark you, souls from what i understand you don't want to in dark souls one all my friends, they wanted to do they wanted to do magic. I was just a I was I got a stick and I bonked people. <laughs> that, I think that makes magic the most sense. is not that good in the in Dark Souls one. I know it's really it's broken in Demon Souls. At least the original Demon Souls is broken. So so that was the thing. I played the original Demon Souls at the same month I got Persona three. So I had my PS2 and PS3 right next to each other playing these two incredible games that no one in my friend group ever heard of. In high school. <laughs> and then I go to college and Dark Soul just transforms everything in my life. So what system were you playing Dark Souls on? I was on PC. All of us were on PC. Okay. And Prepare to Die was it when it first launched on PC, correct? I think, no. There was a there was a Games for Windows Live version of it. Oh. 
which was shitty because it capped the frame rate and the resolution. We all got into Prepare to Die Edition, and there was a guy on Nexus Mods who was able to create a mod for the game that did it right. Okay. So all of us were on PC using that mod, and all of us, we had each built our own tower. Four of us were CS majors. One of us was a business major, and I was the only person in pre-med. And everyone's like, oh, you got to build a PC. It's a rite of passage. So <laughs> I still have that PC. It's a good, it's a good little machine. <laughs> hey, when you build them, I mean, you're going to have better than what they come by themselves. So. Yeah, I, I replaced the graphics card twice, but that everything else in there still damn good. Nice. Yeah. I just use a laptop. I've never built a PC yet. It's 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 fun. I want to, but it's like a Legos for adults. <laughs> very expensive Legos for adults. Very, hey, hey, Legos are very expensive Legos. Yeah, OK, I mean, Dark Souls is a game that really like always has a, such an effect for so many people. I always talk about that. It's it's like my Zelda. I never played a Zelda game until Wind Waker for the Wii U. Oh, OK, so you were would have been after then you played. It was before you played Dark Souls first then. Yeah, I played Dark Souls first. Like the Souls okay. series to me was like my action adventure game. That's so, interesting. Yeah, I'm a late bloomer on a lot of stuff. I feel like you came into the right time with Dark Souls and the right experience. Like that had because this is what you were saying. That that sounds like very well, very stinky, but also like very in- interesting to have it where you guys are all working. You're playing the game the way that it was meant to be, where you guys are all working together, explaining to each other like what you found. Yeah, I have no other friends from college. <laughs> It's just those six. It's just those five dudes. <laughs> all right. And do they all still play the dark? And I was, and you said you're playing Elden Ring, so I assume they're all still in it. So. <laughs> oh yeah, man. I mean, we're we're all in it. All of us are in different wakes of life, but the Souls games still bring us back. I, I love Dark Souls one also. It's it's just a brilliant game. You can't buy Prepare to Die anymore on Steam though. I think they have like the what, like the remastered version or something. It's 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 similar. I think. I don't. I don't think you can go online anymore, though, with it, if I remember correctly. Well, that's crap. Because I think they had to shut that down because I, I remember talking to somebody on the show. Maybe it was just the old one where there was a, a whole there was a some kind of issue with that people could hack your computer. Oh, man, that sounds great. Oh, yeah. No, there's still online play is currently not available. They, yeah. So there's no online play anymore. Ah, uh, man. <laughs> Which for me makes me not want to play because the last time I the only way I like I played Dark Souls a, a little bit before this podcast started. And the only reason why I was able to do it is because when I fought Orsine and Smog, I was able to summon two people who helped me just wipe the floor with them so I didn't have to deal with them. Yeah, I I like to think I'm good at games, but Dark Souls very much put me and my friends in our place. <laughs> we we didn't we didn't understand a single thing about it. Um Ornstein and Smo, man, just talking about gaming moment right there. I think <laughs> that's just one of the best boss battles I've ever encountered in my entire life. It requires you to work with people and or it requires you to like find this inner strength in you to just completely wreck these people. Oh, man, man, that's a that's an entire episode right there. Boss design <laughs> in Dark Souls. One day I, One I day. have I had ideas doing top 10 stuff with Dark Souls or boss designs in general. So mm. to my head, but we'll see. <laughs> yeah, but that, no, that's... Dark Souls has amazing bosses. I, I need to play more of them, but I will never. I also got stuck in the Gaping Dragon when I was younger. And I had a really hard time with him, too. So I completely yeah. know what you're talking. I know what your friend was going through. Actually, when I first played the game, I got to Gaping Dragon and then quit playing the game. 
Yeah, I mean that's that's the thing for a lot of Souls games. Like every game I played since then, I'll get a certain way in, and then I'll be like, man, this is a little much. And I take a small break, and then I come back, and I just start a new character. I get all the way back to where I was. I have all this knowledge, and I just do it again and do it again. And I think it took me like three or four playthroughs to finally get all the way through Bloodborne. And <laughs> every single time I play it, though, they're all just incredible journeys and in, in video games but yeah dark souls those nine days probably my greatest gaming memory okay that's pretty damn cool man <laughs> i'm I, you know I'm, I'm sure that throughout the course of this episode this will not be the first or only time i i talk about dark souls maybe it will be i don't know right. i'm curious to see well maybe we got some true gents in the chat <laughs> all right well thank you for coming on nick and everyone else stay tuned for the next interview peace homie And who's with me? Hello, it's Nate Clellan. <laughs> Welcome back. Social and... security number. <laughs> One, two, three, four, five, six. <laughs> and what is your, and as you're here for like many other ones, what is your favorite gaming memory? All right. I don't, it's, it's not my favorite, but it's the only one I like, I keep thinking of. And it is from uh, Grand Theft Auto Online. Okay. Yeah, I got super into that when the PS4 version of it came out. I uh, actually have like some like four or five buddies of mine, like friends I made through Grand Theft Auto Online that we still like, you know, talk. The heists. There is one heist where you are uh, you have to like uh, break someone out of prison and like you sp- you're in like a group of four. And it's like, you know, it was me and three of my buddies and we split up and someone's in the air like with a with a, I think they have a helicopter or something, or they're in an airplane or something. Because uh, we have to like drive into like you break the guy out of prison, and then like the two people on the ground get him to like a prison bus, and you're driving on the runway, and like you know you have to get into <laughs> this airplane that the uh, air crew basically took. And so we were driving up. I was part of the ground crew, and okay. we were playing on the hardest difficulty because we were just like, if we're doing this, we're gonna go all in. <laughs> You know, like we're just like we're going to make it as hard as possible so that it's not just like, you know, one and done and, you know, whatever. So there's a police helicopter above the airplane and we're driving in and our fourth friend shot down this police helicopter and it is just silence. It's this is after two and a half hours of trying and dying and retrying this mission. Mm -hmm. It was a long time and it's just silence as we watch this helicopter fall towards this airplane that we had just successfully got on to escape. Oh, <laughs> okay. I was like, okay. <laughs> then I real I didn't realize it was what you were on. Yeah. And so the airplane starts taking off as this flaming helicopter comes down and we know what's going to happen. But like, you could tell every one of us was thinking like, God, please <laughs> let this miss. Like we don't want to have to redo this section again. And uh, no, that helicopter hit that airplane and blew up and we failed. <laughs> we had to redo this section. I it's it's one of my I, I guess it is one of my favorite gaming memories because it was like we were forming these bonds of friendships just by doing these heists. Like, you know, we met in a Facebook group and we're like, oh, we should do heists together. And like there was just there's. I haven't had a multiplayer experience like that yet, where it was like just working together with three buddies 
you know, getting to know like how everyone plays. Cause you know, yeah. like you always got the wild card who's just going to do whatever, not whatever, not but just go crazy. <laughs> like, you know, break out of stealth when everyone needs to be stealthy. <laughs> yeah. Like that is, it's honestly one of the coolest things I've ever experienced in a game as far as just like the level of cooperation and the, the level of strategy that you can get into on those heists and just the crazy stuff that can happen like a helicopter being shot down by your friend who is just trying to clear the airway so that you can fly off. off. Yeah. Do you remember the name of the heist that you guys were doing? Man, I don't. Uh, I was just curious. I, I had only played GGA five online once and I, we did some, we did something with a garbage truck is all I remember. And then I didn't didn't care. I, I know the garbage truck one. That one is, I don't know if that's in preparation for this heist. Cause like the prison part, uh, is like the final part of the heist. Like, yeah, I don't know. Unfortunately, I don't, I'm not a big online gamer, so I don't know much about So these heists, you do like multiple missions leading up to them. Yeah. There's like, so like one person buys into the heist and they're like in charge of like, they're basically the host of the mission. And so they can, like, uh, split up how everybody receives the money. So, like, normally how we would do it is whoever bought into that heist would get, like, the most percentage cut. Because they had to spend money up front to, you know, get, like, the stuff. Yeah, buying equipment. And then, yeah, there's, like, little little missions that you do beforehand. Like, uh, man, I wish I could remember more about this prison one. But, like, for instance, you know, I don't know if this is part of it, but, you know, like, getting the airplane that you need to be on the prison ground or, you know, like, getting getting prison outfits so that you blend in when you're in the prison, you know? Like, okay. being able to, yeah, being able to, like, do stuff to get to that guy. I should have done some prep work and read up on this heist. I'm just <laughs> curious. I mean, I... GTA 5, like, 5, I played through the, the main game and that was enough for me because I'm not online, but this sounds fun. Like this, would, this sounds like it would have been fun with the group of people just to sit down and just play this. Because I like mission-based stuff. I don't. The only problem is my friends that I used to play with they get angry a lot. Mm. Were these guys pretty cool? Head like if you fail, they were like, ah, fuck this, and um, just, you know, throw away their headset and disappear. Now, for the most part, you know, like after doing it for a while, you know, yeah. you could tensions would rise. <laughs> you know, we'd we'd snap at each other, but it was more just like, you know, like it was more just like stop fucking shooting that guy like please come here like and get over here so we can move on like i think it's called the prison break g online heist number two yeah that sounds about right okay so you, yeah. that you just met these guys online and these guys just started planning and playing together yeah so like i mean uh, one of them cody had just posted in a facebook a video game facebook group that we were all in and said, you know, it's just like, hey, I'm looking for, you know, someone to play GTA online with. The new version is out, you know. And I was like, yeah, I have it. Like, sure, let's let's play. Let's stick around. And like, you know, him and I started playing and then, you know, heists came out because uh, I think they came out a little bit after the PS4 Xbox One versions came out. You know, him and I were like, oh, we should, you know, get a group together. Like and we had a, we already had like a few like friends. Yeah, a few friends that we had met like through that Facebook group that were also just like, oh yeah, let's play GTA Online. Overblood and Super Replays? It does involve, yeah, it does involve Overblood and Super Replays. (laughs) Everyone, (laughs) 
A lot of listeners in this in this that listen to this know that group, and I mention it almost every single week. So it's it's a secret group. Uh. <laughs> sure, no, I've no, gotten no. members to join that group from this podcast. I've listened to it and then join the group. Hey, so. there we go. So yeah, and then the two other people, Ryan and Eric. I believe it was Eric that was in the sky that had shot shot down <laughs> shot on the plane. The helicopter. the helicopter, yeah, because that that seemed like an Eric thing to do. <laughs> you guys still play heist together? No, unfortunately, uh, we tried. What's when the we had like I was like, oh hey, for our five year like you know I guess friendship anniversary, we should go back <laughs> to GTA Online because you know we've just kind of like you know adulthood. You just get yeah. At least you didn't have that. I got two kids now, so, you know, it's can't really. I try not to play Grand Theft Auto in front of them. Well, yeah, no, I understand that. (laughs) But I gotta wait until like the dead of night and you're like, hmm, I can either play games or sleep. Hmm." Yeah, and I always choose sleep. I love sleep. (laughs) (laughs) Well, if you don't, you'll be very upset later on. (laughs) But uh, yeah, like it, nothing has panned out. You know, I still like want because they've they've added some high sense. Like we did all the heists together uh, through the course of like five or six months it took us a good bit to get through all of it because like i said we were on the hardest difficulty but like yeah we, if we are and then you know we were super big like i i got burnt out on gta online because like we were playing pretty much every night if we if we weren't doing heists we were doing stuff in like you know the open world because there's like different uh stuff you can do but like they've added some cool heists that i've seen on like youtube like the doomsday heist looks really cool and it's you know maybe I one wish- day well, I would like to play these with my friends, but like I didn't get GTA five until way later. So they were yeah. done with most of the stuff then and they their time their time wasn't best. <laughs> unfortunately, it's hard to get into now, I feel like, because like they've added fly there's like a flying car and a flying bike. And I believe like I know the bike has rockets. And I cannot tell you how many times I've just been like like uh, the PS5 version of GTA dropped earlier this year and I bought it for like 10 bucks. So I was like, 10 bucks. Like, sure, I'll play through GTA 5 again. Uh, side note, I have not played through GTA 5 again. <laughs> I I jumped into online, you know, just to see like the state. I just wanted to look at my character and like, you know, 4K 60 frames per second, <laughs> you know, and uh I walked outside of my apartment and in my car, and I swear to God, this bike just came flying in. It was like, boom, and blew me up. And I was like, okay. And that's just kind of the state of GTA Online is just like, you know, people who put like thousands of hours into it and who have these flying bikes with rockets. Uh, and then you like take one step outside and they're just like, nope, fuck you. <laughs> yeah, no, I can get that being annoying. I I know we, we didn't only play that one time and then we never touched it again. At least yeah. I didn't with my friend. I think they kept they kept playing, of course, but I was I was gone. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, thank you for sharing that, Nate. Oh yeah, no and problem. Thanks for having me. You also made me for the first time in my life care about GTA Online. I have seen ads. I've seen people talk about. It, never once gave a shit. Now I actually go, hmm, that would have been kind of cool. I'll never do it, but that's kind of cool. <laughs> yeah, I made myself nostalgic for it, and I just know what awaits me when I redownload. Like if I redownload it, I just know that I will not be into it. See, the problem is that if I did it, I would have to record about it. Oh, yeah. Like, if record do, about the event of going through, yeah. but yeah, it ain't happening. If you ever do a GTA 5 episode, I'll be on that one. I have a lot of thoughts about that game. That's a fucking monster, though, so. Mm, yeah. We did GTA 2 on the show. That's all we've done for GTA. Oh, you know, a they long, do have those, long time ago. They do have those definitive editions. GTA 3 might be a fun one to go back and do, since that was, like, 
it'll be the PS2 version though, because then I can cheat. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> You can still type in cheats. I know what you meant. <laughs> so, because I, I, yeah, I remember playing it and like, yeah. My, my, if I may real quick, my one regret, because like Red Dead Redemption 2, which is like dangerously close to upsetting Ocarina of Time for my favorite game of all time. They, Red Dead Online is just like, I play that like. Every couple months, like I'll go in and I'll just like kind of ride around the world because I love just being in that world and just like exploring and stuff. I really wish Rockstar had given a lot more stuff into Red Dead Online as much as they did GTA. I, I only played the first Red Dead and I loved I really enjoyed it when I played it back then, but I haven't read. I'm at some point I'm going to redo it for the show, but that's another monster. So, yeah, I'll go on too soon. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, thank you, Nate. And stay tuned for the next interview. Hi, and who's with me? Hi, this is Helena. It's so nice to talk to you again, Mikey. <laughs> it's been a, been a little bit. It's good to have you back. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and what is your favorite gaming memory? So, without a doubt, do you remember the summer that Pokemon Go was released? Yes. <laughs> you? Yeah, I, um, I mean, so everyone was playing it, right? And, like, it... It was crazy. The fanaticism around it was insane. I remember I was living in St. Paul at the time. And one night, one of the first nights it had come out, my friends and I went to Raspberry Island, which is, gosh, it's in a river right off of downtown St. Paul. And then you can get into downtown St. Paul from there. And we were in this park there. And it was four in the morning. And there were all of these food trucks everywhere because they figured out that all of us nerds were out there like dining into the wee hours of the morning. So this park is packed with what must be thousands of people screaming because like, you know, there's a Charmander over here. So the whole (laughs) herd runs across the park at the same time. And it was just amazing. I made so many friends just playing Pokemon Go. And it, you know, that the first summer was when it was its biggest bite. I played for years after and had similar experiences. After I moved from Minnesota to Virginia, I lived in Old Town Alexandria, which is a very historic old town there. And it was the same thing that people would go out on their lunch breaks from like their office jobs. And we would go out to raids together and like (laughs) meet up. There were Facebook groups to like um, figure out where everyone was going and like, plan who was going to go to this raid and what we were going to do, strategize. So, I mean, that's not really one moment. No, it's all good, though. I mean, it's still a game that affected you, you know, that something that you remember. Absolutely. I can't remember a time in this country where people came together more than the summer of Pokemon Go. That's a very true statement. Everyone was doing it, like old people and young people. Mm-hmm. I did it with my nephews who were like, you know, eight and nine at the time. And I got to be like the cool Aunt Helena who was like, yeah, let's talk about types of weaknesses, homie. <laughs> I didn't play during that summer because the phone that I had at the time couldn't support Pokemon Go. That's tragic. It was. I didn't get to like Tiff's, Tiffany, my wife, her, her phone could. I remember installing it on her phone and she was playing it a little bit when it first started. 
I had a tablet that could run it, but I couldn't really go anywhere because I was on Wi-Fi. So. Oh, God. Oh, that's so horrible. I'm so sorry that you missed out on that. <laughs> but I remember that. Like, I, I do remember that summer. I remember everybody talking about it. I remember going to downtown Rochester to stop for a burger place, and people were just all sitting in this parking lot playing Pokemon Go. Yeah, it was... It brought everyone together, but it also divided people because people would ask you which team you were on. And I was on, well, I'm on Instinct. I still play it. And like, I feel like Mystic and Valor kind of ganged up on Instinct. Like Instinct was kind of like, you know, like the rebel group. I feel like I'm really talking myself up right here. But <laughs> <laughs> like there weren't as many people in Instinct as there were in Mystic and Valor. So we were kind of like the underdogs. But there was just these, like, pure rivalries that would form due to which team you were in. I was Team Mystic, because I like yeah. other people and blue. Yeah, I just let you know that's fucking lame. <laughs> I, I don't play anymore, unfortunately, but I still have my account and everything. I just, I don't have any interest right now. Oh, okay. Well, I was going to say you should pick it back up so we can send each other gifts, but... Uh, <laughs> I should pick I it back not. up. <laughs> you should, you should, you should. Now they do a thing where... You get a daily incense, so it's a 15-minute uh, period during the day where it attracts Pokemon to you. So, like, I work from home. When I have downtime, I attract some Pokemon, and I just sit in my desk and play for a little bit if I need a break, and it's magical. Okay. That, I mean, I haven't really played in a while. I really, because I was big in, because Gen 1 and Gen 2 are my gens, and then as the game kept progressing, I I kind of lost interest a bit. Mm-hmm. Because I just, I don't know the Pokemon anymore. <laughs> no, that totally, that makes sense. I mean, Pokemon purists will say, like, the original 151 are, you know, the best. Which I I subscribe to that <laughs> that position. I'm I okay with Gen 2 and 3, but anything beyond that, it's, it's a little too much for me. I've never played, I've never played past Gen 3, really. I've tried playing Platinum and stuff like that, but I just never stuck with it also like the raid situation i know you're saying that you do raid you did raids mm-hmm. like i know they have the remote stuff yet but i've never i haven't messed with that ever yeah you know i tried to do a remote raid the other day and i think that the area of jacksonville that i live in is a little bit lower on the pokemon goers so i was the only one in the raid Ooh. i was fighting against mega gengar and it kicked my ass i barely made a dent in it <laughs> because it was just me and this like 50,000 CP Pokemon with my, like, 3,000 CP Pokemon trying to fight it. Yeah, right. You're not going to get anywhere. <laughs> uh, no, I, I didn't even make it to, like, a quarter down, which is usually, like, the sign for me that I'm at least contributing if I'm in a large group is if I can get it a quarter down by myself. But, no, it was pathetic. It's a pathetic show. I'm ashamed. <laughs> when you lived here, did you ever go to the Mall of America and play? Absolutely. I worked at Regstock in the Mall of America. So when I had breaks, I would walk around the mall in circles, just getting all the stops. It was the best. That's what me and Tiff used to do. We would go to the mall like almost every week after work, just so we could walk around the mall and play Pokemon Go together. That's what the pro players do, though. They (laughs) go to Mall of America because like every store is a stop there. Uh huh. You can get so much shit just by... Like, perking your ass somewhere, you can hit, like, five stores at once. And you had all the raids that would go on there, too? Because I, I remember doing a raid for Heatran once. That was, like, that was really exciting to me because I didn't catch them, but Tiff did. But I remember <laughs> fighting them, L.L. Bean, right? Because the giant shoe was, for those that know Minnesota and Mall, Mall America, was a gym at the time. Probably still is, but. Amazing. Yeah, <laughs> I 
speaking of heartbreak, I once lost out on a shiny Moltres. Oh. I was devastated. All of my friends had caught it. Yeah, I'd be. I didn't. Oh, awful. I enjoyed the game a lot. I just kind of fell off over time. Part of it was that we moved, and where we moved to, there weren't any Pokestops, like, like where I could walk easily. Like, where I used to live was a park. I'd go walk by and, like, four Pokestops. Yeah, and I mean, like, that's that's kind of the tragedy of it, is that you can request Pokestops, but there's no, you know, telling if they'll actually install one there. And, like, I think that what really made it fall off, too, is we had the pandemic. And while there were some people who would play Pokemon Go just to make sure they made it outside, I mean, I don't know how it was where you were living, but, like, when I I was in Virginia at the time where the pandemic hit, uh, no one was leaving their house because everyone was freaked out because we didn't, I think it was before we knew how it was spreading. Yeah. That nobody wanted to go outside. So I think that that's probably why they... um, made the daily incense a thing. So, like, you could attract Pokemon even when you're at home. And that's certainly why they make the remote uh, raid passes a thing. But, yeah, I think they lost a lot of players due to coronavirus. It was a bad time. I want to say around me, people still got out. At least I know I got out and walked in the park because there was no one around. I used to do that with my dog all the time and still try to play. Mm. But then I, I just, I don't, I don't remember when I fell off. I know it was sometime during COVID I, I fell off. We stopped. We didn't go. The mall was closed. We didn't go to the mall anymore. So I couldn't. I mean, that took that was a, a big part of it for me was going there and loading up on items and that whole the way it was. Yeah, I did take some time off, like a few years. I think for me, it wasn't due to the coronavirus. It was because I lived in Old Town where there were, you know, all those people doing it all the time. And then I moved out to Fairfax, Virginia, which is, you know, a nice place to walk around, but not quite as many players out there and so when it's just you playing not as much fun no it, it it's such a fun group activity exactly but now they have a feature where you can battle uh online so you can train up your pokemon and play players all across the globe that's cool yeah that's actually been super fun for me because like you know when you're driving it says you know you're moving too fast make sure you're not the driver which I can't drive anymore. So when I'm the passenger and I'm playing, uh, you can never hit the stops because you're moving too fast. <laughs> but you can always battle because that just relies on your internet. I have a good story with that. Once uh, early on, did you ever go? I think it. Think it was. I can't remember. Okay, I can't remember the street. Was it? There was a street in Minnesota. I think it was the Minneapolis area where you could had all these little like like signs or plaques and probably with plaques all over this area on the sidewalk. And you could drive up and down the street going like 10 miles an hour and just keep spinning Pokestops. Oh my God. I remember that. Yeah. And I did that and one time. I was, I was, it was like, it was probably like 10 o'clock at night. It's dark out. I'm driving with Tiff and I'm driving slow because I'm trying to spin Pokestops and the cop pulls me over. And I remember, and he's like, and I'm, and I'm like, oh crap. So I'm just sitting there. He's talking with me. I'm like, nope, didn't touch my phone at all. Nope. My wife was doing it all. I was like, and then, you know, I just said, well, playing a game. I didn't want to go into details. And then, then I, I, did, I didn't show up again for like oh, over weeks. So I didn't want to go do that again. Did you just admit to a crime on a podcast, Mike? Uh, no, I, Tiff was doing it, not me. I was <laughs> but it was just funny. I remember being so nervous. I'm like, oh, great. And then we just drove. We kept doing it for a little bit more than we drove off. And I'm like, and then we didn't do it again for a while. I didn't want to go over there. It wasn't. It, it took away the thrill for me after I got pulled over. God, the thrill. <laughs> 
<laughs> it was it was a thrill driving around getting poker stuff. Oh my god. Oh wow. You know, I never I never did that because I'm a law abiding citizen. But <laughs> I remember Yeah, before they implemented the the speed monitor, because there was a brief window of time where they didn't implement that and people could drive while playing. <laughs> and walking through the streets of downtown St. Paul dead ass of the night like it was insane because you would see people like swerving because they were <laughs> on their phones you could see them on their phones and you could nearly go off onto the sidewalk and like you had to be very careful when you were crossing the street it it was actually like it was a little scary so you know you're talking about getting this thrill from spinning pokemon while driving i'm talking about the thrill of nearly getting run over by players who were playing and driving which is terrifying. Yeah, especially when you're going that speed. Like, yeah, they were not slowing down, and there were. I remember there were a lot of stories about like police getting involved and all of that, and it was like a big to do. What was going on? I know with the Minnesota State Fairgrounds, they took away all the poke stops that were there because people kept going there and driving around and hanging out there. Amazing. They had I them had- all removed. <laughs> I, so, like, I'm a little ashamed to admit this, but the first night I was playing Pokemon, Pokemon Go, I was in a friend's house, and we were really close to a cemetery, and I was like, oh, what if they put ghost Pokemon in there? So I'm, like, trolling around the cemetery at night. Didn't really realize how disrespectful that was, that I'm, like, spinning stops on people's graves. It's okay. They're not there to care. And, you know, but, like... I, when I finished up, you know, I leave the cemetery, I thought about it, I'm like, oh my god, am I a piece of shit? No, like, <laughs> not at all. You're just getting like, oh my god, <laughs> I can't believe I did that. I'm you're only a piece of shit if you're destroying things while you're in there. Then you're otherwise are fine. Destroying dignity? I don't know. Like, or, or sacrificing geese. That happened to me once with somebody, that's a, what? that was a, some people sacrifice geese in a cemetery and I ended up finding the dead bodies later on as a kid. What? It was really weird. Yeah. They had a whole candle thing set up on a board. It was all like a whole satanic ritual they had going on in the cemetery that I found. This turned into a horror. <laughs> it, was, it was weird. It was, I was like eight and I was with my dad. And I didn't know what any of the stuff. I'm like, what the hell? Like, I'm like, okay, like, I, there are candles over here. Like, what's going on? <laughs> yes. Oh, and last question I want to ask you quick is what is your Pokedex at in Pokemon Go? Oh, fuck. <laughs> <laughs> I have to actually open it up and look at what it is. I know, like, okay, don't laugh at me. I just spent five ninety nine getting Pokemon coins so I could expand my Pokedex. Oh, I've done it too. It's yeah, because I caught too many and they they cap you and then mm-hmm. you can't catch anything. But like everything, you know, I get rid of all of my extras as I go, so I don't have any room for anything new. <laughs> okay, my Pokedex, my app is telling me that I'm at four hundred forty caught and four hundred sixty three seen. Okay, that's pretty good. You. And I have all 151 from the first gen. All I'm missing is Mewtwo. That's what broke me. Dude, do you want to trade? I, I wouldn't be. I would not be against that. I'm gonna send you. To, I'm gonna. Start actually, playing again. <laughs> I will literally trade you a uh, Mewtwo if you start playing again. Maybe I, I might do that because that would that would cap me at 150. Then I just need Corsola to finish Johto, and then the first two gens are done. Hell yeah! I'm sure I have Corsola. I yeah. We can we can arrange this. All right. Well, thank you, Helena, for sharing that. And thank you for maybe, it sounds like you're probably making me play Pokemon Go again. So, uh, yeah, it's, it's good for your health. You know, get out there and walk a little bit. Which I need to do now, <laughs> especially now that I work from home. So, 
<laughs> oh, I, I feel that, yeah. <laughs> All right, well, thank you, and stay tuned for the next interview. Hi, and who's with me? Hi, this is Lucas, and I am joining on the show for the second time now. It's good to be back. <laughs> Welcome back. And as I've asked, I'm assuming, depending on what year you pick, <laughs> what is your favorite gaming memory? So I struggled with this a lot. Um, I tried to decide whether I wanted to go with nostalgia or what genuinely was the most impactful, and I went with the latter. Okay. Um, so my favorite memory is actually going to be from 2016. So fairly recently, but that was whenever a little game called Overwatch released. Before that came out, I was not a big online multiplayer type of guy. Part of that was just not having the internet to do it. The other half was I felt like I wasn't very good at it. Uh, so a couple of factors that led into it, but because of some encouragement from the Overblood community, actually, um, <laughs> I was convinced to buy it, try it out. It was right at the height of release, so like everybody was still enjoying it and having a lot of fun and just trying new things out. And so me and a couple of other members got together to play, and I was trying to fool around with the different characters, figure out what was going right. We played for probably five plus hours that night, just going through different things. And the moment whenever it clicked with me, and this is this is the favorite memory, is I decided that I wanted to try a support character. Mercy was sold to me as the most user-friendly. And so I picked that up. We were going. Things were going well. I was having a lot of fun keeping people up. Like People were being very encouraging about it. And right at the end of the game, we were getting into that kind of overtime scenario. And the whole team was on the point with the exception of me. I was coming back. And the other team had used up all their ults. Again, it's overtime. Just get them off the point. Let the timer run down. And sure enough, they had killed the entire rest of the team, the other five players. At that time, I had my ultimate, which in the original Overwatch, Mercy's res would basically revive the entire team. So that little overtime bar was just slowly trickling down. You kind of hear the defeated voices or the comms from teammates being like, oh, man, like they they just got the upper hand on us. And then I flew in, hit that triangle button, and then just everyone is back up. And there was this collective kind of... <laughs> rejoice that happened of like did that just happen like can we win this now and sure enough we did and it was just this overwhelming kind of sense of joy and amazement of like that just happened i can't believe we were able to pull that off did you see what lucas just did like he <laughs> saved us from this defeat this moment and then one of my favorite parts of overwatch whenever it first came out is immediately after the match ended it goes straight into that kind of play of the game or who has the highlight of the game. So we got to relive the moment again <laughs> and everyone, like we were all just still glowing from the fact that that just happened. That's pretty and, cool. And that's that, like, I know that game has fallen from, from grace over the past few years, I know, especially when the past, in the past few months, I don't know uh, that that started my love for Overwatch. Unfortunately, I've never touched it. I wanted to, but I don't play multiplayer games, so I never, I stay right. away from it. And that's totally, fair. like I said, I was the same way for the longest time. And again, there, there's a lot to be said about how that has fallen from grace since launch. But I still look back upon that, that like specific first night of playing through 
and then realizing of not only did you do something exciting yourself, but everyone else on the team is just communicating in chat and also in, a, in amazement at like, oh my God, that was something <laughs> that, that just happened. Like that's something that you can do in this game is have like that kind of nail biting just right at the end of the line, under the wire, just completely turning a situation around to get a victory. And it was it was absolutely incredible. And that it started my love for that game. You still play it currently? I played a little bit of the beta for two. I'm interested in it because it's free to play. And again, mm-hmm. I, I've put probably close to, if not over a thousand hours into that first one. So it's definitely something I'm going to check out. I I am skeptical because I, I don't know if they've ironed out all the kinks as far as what has, has led it to fall. I don't even know it was free to play for, this, for the second one. It is. And I, I think that's a step in the right direction for sure. Um, because in my opinion, where things started to fall apart is um, they had they were ahead of the curve in some ways with their model of, hey, pay $60 and then all content updates are going to be free. And they stuck to that for probably the first two and a half, three years. Okay. And then that's whenever the two announcement came out and then content updates started to stop. And Ah. I think that really killed the momentum. And especially whenever you compare it to other games who saw that model, like say Apex or Fortnite of, hey, we're going to do the same thing where as far as maps or characters, all of that's going to be free. And then if you want to support us or give us money, then, hey, we have season pass or we have cosmetics. And they've just continued to build upon that. Whereas whoever at Blizzard decided, actually, no, we need more money. We need to put a two on this. I think that just completely, they they had the right model and the right idea. And then I'm sure some executive made them cave on it. Oh, yeah. Which is unfortunate because it is a successful model. Like I said, it's worked incredibly well for some of these other free-to-play games. I mean, free-to-play can work well. You Absolutely, when done it. right. <laughs> you but have like, to support it and you have to do it right. I mean, can you, you can buy cosmetics for Overwatch 1, can't you? You can. So there's there's loot boxes, which will... Oh, God, okay. That's why the hatred. Right, give you cosmetics. But then also, whenever you, whenever you level up, you get a free box. And if you have a duplicate in that box, so something that you already own for a character, then it automatically transitions into the in-game currency. And in-game currency can be used to buy anything in the store. So for me personally, like I think I bought maybe loot boxes maybe two or three times out of the, again, thousands of hours that I put into it. (laughs) Because I was playing so much and unlocking so much stuff that it never became an issue of, oh man, I really want that, but I feel like I'm going to have to grind out to get the the cash to do it, or I'm going to have to spend money to be able to obtain that. Like It was almost always, oh, hey, that's something cool that has come out for this new event. I have all this cash saved up. Let me wait. Let me play through to the end of this event or this end of the quote-unquote season. And if I don't (laughs) have what I want, then I have the cash or the currency saved up to be able to buy it. So it was never as pervasive as... Some people made it out, or at least for me personally. I do fear that it's going to be worsened too, though. Again, that's part of my hesitation for... It will be. I, 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 I want to love it. I would love to get back into it and have a good time. And I, I see sparks of that in the beta. 
but with the current state of Blizzard, I I'm really worried that they're gonna just royally screw it up. <laughs> no, I completely. I hope things are different once Microsoft kind of takes over, but I don't expect there's gonna be much of a change, at least not for a long time. Because to me, again, it all comes back to the heart of it. Like to me, the fun in that game is getting with a group of friends and seeing something ridiculous happen or <laughs> seeing somebody pull something off and thinking, oh my God, I could never have such a clutch moment like that. But then two or three games later, you you do. You do something and everybody in chat is like, wow, that was like that was actually solid. And it's those little kind of kind of moments of feeling like you did something special that went towards the team winning and then almost always having that validated by your teammates. Which again, if you're playing solo, it it there has been that kind of rise in toxicity since they introduced competitive <laughs> mode, which is another whole other issue. Oh, was the game not competitive at first? Like it didn't have it was a, like, a rank no, mode? It was, it was strictly just quick play whenever it started. Oh, that would have been fun. I, I wanted to get into it at one point. It might have already been past that point with a few of my friends, but they were like, no, because they didn't want it. They got mad when they play competitive stuff where I didn't really care. Right. And again, that was part of the pro. Like whenever they introduce competitive so much of the adjustments or the balance changes went around modeling things around competitive and then people who would come into quick play well that would be their warm-up for competitive so they were kind of bringing that competitive mentality into what should have been a more light-hearted mode and i think that Ruined turned it. a lot of people away who were possibly playing solo or only playing with one friend as opposed to me who at the time was playing with at least four to five other people did it have the same kind of like ranking system like Halo 2? I know used to have where if you lost, you would lose your rank and things. It did. Mm-hmm. So okay, now that. Yeah, I remember in Halo 2, I had friends that like they get to a certain rank and they would not play because they're like, I'm not losing my rank. So they would not touch it again. Yeah, so it goes in increments of 500. And then whenever you drop out of that 500 tier, I think you have, I want to say it's five games to get back into it. But again, it doesn't take much for people to be in a losing streak and get in that mm-hmm. mindset of, oh, just one, like, I just need one more or I just need two more to get back to where I was so I don't lose this emblem. And that's a that's a slippery slope to gamble. <laughs> yeah, no, I can. Yeah, I can understand that, especially when it comes to the competitive stuff. It's one thing like a single player game, like, oh, I keep losing this boss fight in Dark Souls. I'm going to turn off the game and walk away. Right, right. It's easier. But, I mean, it's harder with multiplayer. I mean, I had a lot of fun with the competitive mode, but again, to me... The defining moment of what, like, what made me fall in love with that game was was in quick play of just kind of the hey, some characters were broken or some abilities were broken, <laughs> but everybody was having a good time. It wasn't so much about winning as much as it was about holy cow, did you see like what I just did? That got us the point, or maybe that did get us the win, or man, I can't believe we lost, but someone our t- on our team still got play of the game because like, did you see what they did earlier? Like we were rolling through them, and I, I miss that from that game. Did you play as like a lot of the characters, or did you have, or did you just mainly main as Mercy? I had probably three hundred ish hours into Mercy. She was nice. my go-to for probably the first year and a half. Okay. Um, they made some changes to her after competitive was implemented, and that kind of pushed me away from her a little bit. Um, at this point, I can pretty much pick up any character outside of a sniper and and hold my own. That's cool. It's one of the games I regret that I've never played, but I have no like hell. There was an example where I worked at a FedEx and we had stickers throughout the store that someone put in there. And there was a sticker and I could I, I know my video game characters. I could not figure out who the hell this was. It was somebody from this game. <laughs> and it, it, 
I had no idea who it was. I don't even remember who it was now. I just remember it had something that was like a scorpion tail or something, and we could not figure out. Multiple of us were like, we have no idea who this is. We had to do like a reverse image search on Google to figure out it was some, it was somebody from this game. That's that's pretty good. <laughs> that's See, I'm bad. Like I touched over. I could tell you every character. Like you could throw up a picture and be like, oh yeah, not so and so. They do this, this, and this. <laughs> this is a good counter for them. This is what they're useful for. This is maps maybe you do or don't want to play with them these characters pair with like i got it sucked me in deep it like halfway through college and that was that was pretty much all i would i would go to class maybe go out for a drink or get some dinner and then it's like hey guys like our group text is blowing up like what what time are we getting on for <laughs> for overwatch and then you'd start that and then all of a sudden it would go from eight o'clock to one thirty in the morning and we're still just having a blast that's awesome, though. I mean, those are the years to do it, though, before you're, you know, a lot of times in relationships or have kids or things like that nature where you have the time. Right. Absolutely. Because I, yeah, <laughs> that's cool. Thank <laughs> you for sharing that, though. Yeah, no. And again, I I hope the second one turns out well. I, I would really like for them to be able to recapture that kind of I hope that so. magic of what it first was at launch. But the pessimist in me is saying that that it's it's going to be difficult with. With everything that's been going on. <laughs> I wouldn't say pessimism. I would say more of the realization of the company that owns it is the problem. Absolutely, yeah. Which, again, like you <laughs> said, mean... hopefully Microsoft can step in and kind of keep things at a at a reasonable level. Or even if, if the microtransactions are more bothersome, I hope that they at least stick to their guns on steady content rollout. Because I think that's, that's really where they dropped the ball to begin with, was yeah, not you... sticking to that format. You have and to then other games are doing it so well. I mean, you can I, do microtransactions with cosmetics, and people are usually pretty okay with that. Because people that want to spend the money will spend the money, but they need to be able to buy the cosmetics, not just buy loot boxes. Right. I mean, you can you know make them more expensive or do something, but you can't make everything just gambling. But again, That's, and then you can't just stop and say, "Hey, we're doing a sequel. We don't know when it'll be out." That regular content update that or updates that we were talking about actually that's going to stop. Because within the first two, like I said, two and a half to three years, it was a steady rollout of every six months, either a new map or a new character. And it would kind of flip flop. And again, you see similar things with Apex or Fortnite of, hey, new season, you're getting a new map or new season, we're introducing a new character or, you know, just little things like that. And it, it goes a long way. And whenever you start with that and then go back on your word on it and then just stall and there's nothing new coming out. It, it's rough. I can see that. Well, thank you for sharing that, Lucas. Hey, yeah, absolutely. And I'm glad I got talking about a game I've never talked about before. So, hey, <laughs> hey, if I let you know if if two is better and then we'll have to get you in to experience hopefully some of some similar magic. I wouldn't mind trying it. Like a that's be free to play. I'd be willing to try it like one or two times, a couple times, like one night or two nights, just and then record right. about it, and I'd be good. But <laughs> <laughs> right, that's, I'm just not a multiplayer guy. It's got to have an end for me. But all right, well, thank you for sharing that, and stay tuned for the next interview. Hi, and who's with me? Hey, this is Kerry Chandler, Carusetta, K E R O O S E T A on Twitch and other social medias. And welcome for the special episode. And what is your favorite gaming memory? So uh, the one that I decided to, th- to talk about was playing through Breath of the Wild. Okay. When it f- a little bit after when it first came out, playing it with my son. So my son turned five years old a month after the Switch and Breath of the Wild came out almost to the day. And so he spent 
my wife and I had like made a compromise that he wouldn't start playing any video games, having any screen time, anything uh, until he turned five. So for that like first month that I had Breath of the Wild, he sat and watched me play Breath of the Wild. And then after, you know, once he turned five, I was like, all right, now you can play. And so what we did was he held one Joy-Con and I held the other. So one of us controls Link's legs and one of us controls his arms, which I recommend for anyone that's got someone to play with. If you want to play Breath of the Wild hard mode, that that is Breath of the Wild hard mode is, uh, yeah, yeah. Playing it like a tale of two brothers, that that old Xbox game. But yeah, I know so, that game. Yeah, so we played. Um, we played through. Uh, I mean, I think we we got through most of the game that way. Eventually, he started playing on his own, and he eventually beat the game on his own. Um, and of course, you know, I beat it on my own too, on my own save file. But yeah, that was um, that was like a really cool bonding experience with my son. And he's still he's a huge you know he's a big gamer. He's ten now, and <laughs> like now he just started. He found my um, my little uh, Zelda Game Boy Pocket, like the the new the new ones. Yes, that has, yeah, and he, fa- he found that, and he's playing the original Legend of Zelda, which is, you know, one of the very first video games I ever owned and played, and it's one of my favorite games still to this day. And he's in, he's really enjoying it; he's really into it, and I think that it makes sense. Like, imagine your first video game being Breath of the Wild. I mean, I right? hated Breath of the Wild, but that is still oh. I. <laughs> so, so Breath of the Wild is my favorite video of all time. Is my okay. number one favorite game ever, and uh, and so yeah, like I just like for for what's my very favorite game ever, and that's his first game. That's the bar that all games will be judged against, you know. But it's cool <laughs> seeing him play the original Legend of Zelda, which I spent. I played the. I mean, I played that so much as a kid. I spent hundreds of hours as a kid playing that, and I got like eventually had fifteen hearts. I had the third sword. And somebody turned off the NES too quickly and it erased my file and I had to start all over again. And I just, that was a game I played throughout my life. And I didn't, I I started playing that game when I was six years old, 1989, and I did not beat it until I was 21, you know, but I I played it to death. I just know that game so much. I play, now I play Zelda randomizers and all that. And (laughs) you can see the DNA of the original Legend of Zelda and Breath of the Wild more than in any other Zelda game. It is Breath of the Wild is the like realization of that open world dream of the original Zelda. And so I think it's cool now, like seeing him start off with Breath of the Wild and now he's playing the original and he loves it. He's really into that it. That is pretty cool. I mean the original yeah. I really like the original a lot. I played it for the played it for the show a while, a while ago. Oh yeah, I know. Not that long ago, but I really liked it. Like I I, I was into it way more than I expected. Like it held yeah, up. It, it really does hold up. It is also it's it's pretty hard. It's not as hard as you know the too. adventure of Link, which <laughs> is like torture but still it's a good. good. Game. It's a really good game, but it's brutal. It is yeah, extra it ain't, brutal. It makes it Dark Souls up. look easy, but still. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but it is hard, and he's like he's having a real hard time with it. I eventually I was like he's like I just can't kill this like blue duck in front of the white sword. I'm like duck, that's a Lionel. He's like, that's a Lionel? <laughs> yeah. And uh, so I eventually, I was like, I, I got him, I got him, I got him a heart, a, a fifth heart so he could get the, the, the magic sword and be able to actually, actually kill some things. But yeah, it's just, it's, um, yeah. So yeah, playing, playing games with my son is like, is, is like, 
being able to share my number one hobby with my number yeah. one most important person is really cool. And Breath of the Wild being the first game that we shared together, like that's you, that's just like I mean, imagine if like our first game had just been you know like I don't even I don't even know. <laughs> I was trying <laughs> to think about out there. Yeah, you know, I was saying there's some there could, there could be some like bad ones too. It's like. Our our our, for our first game we played was you know Mass Mass Effect Andromeda or something, but but no, yeah, Breath of, but yeah, Breath of the Wild playing with my son and our self created hard mode. That's my that's my gaming memory. Okay, that's really cool. I mean, the reason I didn't like Breath of the Wild, I should put it out there. People that are hating me because I I played Breath of the Wild. I got it on release day. I had Same. just beat Dark Souls one, and then I started playing it, and I wasn't in the I wasn't expecting the game to be what it was. And there were no guides, really. There was nothing for me to look up. And even no bonfires. The, so, yeah, <laughs> I, it wasn't I didn't know what to do. And the game wasn't telling me enough. And I didn't I didn't like it because I like being, you know, I mean, anyone listening to the show knows I like my games where you tell me what to do. I, yeah, and I think I think uh, people have listened to us. Listen to me on the show. Probably probably know I'm, I'm really into when things go off experimental and, mm-hmm. and go off in their weird direction. So. Yeah, I really enjoyed that it wasn't really telling me what to do. I just wandered around, like set things on fire, found Koroks. I didn't find a so single much. Korok in the time that I played. Oh my gosh. And I played, I got off the plateau, I ran around the world, I got to the a Divine Beast, the one in the there, Zora camp. There's area. like 15 Koroks on the plateau. Just didn't see, I, I didn't know <laughs> to look for them. Yeah. So I never looked for them. And this is pre- podcast mike so this mike was actually looking for things and doing playing that way that's okay and it was the it was just the fact that i couldn't hold that many weapons and the things weapons break and weapons kept breaking on me constantly that i could never even like i couldn't even keep a weapon to kill an enemy and i just was like i don't enjoy this yeah you know the the weapon degradation thing is a thing that is divisive i think of it um you know i i think that it, it has good and bad to it um the, if if weapons never broke, then you would it would be like Dark Souls. You would have like one or two weapons you use the entire game, you know. Um, so the fact that the weapons break, you have to constantly be switching and trying new things and discovering like, oh, I like this weapon, I like that weapon. Like um, I know it's a good game, and someday I will go yeah. back to it on the Switch. But oh, were you playing it on the Wii U? Wii U? Yeah, mm-hmm. I think I think it's good on the Wii U. You know, that was it was definitely designed for the Wii U in mind. Oh yeah. But, the, the Wii U tablet is supposed to be the Sheikah Slate, like clearly. Mm-hmm. Um, but no, I've, I've only played it on the Switch. I, That's I the actually, right way. The Switch is, the Nintendo 64 and the Switch are the two consoles in my life that I got on the day they released. And yeah, I got the, I, I pre-ordered the Switch a month before it came out. So I, I walked into GameStop that on March 3rd, 2017, uh, 2017, I walked into GameStop and picked up my Nintendo Switch and Breath of the Wild, <laughs> and a, a a voucher for Mario Kart when it would come out a month later. But I did all that right there on that first day. So I started playing it the day it came out on the Switch. And but you also it, are it you're a mind. gamer that likes, like you said, exploration. Where I'm, I'm the gamer oh, that yeah. wants to to be told, go here. Okay, thank you. Yeah, I'm the I'm the I'm the like hardcore Dark Souls fan that thinks Elden Ring is the best Souls game, which is something that some of your fans will not like to hear. So. I'm so curious. I think it's a popular. It. I think it's a popular opinion, though. Elder Ring's doing really well. So yeah, I mean, I once I can emulate Dark Souls one, it's going on the show, hundred percent. Oh, because you need save states. 
Well, I, I can beat it without save states, but to enable with with the show for a podcast, I'll yeah. never. Yeah, I would get too angry and want to break things. Yeah. Well, so, there's no. You I, know, if you got if you get it on PC at this point, there's mods and stuff if you play offline. So, okay. and I mean, you, you actually you have to play offline. Yeah, there's no online anymore. Yeah, yeah. I I actually rebought the Dark Souls trilogy on my uh, PlayStation because I got tired of waiting for the PC servers to come back. I don't think they. I don't think they are coming back. Well, they said no. They said they they gave an update a few weeks ago that they're coming back. That they're working on it still. Okay, I, I do want to get Dark Souls on PC because if I could mod it to where I could just run through it. Easier. Oh yeah, definitely. There, there's definitely like easy mode mods, which I think since you've you've beaten the game, I don't think there's any shame in going back and playing it. I mean, honestly, I don't, I don't care. Everybody, play I have no shame mode. in anything. Play, play you, games. You listen to me. Play games the way you want to play them, and don't let people make you feel bad for it. Now, plus, I beat Dark sure. Souls one and two, and did almost every boss in Dark Souls one and two, except for like. I'll say if you've beaten Dark Souls two, you've earned your bona fides with the Souls community because Dark Souls two. It's a good game. Yeah, I love Dark Souls two. I know a lot of people hate on it, but that is a really good game. I got into an argument on Reddit about about it today because I said it's really good. It is good. The issues people with it. Heard that. Well, people have issues with it that that aren't realistic. I mean, <laughs> yeah. it's just. It's a good game. It's just not as good as the first one. The world's not as connected, but it's still a great game. That doesn't That's make the best it. best story and best characters in the series. And some, some great boss fights. I I think in one the only boss I didn't do was the lurker boss, like a blue robot thing or something. I think I skipped him. And um, that Dark Souls one or two. Dark Souls two. You're talking about the uh, the blue smelter demon. No, okay, I skipped I skipped a whole bunch of bosses in two, but no, in He's one in the I think DLC. there's a boss, a covenant boss. I skipped. Oh, I don't. Yeah, I don't know. Okay, I can't. Or maybe it's two, and I just don't remember. I, I haven't. I haven't oh, looked no, Dark, at them. You're talking about Dark Lurker. That's in Dark Souls two, and that's a covenant that I locked myself out of by killing the guy that gives you the covenant. Oh, the wheelchair guy. Yeah, I killed. I killed him fast. I was like, no, I, I don't like you. Beat, you seem shady. I might have beat every boss in Dark Souls one. Then. Yeah, I'm sure you did. There's not a lot of bosses in Dark Souls one. There's I did like, the DLC too. The DLC was tough, but I did DLC Dark Souls two. I. I, I skipped a bunch of the DLC ones. I'm like, fuck this. This is just, I don't care anymore. Dark Souls 1, uh, my first playthrough, I went cheesy. And I just pyromancy and full Havel's gear and just stand in bosses' faces, just chugging Estus and pyroblasting them while they can't do anything about it. I can't remember how I Beat played. Beat Artorias in one, one tries, nothing. I had a, I played sad. Shield, very Shield heavy, but I don't remember how I, I don't remember the game at all anymore. It's been a while. But yeah, I want to go back to it. I just, I have to be able to cheat yeah, so no, I, I think that's I think that's acceptable. So I can beat the game in a couple of weeks without the fear, like fuck, I just can't. Like, because my biggest boss issue in that, or my biggest issue in Dark Souls one, the one that broke me to the point where I wanted to quit the game was Sin's Fortress. Oh yeah, that's that's for a lot of people. I think I think uh, Sin's Fortress is kind of is a little bit of a, a patience check, and then Ornstein and Smo are a skill check. If you I, can, and Ornstein. then once you beat Ornstein and Smo, the rest of the game is kind of downhill from there. I, I got the final boss is a joke because when I fought Ornstein Smog, two people had put signs down and they both oh, yeah, there you go. And we massacred them. Yeah. The first time I beat that, I mean, really, I think I, I always summoned Solaire for that fight. So oh, I, I had real people. Solaire wasn't around for me. I don't think I didn't know where he, I couldn't find him. Yeah. His summon signs on the staircase. Uh, I think I'm on the have... right side. I don't remember. He was my um, friend or not that time. I don't remember if I did shit to not rest. Cause I know I wasn't always the best at, saving npcs and i probably should have been so yeah but uh but anyway yeah breath of the wild um <laughs> speaking of emulating you can emulate breath of the wild on pc and there's all sorts of fun mods 
I haven't gone that road of emulation because it's too it's too new for me to want to mess with. Yeah. I no, once the I, system I is dead. Hundred percent. No, it's the Wii U. Wii U is what I'm talking about. The oh, Wii you can U emulate version. Wii U. Oh yeah, definitely. I've I've emulated Wii U. Ooh, um, Devil's Third. Here I come someday. Yeah, yeah. I've emu- I've emulated a number of Wii U games. It's it's not it's not very hard because it's it's basically on it's I don't even it's it's not okay. that much more powerful than a Wii. So. <laughs> Okay, that has my attention because I'm I'm okay with I just will not emulate anything current because then I feel like I'm on the verge of I'm too close to piracy. No, no, I hear you. Yeah, well, the Wii U is official. I mean, they they officially like you can't add money to your account anymore. Yeah, so. it's a dead system. That doesn't want a dead system don't bother anymore. me. Just live yeah. ones. Yeah. Okay. So yeah, the Wii U is definitely uh, and and yeah, there's lots of mods for for it. Like, and so. last thing I want to say about Breath of the Wild, the comment this comment on your memory because <laughs> I think it's funny. Because I, I got it day one, and every so often I go, I should get that on Twitch. And, and my wife looks at me and goes, you bought it. On, you still got to beat the Wii U version. You're playing on my Switch. We don't have <laughs> She always gives me crap about it. Because since we've been together, and it's been almost seven years, I've only bought one game brand new, and that was Breath of the Wild. And I barely played it, because I got mad at it. That's funny. So she gives me shit all the time about it. Every time I bring up Breath of the Wild. That's funny. Because I still I want to rebuy it, but I don't want to pay much for it i want to I mean, that, man they're not going to discount that game that's that's i know that's a system seller, or if they give like, me a 40 dollar right pack with everything i'll buy it but yeah, the, the dlc for it is nice too someday DLC. someday it's going to be on the show because i i hope oh, i need to i need to do it but not anytime soon yeah i i love it i love the dressing up link in different costumes and stuff too just mixing a match i like that you can mix and match the armor and stuff it's kind of uh makes me think of kind of like i don't know like monster hunter a little bit with that Okay. Never played those. Uh, just the, the being able to have like different pieces of armor that do have different effects and interact with each other, and you have set bonuses. I guess or more like Diablo in that sense. Okay. Yeah, that's that's a Diablo thing. Well, we'll talk. Yeah. Well, someday I, I will play it. Awesome. Well, thank you, Carrie, can, for sharing. We can that. Talk about it on the. Sh- we could talk about it on the show for four hours. <laughs> yeah. Definitely. Right. Well, thank you for joining me. You made it. You made it to the end. <laughs> this That was the last of all the interviews, and you don't have to hear me say, and ready for the next interview ever again. <laughs> so when I recorded these, I actually had no idea what it was going to be like. When I started this, I didn't know the order. I didn't know the plans. It was one of those projects that really just kind of took form as it happened. I want to do something special to celebrate 100K. First, I just want to say thank you if you listen to all eight hours of favorite gaming memories. I mean, there is some great stuff. And, you know, maybe we'd convince you to pick up a game that you've just been neglecting to pick up. You know, that's what I like to believe. I like because it hell, to be honest, some of the people were talking about games. I'm like, man, I, you're, I need to try this or I need to get back to that game like Dark Souls. <laughs> So, and I hope it has the same effect on you. I want to thank you again for everybody listening to this, for everybody who took time out of their day to listen to, even if you listen to a few interviews, like, thank you. You Any download you ever do means so much to me in this show. Like, I can't believe that we hit 100K. Like, I think I said at the end of part one, I still, it's just, <laughs> I can't believe it. It's amazing. You know, and it means so much to me that people listen. The show's been around for three years and seven months around the time that you're hearing this, and we hit that number. So. Thank you so much for listening. Thank you so much for taking time out to listen to this episode. And tell a friend. Tell people about us. That is a great way for us to grow. And the more we grow, the more I'm going to end up doing. <laughs> to be honest. Like, you know, it doesn't cost you a dollar, but just spread us. Like, just tell people how much you enjoy Games My Mom Found. People ask, hey, what are some podcast recommendations? Recommend Games My Mom Found. And if you enjoyed the show, we do have over 350 other episodes for you to listen to. You can find everything on Podbean to Spotify. I do only go back so far. Um, 
I want to give a shout out to my awesome intro and outro courtesy of Helena at Hell Hasphere. You can follow her on TikTok. Also, we do have a Patreon for as little as a dollar you can vote in our Patreon polls. And if you're hearing this in September of 2022, we do have two polls going on right now for spookiness. So go vote in those polls. Also, please follow us on Facebook, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. And we're also on YouTube, audio only, but we are on YouTube. If you want to get your podcast that way. Also, I want to give a shout out to my awesome buddy, Bill Tucker, who did the MCU with me. He started his own podcast, Gamer Looks at 40. We got to hear him at one point during this, in the, in the part one of this giant episode. So definitely go check him out. He interviews people how video games affect their lives. Kind of, He's also what inspired the idea for this episode because of what he does. And it's like, I want to do that. And this gave me the perfect opportunity to do that. So definitely go check him out. And we have a Discord. So if you want to talk with us and talk with a lot of the guests of the show, and if you want to be a guest of the show, hey, that's a great way. Reach out to me on Discord. We'll talk. I'm always looking to get new people on the show. So, yeah, please. If you listen to this, well, you must be committed. So if you're hearing this right now, so yeah, just please just join Discord anyway and talk to us. And I think that's everything I need to say. So we will see you guys all next time. Bye, everybody.